On today's show, Howard gets acquainted with writer, actor, director, producer, and two-time Oscar winner Ben Affleck. So excited for it. Thirteen ghosts in the devil's head Step right up and feel the fire Hardcore love of the never dead Call me the American nightmare Call me the American dream You can call me your soul corrupted Call me everything you need Oh, yeah, oh, oh, I've always maintained. I've always maintained that a great song can be sung in any genre, and this proves it. <laughs> I'm Look not at sure that. this is true. <laughs> oh, come on. What's with you? What a Scrooge. Yeah, Ben what Affleck does Rob today. Think of it. Does Rob uh, like that? Rob, song Rob wishes cover? he wrote the Rob wishes he wrote the original in this format. <laughs> he loves it. He loves Christmas. Oh my God! I have a couple of exciting announcements to make. Um, you know, good thing you're up early because. This announced, well, first of all, let me tell you what's happening here. Uh, today, uh, Ben Affleck will be on the show, which I'm excited about. I, I need to discuss with him uh, some things about Batman. I need to discuss his new movie with him because uh, it's a very interesting movie. And I need to, uh, I, I, I got a lot to talk to him about. And, and also Does he tomorrow. Know things about Batman. You think he's so well steeped in Batman, you can. Ask him certain well, questions? Uh, yes. I think he knows his character, and I uh -huh. still maintain the notion that Batman could beat up Superman is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> and uh, I have many theories on it, and I want to discuss it with him. And I know, you know, but anyway, I, I won't get into that, that now. But isn't that what happened? Batman did beat up Superman. More importantly, yeah. More importantly, what I want to discuss with him is the nutty-ass fans who always, and this is something that's always intrigued me, and this only happens with superhero movies. When they cast you as Batman, I remember the first guy they ever cast as Batman in a serious way, not Adam West. I'm talking about uh, the great actor, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. Keaton. Yeah. Michael Keaton. And everyone, they were signing petitions, and there was a an uproar. Of how could you get Michael Keaton to play Batman? To the point that they tried to take the, the, the job from this guy, the fans, they were signing petitions and I, I think they stormed the studio. It looked like January 6th. <laughs> and, um, and then even when like Heath Ledger was chosen as the Joker, if you remember at the time Heath Ledger was more of a romantic comedy guy, he wasn't thought, Oh my God, how could he be the Joker? He's an asshole. He's a fucking moron. Meanwhile, the guy ended up posthumously getting an Academy Award for the role. When um, when Ben Affleck was chosen to be Batman. Oh, Ben Affleck, he can't be Batman. It seems like no matter who they put in that fucking part, people are nuts. 
Like they know something. They've never said, yes, that's the guy. (laughs) Well, it happens all the time. With with James Bond, this guy, this character now who plays him, I can't think of his name. Daniel Craig. uh, Daniel Craig. They were freaking out. He was blonde. How could James Bond be blonde? There were websites. James Bond is not Daniel Craig. He is not my James Bond. It's still up. The guy's already been in 17 James Bond movies. He's finished. He's quitting. And they're still saying he shouldn't do it. And these, yeah, and these people are morons. They never apologize. You never hear anything. I want to talk to him about that. I want to talk. I want him to talk to me about that. Because he's been admired in that kind of controversy. Yes, yes, yes. So stupid. Just but the you know, people out, do have an attachment to these characters. I remember when well, uh, Michael Keaton was first announced. I was like, how could he be Batman? He doesn't have any but, muscles. But <laughs> hasn't it been proven throughout time? That the American public doesn't know jack wrong. shit. They, yeah, yeah, they, they don't, don't know. know what they're talking about. Yeah. And I don't object anymore. I'm like, well, let's see what he can do. <laughs> well, that's right, because you've been proven wrong enough. Like, yeah, but Michael Keaton, he proved everybody wrong. But anyway, we'll talk to Ben Affleck. But I have a couple of very exciting announcements. One of which is that um, Ed Sheeran, let me tell you about Ed Sheeran. Let me find this announcement so I don't fuck it up. I wrote it down. I wrote down the Ed Sheeran announcement. And where is it? Uh, okay, okay, come on. <laughs> what, what, what are you, in a rush? you got 17 you're, you're hours to you're, go. You're prepared. <laughs> well, I am, but uh, but I can't. I was prepared, and now I'm unprepared. <laughs> uh, we will uh, air Ed Sheeran's Sirius XM Small Stages concert on Thursday. So what do I mean by this? Yes, uh, you know Ed was on, Ed was on our show in November. Uh, Sirius XM's uh, Small Stages concerts takes big performers like an Ed Sheeran and puts them into intimate theaters or clubs. And this is an exclusive event for our subscribers to watch up close. You don't buy a ticket if you're a subscriber; you have a shot at getting in. And uh, recently, we did Coldplay at the Apollo Theater for our subscribers. We did Alicia Keys, we did her, we did Brandy Carlisle, played a, a tent outside the Stevens Talk House in the Hamptons, which is real wow. small, yeah. very intimate. Uh, Dave Matthews did a concert. Uh, there have been um, Sirius XM small stage concerts in Nashville, Key West, Philly, and more. And uh, Ed Sheeran, who certainly can sell out huge stadiums. In fact, his last tour was the highest grossing tour of all time. Nine million tickets sold. And Ed did our concert for just over a thousand Sirius XM subscribers at the Belasco Theater in Los Angeles, which I asked someone, I go, I don't live in Los Angeles. I said, is that a big deal? They go, Belasco Theater, small, intimate theater. It's like a legendary theater, blah, 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 blah. So, um, anyway, Ed did this concert solo. He used the looping pedal as he's famous for. He played all the parts on Shape of You. Uh, did all the percussion with his guitar strings. You know how he does it. You've seen yeah. him do it. It's the, you know, give me a little, you know, this whole thing. This is from the show. Anyway, this will be on Howard 101 on Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern and 5 p.m. Pacific in my effort to bring our fans small intimate concerts, something they haven't heard before. I don't think from Ed Sheeran. Yeah. So that's one announcement. Now, the next announcement, this is big. 
This is very big. So that was small. This is big. <laughs> well, that was big, but this is bigger. <laughs> this is possibly the biggest thing I'm ever going to announce. Oh. Um, you know, the other day we were talking. Boy, this is a jam-packed week. This is our week before, you know, Christmas. It's our big Christmas week. Well, you know, I mean, yesterday, uh, Billie Eilish and Phineas, and today, Ben Affleck, tomorrow, Neil Young. But this is big for pre-Christmas. Okay. What is it? We were, but let me, uh, let me just say one more time. This is big for pre-Christmas. <laughs> You're in a rush today. I mean, you, no, uh, I'm you hanging want... on the edge of my seat. I'm going to fall. <laughs> Don't fall off. So we were talking the other day about who is the greatest whack packer of all time, blah, 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 blah. And uh, you, Robin, of course, said Beetlejuice. I said Eric the Actor. But it was it was moot. I mean, uh, it's hard to even pick who would be better between those two. And there's no doubt that Beetlejuice is certainly the greatest living whack packer and, uh, and most definitely one of the most important uh, people who have ever graced this show. Uh, Beetlejuice even transcends this show. It's a funny thing. I was uh, looking at my nephew's uh, Instagram, and he had a picture of Beetlejuice. And I don't even think he knew Beetlejuice was from my radio show. I think Really? He, yeah, Beetle is one of these guys who has transcended everything. But we were lamenting the fact that Beetlejuice no longer appears on the show. It's very difficult. He's in his mother's uh, care, and it's hard for him to get out of the house, and she's worried about him, and blah. Blah, blah, medical issues, so on and so forth. But uh, Robin, well, here it is today, right now, sitting in a hotel room. What? We have Beetlejuice. The world has waited long enough. Five years, ten years, I found my way back. For the return of a living legend. Who, me? A tiny titan of show business. Go for you. Good for you. Good for you. Finally, making his return to the Howard Stern Show after five long years. I'm ready. I'm the boss. We welcome back the greatest whackpacker of all time. Go fuck yourself. Beetlejuice. <laughs> yes, there wow. he is, Beat. God bless you. It is so good to see you, Beetlejuice. The fans have missed you for five years. Is there anything you'd like to open up with or make a statement? Hey, I tell you what. Hey, I've been knowing it for years. Right. Beat, there's so many questions about the five-year absence on this show. What have you been up to? What you know? What's been going on for five years? We haven't seen you in so long. <laughs> eating pussy five years. Five uh, years oh, you of got eating stuck pussy. In some pussy? <laughs> yeah. Beat, five years. Grown bitches. Beat, oh, beat. You are a legendary coxman. We all know that you fuck tons of women. You even fucked my wife, right? You said that one time. You yeah. Fucked, uh, Beth. Yeah. Yeah. About yeah, 10 years hurt. ago. 10 years ago, that's right. Wow. <laughs> I know, I'm still angry about Your that. Your ex-wife, 10 years ago. And <laughs> <laughs> you still uh, asking about you. <laughs> well, let me tell you, uh, uh, fucking her has never been the same. Following you, it's impossible. You, It's like you drilled a hole in her. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, Looks yeah. like I was punching her like a damn hole. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Veed. You know, B, you're so intensely private. I know that about you. And, you know, uh -huh. you got, 
And 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 uh, let me let me reconstruct if I can the last five years. So you moved back in with your mom, right? You moved out, uh, uh, uh and um, she decided you needed to have a low profile. In a way, she's a genius because by you being away, your legend has built up even more. Wouldn't you say that's true? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. my mom's yeah. in the hospital, but I'm still doing what I got to do. Yeah. Now, this I heard a rumor that your mom, who is 70 years old at this point, she's, right. uh, you know, she's unable to take care of you. Now your sister is taking care of you. Is that correct? She's uh, involved with that's, you. That's correct. That is correct. And, and I'm what is taking your... care of too. Yes. Right. You're all, taking care all of her. All three of us. All three of you are, have thrown in together. Are you the guy right. they depend on to make a living? And uh, are you the that's one who right. supports? You are. You're the man of the family. Uh, That's right. Beat, how old are you at this point? I know you don't like to give away. <laughs> I'm about 80 years old, man. Wow. You're older 80 than years. your mother. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, 80 years old. You look much younger and you look you look fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I do. Beat, I Beat, do look um, younger. Has it been difficult for you not to appear on the radio or to do public appearances? Has it been hard on you? I know you love the people. No, I know you love no, me. No, not that hard. No, you don't uh, have to do the job. That's all. Right. Yeah. Beat. How did it come about? Do what you got to do, bro. Beat. How did it come about that we got you here today? I know uh, uh, Bobby, your manager, is there with you. In the where are you guys now? In a hotel? Yeah, we in yeah. a hotel. Just sitting here, just just thinking. You know, thinking about stuff. How how has it been seeing Bobby? I mean, because you've been apart from well, him, Well, Bobby's too. okay, but he's taking care of himself, you know. Right. Same yeah. thing, I'm taking care of myself. Right. Well, when you talk about, you know, times have changed in the last five years with Me Too movement and all this. When you come right. out and boldly say you've been getting tons of pussy, how many women are we oh, talking yeah, about? Oh, yeah, definitely. How much pussy are you getting? Hey, shit. Hey, about, at least about 100. Wow. Where do you meet these women? Are you on social media? Are you on Raya for celebrities? Where, where do you meet clubs, women? I mean, I'm all, I'm, all, I'm all over the goddamn place. Right. Hmm, clubs. Uh, I didn't know you went to uh, clubs. Beat, I remember one of the most popular videos out there of you from years ago is when right. you, came on, you came on our show when you first got your new teeth and you were showing off your new teeth. It was fantastic. Right, right, right. If you remember that appearance. Uh, I see now right. you have like three. You have three teeth left. What happened right. to your fake teeth? Where wh I mean, they were so beautiful. Well, they're getting made up right now. Oh, you're getting so they're a new at set. the shop. Yeah, they at the they they get they doing it right now, but they are getting fixed right now. Oh, good. Okay, because I know it's difficult to eat when you only have three teeth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can tell you, ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Now, beat. <laughs> I, I suspect the last two years have been tough for you with this COVID-19. You know what I'm talking about? COVID-19? Oh, well, well, I've been in the hospital for a while, so, you know. Did you get COVID-19? Like, I got this thing in my heart, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, what's going on with your heart? Me? Yeah. Well... You don't, want, you don't want to know about that. <laughs> oh, I do. I'm worried about it. I don't want to lose you. I, you know, I lost, uh, we lost Dominic, your friend Dominic, the uh, uh, little person, Dominic, you know, uh, 
Uh, he died yeah. uh, just recently. Yeah. How are you? How, he was your buddy. How do you feel about that? Well, I know he's been drinking a lot, but you know me, mm. I'm still living. Right. Are you? Did you quit drinking? I quit drinking a long time ago. Out about know ten that. years ago. No what about kidding. Smoking. Ah. Oh, That's smoke is all right, but I still can do it for 10 years ago. Yeah, uh, but you're still smoking oh, cigarettes. still good, though. Smoking but, but is beat, good. Beat, smoking oh, yeah. affects the heart, you know what I'm saying? Well, I'm still living. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've been you doing are. it for Nothing. 20 years, bro. <laughs> yeah. This guy, Dominic, you had mixed feelings about him. I know he was a buddy of yours, but he was this guy who did terrible things. He would shit in your pants sometimes. Uh, oh, if you no, remember, he was shitting my pants. He was shitting in Bobby's, Bobby's Shitting in Bobby's pants. pants. That's not a no, good I, thing. That to... is. No. He shit on so... his floor one time. Yeah, he shit on the floor, Dominic. Uh, yeah, he... one time when me and Bobby brought him home to his house one time, he shit on the floor. I didn't know that. Uh, but uh, So, in a sense, I get the feeling, maybe I'm wrong, you kind of don't care that he's gone, or, you know, it's like, uh, okay, he's gone, that's it. That's your attitude. Well, well, I can't say he's gone, but if he is gone, hey, I can't do nothing about that. Yeah, hey, I don't say. Hey, man, I'd be dead if he lived life and lived life. Hey, I can't do nothing about that. Beat, uh, you say you're still smoking. What age did you start smoking? When did you? Hey, when did you? I started smoking this since I was 14. 14 years old. That's a lot of cigarettes. That's a lot of cigarettes. I worry yeah. about your heart. Tell me what's going on with your heart. Did you have a uh, heart My surgery? Heart? Oh, I'm still, I'm still good. I'm still, still good. good. Yeah. Do you have uh, a pacemaker, Beetle? Yes. Yes, oh. I do. Yes. Oh, look at Robin. Well, Robin was a nurse. She'll find she, out. She, I do have a pacemaker, but it's still, I'm still alive. You sure I are. See. I see. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 and beat the one woman. I'm going to point this out right now because Robin said something. Right. Okay. The one woman you never were able to fuck was Robin. Tell the truth. You never could get. <laughs> you, you, you know that was close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You came close, yeah. you say? Yeah. Believe me. Close enough. <laughs> I'll tell you the truth. I always thought Robin wanted you, but in a way, she felt oh, you felt so much. That was more like another 10 years. That was like five years ago. She did want me, but it didn't happen. It didn't happen. You know, I sometimes imagine <laughs> yeah. what it would be like with you naked and Robin naked with Robin's gorgeous right. body and breasts and everything right. else. You would have you would have given her the time of her life. I guarantee that. Oh, yeah. It would have happened, right. though, but it, it didn't happen. It does, is it true? I read this somewhere that when you get a pacemaker in your heart, it makes you better at eating pussy for some reason. Is that true? Oh, yeah. It definitely it do. Is. <laughs> oh, wow. that's amazing! I didn't know that. You know, beat. I know Bobby's sitting there with you. I, th this is really a Christmas miracle to have you on the show. I can't tell you how good this feels. I know the listeners oh, are, are. Christmas are, always here. It's, it's all right. Ain't, I just nothing, know the, wrong, ain't nothing better do but yeah. Christmas is okay though. I know the listeners are glued to the radio because they've all been hungering right. for you, and you know. Uh, before I ask Bobby how this Christmas miracle happened, I just want to make sure: Are you vaccinated? Oh yeah, Did you yeah, get, yeah. You, oh, you are. You got the shot against the COVID nineteen. Yeah, I, yeah. I've been at that. 
And you're wearing a mask uh, when you go out? Yeah, I do. Oh, you are? Oh, you know. Okay, yeah. you know. Because cause that shit is deadly, that COVID-19. Not good. I, no. I know, I know. Everybody wear their mask. I always wear my mask. Always. You always wear the mask. Because I got a report that sometimes you are wearing the mask, sometimes you're not wearing the mask, and I got worried about it. Oh, no, you. no. I wear my mask. I don't I don't take it off or nothing. Yeah, okay. All right. I'm just no. making sure. You know, listen, you're uh, an asset. I keep my mask on. <laughs> oh, um, my mask on. When they gave you, when they gave you the needle, when they gave you the shot, did you cry at all, or did you? Me? Yeah, I never cried, man. I took my shots every day. Yeah, really, and you never cry yeah. with the needle. Some people cry when they see that needle. Uh, well, but, uh, me, I'm not scared of no needle. I've been, I've been a man that never scared of no needles. There are so many people happy today that you are here. I want to think. Some people are scared of needles, but not me, though. No, no I take no, the you... shot. You were always the most masculine. I got to tell you, whether you were in your boxing career, I remember that you uh, you boxed professionally for a while. You beat up a lot of people, and I always said, "There's a real man." The beat Beetlejuice, the That's legendary right. Beetlejuice. Yeah. Well, oh, now, now I have an exciting announcement for for Beetlejuice. Um, a lot correct. of people are saying, "How is Beetle making a living?" Well, I'll tell you, there's yeah. some exciting Beetlejuice news. Beat, you want me to say it, or you want to say it about the Bitcoin? Oh, no, no, no. Bitcoin is good. Bitcoin is right here in my hand. Let me see it. Hold it up Let so I can see. see it, if you don't mind. I don't want to impose. Yeah, wow. I see. Wow, that is beautiful. Now, what Beat is involved with, and uh, we're going to learn more about this, Beat is now involved with, uh, you know, this, this new currency. Cryptocurrency. Uh, cryptocurrency. Beat now, you can buy Bitcoin at getbitcoin.com. He's entered this. In a very, very big way. In fact, um, I'll read you. Hey, Bobby, you there? Can I talk to you for a second? Because I want to know how Beat got into this. Uh, th th did you recommend that Beat get into cryptocurrency? Hey, Howard, how you doing? Hey, hey. So, well, someone approached us about it, and Beat and I had a meeting, and he decided it would be a good idea to get involved, so here we are. Beat, Beat, when you were in the meeting, was there any hesitation on your part? Were you nervous about the, I don't understand this new currency. You seem to have a grasp of it. You were not nervous at all. Oh, no, 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 no. I wasn't nervous. Well, uh -huh. we had a good time, but we talked about it, so we did. Now, Beat, this so, is uh, interesting. I Explain called Bobby up. We got in touch with the guy, so... Okay. We see. We, uh, we, I just asked him, well, what, "What you gonna do?" So we meet up and then we did it. Okay. Uh, now it says here, and I mm -hmm. don't understand this. The current price is a little less than thirty cents. It opened up at six cents. So it sounds right. like you've already made millions. Uh, am oh I yeah. Correct? You have. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Are you now? Are you a millionaire from crypto? Oh yeah. You never know. Yeah, Bobby, this is amazing. Now, I, when I see something like it opened up at six cents, and the current price is thirty cents, this sounds like a, a lot of money to me. Yeah, it did, I, did I, well right off the off the bat. Uh, I don't understand it. Where where can you get it? At you go to getbitcoin dot com. I see. And you say, I it's see. available on a, on a website called Rally. Rally. Yeah. Yeah. Go to yeah. Rally. 
And then it said my name on it and said feed.com. Right, <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> here's, let me read some stats to you, Beat, and you can, you can comment on it. Uh, mm-hmm. Bitcoin uh, symbol is a dollar sign Beat. The current price is a little less than 30 cents. So, in other words, if I want to buy Bitcoin, I go to this place and I'd pay 30 cents for a coin. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then you have something called an NFT, a non-fungible right, right. token. That's coming out right. in February. Wow. And you're, you're yeah. attempting to break the record of $69 million head by, held by digital artist Beeple. You even think Beeple's... Uh, NFT went big because people thought it was beetle juice. And uh, uh, you believe that uh, that when the fans see your NFT, you will break the $69 million mark. Is that correct? Oh, that's right. $100,000 right. a mark. Wow. Well, there you go, Rob. And this is what beats this up is a, This is very exciting. Uh, Bobby, how did it happen that uh, Beetle, uh, you know, we haven't seen Beetle for five years. How did you get Beetle? Out of his uh, house, uh, how did you get this appearance going? Everyone is sitting here on the edge of their seat, Bobby, trying to figure out how you manage this. Uh, but I know for five years we couldn't get beat on the show. This is very big. I come down you to do- visit him once or twice a year. Yeah. So this usually I come on a weekend when you guys aren't there. So this I time I decided to come on a weekday when, when you know we'd be able to get on the show. Because wow. This oh, nice. is you guys. I know everybody. We get uh, emails, phone calls, inbox messages on social media. Everybody wanted him back on. Now, I heard a touching story, Beat, that when Bobby was at the airport leaving, you wanted to go with him. You wanted to leave with Bobby, but I guess you weren't allowed to go. Is that true? Yes. Not I told him, story. I said, when you, get off the, when you get off the plane, call me when, when you have a chance. Right, right. Uh, I didn't want to disturb him because he had like his family with him, so I didn't want to disturb him. You know what I mean? I see, I see, I see. Well, uh, by the way, B has over two million followers on Instagram. It's a tremendous wow. following, and his legend oh, grows yeah, I bigger. I got to tell you a story, B. My nephew, he has pictures of you on his uh, Instagram, and I said, oh, yeah? "How do you know?" I say, how do you know Beetlejuice? I thought he knew you from our show. He goes, no, I just know Beetlejuice. He, everyone just seems to know you. Your fame is tremendous. I mean, you've only right. gotten more famous. It is really right. phenomenal. What do you think is going on? Why the fascination with Beetlejuice? I think he, I think, he, I think, he, I think he's doing the right thing. Yeah. Oh, there's no doubt. I don't argue that. Well, we're he, friends, buddy. Wherever he goes, I go. When you are banging women, are you banging famous women at all that we might be? I don't well, want to pry. A couple of times. A couple of anybody, times. Any names well, you can share with us? Well, when he's there, if I did something, if I go to a club, if he's in, I'm in. Okay. Well, but uh, is there, are there any names you can share with us uh, of uh, top uh, Hollywood celebrities? I can't celebrities? tell you that. <laughs> I'll tell you what. But <laughs> you don't want to fuck around with an old lady now. I think one of the most beautiful women in Hollywood. Now, an old is lady now, she can fuck now. <laughs> okay, okay, all right, I understand. Oh yeah, she can fuck now, old lady. What old lady? He well, doesn't you're, you're, want to tell us who he's talking about. You're he fucking an. Old, are you fucking old, an old lady? He's seventy-five years old. That lady can fuck, man. <laughs> 
Wait a I second, Pete. I don't play Pete. that shit, bro. What's your dude's fault, though? Pete, who you, you're fucking a 75-year-old woman? <laughs> Hell yeah, she loved that shit. Really? And you say she can fuck, and she, she gets really excited, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, wow. I'm, I'm Now my oh, names yeah. are racing. To, I mean, I know, like, Judge Judy's up in that age, uh, you know, uh, no, I, I don't even know. Oprah. I mean, you know, there's a lot of women who are. That crazy bitch. Nobody want to see her. <laughs> who? Who are you talking about? Oprah, he said. Is that um, right? I mean, the Queen of England's older than 75, so I'm... I'm you yeah, got she's my head. 90-something now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, tell me about this hat you're wearing, Beat. Uh, it, what's that, Beat? I'm sorry. I didn't nah, hear No, no, no. No, you're still thinking about that 75-year-old, huh? <laughs> Do you have a date? <laughs> you know what's crazy, Beat? So many men, so many men mm -hmm. figure a guy like you is fucking all these young girls. But here you say, this is why people love you. Here you say, hey, fuck mm -hmm. young girls. I fuck old girls. And I like it. Oh, they're all like fucking it. young. What the hell? Okay. Kids well, playing it, but everybody loves it. Well, Beat, there's a couple of people who want to congratulate you for coming back on the show. I, I would like to let them in. A couple of very famous people. And um, that knock on my door, I believe, should yes. be George Takei from Star Trek. I don't oh, know no. if you like Star Trek. Oh, yeah. Yeah, George, how it? are you? Mr. Juice, it is an honor. As the announcer of this show, I wanted to welcome you back. I'm okay. going to ring my Brad Bell 12 times in honor of your visit. Wait Each a bell second. ring. Man, you for Star Trek, man. What do you think I'm stupid or something, man? Yeah, I, no, you're, I, I think you're an. What do you think you work on cars? Every time I get, every time I see people work on cars, you say, "Oh, I want a Star Trek on cars." I what do you well, think I'm smart? I'm a smart man. You're well, a very beat. smart man, Beetle. Well, beat George is saying he wants to give you a twelve bell salute in honor of your appearance today. What is a twelve bell salute, George? Explain to beat. Well, it's a historic honor. You know, the Japanese and Shintoist Buddhists... Well, I know Japanese make cars for years, man. All right, what do you why don't you I'm get on... stupid, bro? Uh, uh, Beat knows about cars, the cars. Cars, I know that. They name it design, man. You think I'm not that dumb, bro? You're not dumb at all, and that's why we're honoring <laughs> you. I'm smart, bro. You're very smart. You're smart about cars with the Japanese. They're very good at making cars, too. They yeah, have a rich I know that. All right, let's get on with the 12 bell salute for B. The 12 this is bell an... salute. Is this One, the same two, bell? Bro. Oh. Two. Three. Four. Five. Six. <laughs> seven. Eight. Nine. Ten. Eleven. And the last salute for Sir Beetlejuice. Twelve. Wow. That is the same wow. bell he calls yeah. Brad with. Yeah, that is amazing. Uh, Beat, you speak some Japanese. Uh, George, say hey, something. A couple of times. Okay, say something to, uh, to Beetlejuice <laughs> in Japanese. Go ahead. Yan, yan, yan. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Ah, name one that's to come. Ah, what does she want? Allegiance, Kara Keremishita? Yakakata. 
No, ittakimasu. Your Japanese is incredible. Pete, you always amaze me with your command of languages and your ability to get along with people. Thank you, George. I think Pete appreciated your 12 bell salute. Isn't that nice? There he goes. That was exciting. Pete, should you get a ton of money from your new enterprise? And I know you've tried. Oh, yeah, different. definitely. If you get a lot of money, how will you spend the money? What will you be doing <laughs> with the money? And will you be giving what back? What I do with Go the ahead. money? Yeah. I'll put it in the bank and keep it for life. Right, right. So smart. So many people get rich and blow all the money. What Beat is saying is he's going to allow compounded interest. He's going to make well, this money. Well, then he shouldn't put it in a bank. <laughs> well, all right. It's it's better than putting it in, uh, what do they call those, football cards, as uh, young J.D. does. Oh, yeah. Yes. I believe there are other people here to greet Beetlejuice. And uh, let me, let me uh, here, there's somebody on the phone who says he is worried because uh, he is the real Beetlejuice, not Uh-oh. Beetlejuice. This is crazy. Let, let me hear what? from this guy. Yes, sir. Hold on, hold on. Let me. You got my money, you piece of shit. Beat. Who is this? Who is this fucking guy? You motherfucker! You motherfucker! Cost me at least fucking five grand. Oh, you bought Bitcoin and you're not doing well. Yeah, Kabata. That cost me a fucking lot of money. Uh, Beat, what do you say to this guy? What is this guy is? Who is this fucking guy? I don't ever heard of him before. What did you say, Bobby? What you talking about? Hmm. Well, sir, I don't know what the problem is, but uh, Beatles uh, here were celebrating, and you're kind of putting us all in a bad mood. The priors were classes and protestation. Oh, Bob, Bradson. Uh, on behalf of Beetlejuice, I'm going to tell you to go fuck yourself. What do you think of that? Fuck you, fuck you, you fat bastard. Go for you, not... fat fuck. Oh, boy, Beetle, this guy is getting me crazy. This guy getting me crazy. I <laughs> know what this guy is? He's a phony motherfucker. You're a it's, phony yeah, motherfucker. He's trying to pretend yeah. to be you. phony straight up, like a man. Be- I'm, not, I'm not a punk, not a pussy. I'm telling you like a man, straight up. Set this guy straight. Do it, Beat. What the fuck is this guy is? Who the fuck is this guy is? Exactly. I'm hanging up on you, sir. What happened? You ain't getting laid tonight? Uh, <laughs> well, he gets laid more than you, I'll tell you that. That's all I'll say. All right, Pete. Yeah. Uh, goodbye, Beetle Pretender. Last he could have fucked Robin if he wanted to. What do you think of that? <laughs> and and you yeah, never. Yeah, I ain't going to put panties down on your girlfriend. I would have fucked you in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't like this guy. Beat, nah. when you were uh, you away for the show for five years, who did you miss the most from the show? Was it Baba Booey? Was it Robin? Was it me? Was there, was there anyone in particular? Sal. Who was it? Sal. Well, uh, well the only person I miss is you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I see you winking. winking Beetle. <laughs> <laughs> Beat, are you playing me or what? I mean, are you really miss me or no? Well, I look like I'm playing with you. Yeah, are you playing with me? Hey, Blaine, I'm t- I'm serious. I not I'm, I'm worried about you. Oh, you think I'm not worried, not thinking about you? 
You're a sweet guy. And I'll tell you what, and I mean this from the heart. I was thinking about you. I always uh, check in with Bobby. I like to know how you're doing and all this well, kind of thing. I said, just like I said, my friend. I still thinking about you because my friend. Let me see. You don't think is. about me at all? No, he doesn't think oh, about you. Robin, you know I always think about you because you know you always got to get on some ass every single week. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, everyone thinks about Robin. Uh, B, will you ever get married? Will you ever have children? Or will you be, remain a bachelor for the rest of your life? What's the thought mm, these days? Probably. Probably next year or something. Oh, really? good. So there is a special lady. Probably. Yeah. Um, at, at our door here is Arnold Schwarzenegger wants to say hello. He hasn't spoken to you in a while. Oh, Arnold, bring him up. Come on up. Beetle, hey, buddy, how are you? Hey, what's up, my man? Hey, yeah, yeah. listen to me. I've got some very important things to ask you. You know, yeah. do you think that this Bitcoin is the proper thing for you? You know, you should be oh, more yeah. wealthy than you are. You're so famous. You should be yes. managed properly. No offense, Bobby. Yeah. Oh, I well, hear you. I hear you, brother. Right. Well, I uh, work with good. a lot of great people, Beat. Tracy Morgan, Danny DeVito. You just like them. Come on. You need to do oh, something yeah. bigger. I you need you to be in the movies. Oh, this yeah. Is... I, I, I've seen your movies. Yeah, but you should be in movies. You're such a great yeah, actor. Yeah, I heard you. I've seen your movies since you was a little kid. You used to be, you used to be a weightlifter. You should be opening a Planet Hollywood like me, your own restaurant. Oh, yeah. I got about yeah. 20 of them. You've already got 20? See, you are my role model. This guy's fantastic. Mm. Yeah. He is fantastic, uh, Arnold, and uh, you are fantastic, and it's exciting to see two legends talking to one another. <laughs> it's an uh, honor. Oh, my goodness. Beatles, thank you for letting me talk to you. I love you. Hi, I, love I love you too, bro. I'm starstruck. Right. This is crazy. Well, thank you, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Beat, I can't mm -hmm. tell you how you made my morning. I'm excited about this new beat coin. Uh, I don't fully understand. Let me close the door on Arnold so he's safe. Theater of the mind. Um, <laughs> I am excited that I got to see you. Yeah, my head I, was spinning with all kinds of conspiracy theories. Whether hey, you were don't healthy, don't drink too much, there, buddy. Don't drink too much. That's good advice for everybody. You're completely sober. You haven't had a drink. How many years have you not had a drink? <laughs> I ain't had a drink maybe since I <laughs> a long, long time ago. <laughs> a long time ago. Do you do you miss it at all? Do you ever sit there and say, "Oh, I just want a beer. I just want to," you know? Do you ever say it? Well. Maybe twice, or maybe three, or maybe four, or something. Right. It's okay. It doesn't matter. Right. Uh, excuse me. Oh, well, anyway. Was I missed it, but I beetle burp. burp. There's nothing wrong with that. Was that a beetle burp I just heard? Oh, yeah. That was a beetle yeah. burp. <laughs> anyway, uh, I wish you the best of luck with this new Thank financial. You know. you know, look, this world has changed so much. I do not understand. Yeah, everybody's life, man. Yeah, I do not understand NFTs. I do not understand coins. Uh, I don't get it. You get it. I don't. But uh, <laughs> if, if if you're telling you me, you got to change Beatles, your life, Howard. You got to change your life, man. Yeah, you got to go with the flow. And if you don't change the... your life, why are you going to eat pussy? If you don't change your life and have a beard and change your life, that's a good point. 
Are you saying that in order to get the best pussy, you have to have a lot of money? Is that kind of the, the rule of thumb? Hey, you got to have a lot of money to pay, eat pussy and have your life gone, man. Change your life and have a beer, Howard. A beetle. Is you got anything? to grow a beer if you want to eat pussy. You got to grow a beer. You got to well, grow a the, beer. Be a man. Do you mind if I take that and make a poster out of it? I never. <laughs> oh, you know. yeah. Be a man. Hey, look at me. If you look at a poster of mine. You see me with a beard. I look yeah, like B, a beard man. B, you don't have a beard and you eat pussy. Oh, yeah. I came, my man. Right. I had a well, beard before. Bobby, I'll tell you. you I'm a, a real man with a beard. Let me ask you something, B. B, let me ask you something. Mm-hmm. All these dudes, you know, when you talk to women, they say penis size matter. How big your penis is. Oh, my uh, penis is fucking big, man. My penis is like a fucking football. <laughs> I know. I've seen it. I've seen you naked a couple of times, and man, yeah, you are hungry. Size you, the size of a fucking eight ball. <laughs> you got a bigger, you got a bigger penis than I do. I'll tell you that. Um, but way oh, bigger. Yeah. yeah. That is is that important to a woman? Does a woman need size? Oh, woman loves that shit. They do. I, but sometimes I think it could be. I mean, make them happy. Well, does it make him happy? Maybe it's too much. Robin says sometimes it's too much to a big penis. Oh, you yeah. know? It happens. But it does. Yeah, and they complain that it no hurts them. with that. Right. But it makes You like to hear that. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, the fans must be going wild. I, you Women know, love not, it. They make them happy. Right. If you're going a little life, it make them happy. How did you ever measure your penis? How big is it? <laughs> About two inches long. <laughs> two inches long. Well, that's more than I got. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you, beat. It's time for goddamn football. Well, beat. Your health is good, as you say. You're still alive. You're, you're out there. Care of yourself. I'm still alive. I'm still healthy. I'm still good. And uh, so many people love you. I'll let the fans say a, a little hello. Craig, go ahead in Oregon. Say hi to Beat real quick, and then we'll move on. I don't want to keep Beat tied up all day. Go ahead, Craig. Oh, no, no, no. No, I got it. What's up, Beat? What's up, brother, man? Five years What's I've that? been waiting for you to come back, man. Welcome back. Yeah. Welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, man. How are you doing? I appreciate that. I, I appreciate it too. Marianne from Brooklyn, one of your biggest fans, is on the phone. Go ahead, Marianne. Best day ever, beat better than sixty nine thirty nine. I love you so much. I am so glad you're back. Don't forget, I was your number one fan. I told John Hyde it's only beat. Beat's number one. Number. Oh my God! <laughs> I hear that. That they, this, you're like the Beatles. I swear to God, this, this woman mm, going wild. Love These that. women. Did, did you ever have sex with her? Hey, Mary come to die, I told her to get the hell out. <laughs> really? <laughs> she was that bad in bed, huh? She was that yeah. thing. She was that worse, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, she yells a lot. The women go crazy for you. Kim Kardashian is on her phone. She wants to date beat now that she's single. Go ahead, Kim. Oh, my yes. God, Beatle, it's Kim Kardashian. I was going to settle down with Pete Davidson, but now I'm having second thoughts. Beatle, would you go out with me? Wow. Here we I go. I have a second thought. I wouldn't be here, honey. That's right. You shouldn't be oh saying that on the radio. Call him privately, honey. Well, 
Okay, okay, Beetle, I just was wondering, I heard you're a better rapper than Kanye. Could you rap for me a little bit? I'd love to hear what you've got. Oh, uh, come okay. on, Beetle All right. Love asshole in the pee. Yeah, there you go, the famous asshole and the pee song that uh, Beat wrote a couple of years ago for you. Fucking rodeo. Another lady who's on the phone says she has a crush on Beetle. Go ahead, Hi, this is Jessica. How are you, Beetle? Hi, Jessica. How are you? <laughs> Jessica, she wants Beetle, to talk like, to you. I have had the biggest crush on you since. Oh, my God. Hey, like, get the hell out of here. Hey, you got no crush on you. What the fuck do you think I am? I ain't no goddamn Tarzan. <laughs> Can I describe myself for you, Beat? Maybe you'll be interested. Hey. Ain't no interest in here, yeah. honey. Ain't no goddamn talking there. Ain't no instrument there. <laughs> You're so cute. I would love to be alone with you and kiss your You're so cute. You'll be a baby. You're going to down roll your ass go. down the street. Mm-hmm. And I go all the way down to your little balls. <laughs> <laughs> ain't no balls here, honey. You ain't got no balls. You look like a goddamn right. tree on the damn Yeah, uh, Honey, you can't trick beat. Uh, shame on you. Well, isn't this great? All right, King of All Blacks, you got the last word with the beat. The man, the legend. Go ahead, King. I was trying to disguise myself and say that that 75-year-old woman was my girl, but you blew my cover. Well, just say hello to Beat. You don't need to sit there and do shtick. Yeah. He's, uh, beat is uh, here, and he's giving us some of his time, his valuable time. The man uh, hasn't he's, been on the show in five years. He's a man of finance years. now. Get out of here. That's right. Go ahead. Hey, hey Beat. Hey, Beat, I know you have a lot of sex with a lot of women, but what do you like? What do you prefer, black, Spanish, or white women? <laughs> All kinds of white people, Spanish, Puerto Rican, who gives this shit? Right. It's it's, <laughs> it's all pussy, right, uh, Beat? Uh, what's it's the all pussy, whatever it is. It's damn good. There you go. Make it's the woman smell good. There uh, you go, Beatle. My, my feelings exactly. I love all women. I tell you. Uh, you know me. I'm 100% right. into women. You're 100% right. That's right. <laughs> All right. You and me share that, I tell you. I wish you'd run for office, I swear to God. I really do. <laughs> I wish I would, bro. You're too busy with the Bitcoin. All right, look, Beat, again, congratulations. Mm -hmm. Bobby, I don't understand this world of right. finance. Uh, you, obviously, you and Beatle have figured it out. Uh, could you want to tell us anything about this new venture to, to just, uh, you know, I, I clear just want to say, uh, yeah, about the NFT, the NFT is going to be a one of these NFTs are really, really huge. I don't know anything about it either. Good. Um, his NFT is a <laughs> one of one rookie NFT. It's going to be available on golden auctions in February, which is one of the biggest auction houses. There's what only one. There's only one, one of one. And what is it? Right. In other words, I would own this. What is it? What does it look like? This NFT? I have no idea, <laughs> but the developer told me it's one of one. It's a but, rookie. But, uh, beat, what does NFT stand for even? I don't even know. It's, it's like a rookie card. Oh, okay. A rookie yeah. card. It's yeah. a friend of mine. Yeah, he makes rookie cards. All right. And you can buy it's this rookie digital. card. It's, it's a digital. It's digital. All right. Bobby, uh, it sounds like you've got a firm grasp on the Beatle business. Uh, I thank God for you. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Thank God he's got you as a manager. You're his manager, right? I mean, uh, right. that's right, right, right. It sounds good. It sounds good. Beat, 
Watch what you're doing. I mean, not that Bobby doesn't know what he's doing. I know Bobby does, but, uh, you know, you got to. Well, Bobby calls me for something that was going on. He'll tell me. I can right. have it. Listen, I love you guys. I don't want you to end up in jail. That's all I'm saying, okay? <laughs> oh, no. I ain't worried yeah. about no jail. Yeah, well, beat it. <laughs> if I go to jail, I still get out. Right. There you go. You know, I know uh, why. Because I always pay myself to get out. Is there is there anyone in the hotel, maybe a, a maybe a maid or a, a bellhop who understands what an NFT is, so we can get an answer on it? <laughs> Everybody know all about that. All right, whatever that is, it's going to happen to Bobby. There's going to be a big auction on Beats NFT. It's some sort of thing that is one of a kind, a February, rookie card. Uh, golden auctions in February. Golden auctions. Uh, golden uh, auctions in February. What the boys are saying. What we say that again. It's uh, Golden is G-O-L-D-I-N. Oh, I they don't even know how okay. to spell their name. Right. <laughs> That's a little concerning. <laughs> but it sounds it's like, like the Beatles. It's be- like a Golden. <laughs> yeah. Golden the, the Be- uh, They're very reputable. The All Beatle right. Empire is as strong like as ever. Like wrecking people up. Yeah. But it sounds to me like whatever this NFT is, Beatle is hoping for a record price of over $69 million for Ooh. this one-of-a-kind uh, item. Yes. So we'll see what it fetches. And I guess you'll be the only one in the world to own this thing, whatever this is. And uh, there you go. Right. Right, right, Bobby? That's right. right. And and follow follow Beetle at Beetle Pimp on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. And and Beetle, there's a rumor that you're going to be on Jeff Bezos' rocket very very soon, going up into space. Oh, yeah. Oh, it is true. Wow. Yeah, it is true, yeah. Oh, okay. And and when are you anticipating going yeah, into Yeah, because he had called me about it, so when I got on my phone, he had called me. He said, hey, you want to get on? I said, yeah. Know where he's at? What? I'll put you on the stage with me. I got to admit, B, I I'm a little jealous. I want you on the stage with me. I want you to sing with me. I got to admit, I'll I'm a little jealous. I'll be in the jealous. back of the stage singing with him. <laughs> I got to admit, I'm a little jealous of that because I would like to experience uh, weightlessness. You ever see in space when they float around? I would love to do that. Yeah, but he wants me to be in the band, so he, I All got right. to do it. So he wants me right. in the band, so I'm a play. So okay, there I didn't go. know Jeff All had right. a band, but there you go. Beatles gonna That's be right. in the band. That's right. Or well, this place is, is going to be bigger though. <laughs> So many people want to talk to me. All right, Mike from Maine, go ahead. I'll be two thousand people though. Real quick, let's get to a couple of people. Oh, yeah. the, the, the phones are ringing off the hook, beat. Everyone's excited you're here. Um, uh, it's Mike, the go ahead. News of the year, Howard. It's the it biggest is. news of the year to have Beetle back live. Beetle, I'm so happy to hear from you. Uh, what did you ask for Santa Claus for a gift this year, Beetle? Beat, what about Santa Claus? Did you uh, ask for a gift this year? A gift. I was thinking about getting a car for Christmas, man. A car? You asked Santa for a car? Do you still believe in Santa? I I thought I have a Jeep or something. Mm. Uh, Power Jeep? A Jeep, Barbie Power Jeep, Beetle? Oh, Oh, yeah. I prefer to have one, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Did I have a Barbie Jeep? Get out of here. Uh, I've been driving along my whole life. Are there any items left on your bucket list to do in this life? You've kind of done it all, but is there anything still on the bucket list that you would like to accomplish? No, I guess that was it. Yeah, going into space. Sure. 
you, you're allowed to go to space. You got to go there. Go ahead, Kevin. You're on the air. Kevin, go ahead. If you want to go to space, listen, go ahead and go to space, man. Listen, I want to go to space. Go to I lost space. my, well, I lost top my daughter's the moon. college fund on Bitcoin. Beat. What? I lost my daughter's. I lost my daughter's college fund on Bitcoin, and now I'm taking this bastard to court. Oh, stop it already! Stop with the fake calls. Listen, oh, listen. this is. Oh, listen. stop it! I can get it. Ridiculous! Come on, and Pete on our phone is the 75-year-old woman you're fucking. Her name is Mildred. Yes, Mildred, go ahead. Pete told us all about you. Hi. Beetlejuice is an amazing lover. I've never had sex so good in my life. He fulfills say, me in every way a woman would be fulfilled. Beetlejuice Who fucks this, better Beetle? than any. Beetle, this is the woman you're fucking, the 75-year-old? Hell no. Oh. <laughs> Who are you, no, ma'am? You fucking buy out? I don't know. He, you must be fucking fuck- tripping, man. <laughs> His cock is taller than he is. He's an incredible <laughs> lover. He shoots loads bigger than his head. It's wow. so high. Well, You're you an love Beetle. Lover. We love Beat so much, and uh, obviously you love Beetle. And Beetle uh, says you're not the woman he's yeah, fucking, but, but I don't understand. I don't we understand. Both no. take, we both take our teeth out, and then I blow him. I give him a gummer. Well, I want that's to you nice. again. Every woman wants to give Beat a gummer. Uh, go ahead, Balls, in Pennsylvania. Hey, now. Howard, this is truly a historic day in history. It's so nice to have Beat back. But I want to ask him, hey, Beat, what's the best Christmas gift anybody's ever given you, buddy? Not you, that for sure. Right. All right, Beat, let's leave it at that. Uh, the, the It is an historic day, Beat. Thank you for coming in. I'm going to play your new Christmas song that you just did so the people can hear it. Everybody loves uh, this new uh, jingle beat, you're calling it, I guess. This is a new song from Beetlejuice. This is one more thing Beetle's involved in. Hello, my name is Beetlejuice. Jingle beat, everybody. I say jingle beat, Beetlejuice. Jingle beat, Beetlejuice. Jingle beat, everything back. Wow, fantastic. Amazing. You... I love it, Beat. I love it. Your new sound is fabulous. Uh, Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. And it's great. One now, last call great, for Beat. Now, that's a great one for you. That Thank sure you, is. Thank, Thank you for that, that Beat. Fantastic. Uh, sir, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, Howard. I have a horrible, horrible story. I live in Georgia. I came home one day from work. Um, I saw a power wheels parked in my driveway. Uh, I yeah. walked into my house. Beetle was fucking my wife on my bed. My wife wants a divorce now. She claims that, that he fucks her better than me. This guy ruined my life. I don't know what the what, what I'm going to do. She's Beat, taking did you, She's taking all my did, money. Beat, this guy says you fucked his wife, 
and uh, now she doesn't want him anymore, and he's getting a divorce. Any truth to this? Hey, I ain't got nothing to do with that. That between them. I ain't got nothing to do with that. I, mean, uh, I agree. Sir, I no offense, I agree with Beetlejuice. He fucked your wife. It's up. It's on your wife. That's between you and your wife. Beetle just oh, fucks. That's all. He doesn't my know. Children, my, children are call, my children are calling him daddy now. This is just, <laughs> I, I can't take it anymore. I don't know why this would happen to me. I mean, well, I'll tell you something about Beetlejuice. He's wrecked a few homes before, and he'll wreck a few homes again. Uh, the ladies love him. All right. Thank you, sir. I don't you, know nothing about that. That's right. <laughs> I ain't got nothing to do with that. Well, Beat, you look great. You really do look great. I feel uh, whatever you've been doing for the last five years has really paid off. You just look healthy and uh, you sound great. You made my morning. I haven't seen you in five years, and uh, I got to tell sound you, you, different, brother. You sure do. You're not drinking anymore. You sound clear-headed, and you sound like you're on top of the world. Your new enterprise, right. Bitcoin. I, I mean, I don't understand it all, but I'm sure it's wonderful. Go beat getbitcoin.com. That's the website. Getbitcoin.com. That's right. You know, and uh, Robin, uh, what a morning, huh? I'm, I'm in shock. I never thought this was going to happen. I'm really happy to see no, Beetlejuice. Right he, he looks fantastic, and we love you, Beetlejuice. Pete, you're my Hello, Christmas present. Hello, y'all guys, too. All right. Good luck with the coins and the NFTs. And, Bobby, what do you want us? Bobby, thank you for bringing us beat today. I mean, I love it. Oh, no problem. You're welcome, Harold. One more shameless plug. Beat has a, a merchandise site now, beetlemerch.com. You can get some oh. nice uh, beetle gear. All right. And when you, say, when you say beetle gear, I remember I bought that beetle head years ago. It was a complete oh, yeah, replica. Yeah. This, one, this one is a little different. For you. What do you got now? Oh, goat boxing, and it's a oh, goat box. greatest of greatest of all time. Greatest and it's a, of all time. Greatest there you of go. all time. There it is. <laughs> Beetle is Beetle's face is the O in goat. Mm -hmm. I like it. That's I like right. it. Yep. Greatest of all time, baby. Well, beat. Uh, this is this will make your day. Bitcoin was at twenty eight point three cents before this. Before you coming on the air, now already it's up to twenty eight point seven cents. You've gone up <laughs> four tenths of a point in just a, a few a few uh, That's moments. That's amazing. You moved the needle. You moved the needle, so you've done it again. It's another triumph in your in your uh, hat. <laughs> yeah. All right. Beat. Best of luck, and don't be a stranger. Let us see you again. Soon, I won't okay? be a stranger. I'll be your best man. You know I'll never be your stranger. You know I am. I love you, Beat. I do, and I love you, Bobby. And, I love uh, your you guys, too. I wish I could be there with you in person and hanging out and having all kind of fun. I'm I, sure wish the rest you would, of I wish you would be here. I would, yeah. I, well, wish you, I, I wish I had your guys here, but I wish I, I, wish I had your guys in the hotel, but I didn't have no room for you. What will you no, do the rest of the day? No, I guess there was no room for us in the hotel. <laughs> Now, what will you do? What will you do? If the I would have had a bigger hotel, it would have been enough room for you guys. Uh, yeah. What well, you used the old days? You used to have a suite. I don't know what happened. Uh, yeah, I was going <laughs> to give y'all guys a suite, but it was they didn't have it. I tried. Beat, beat. We love you. Thank you so much. Um, I'm having a vocal right. problem right now. I think <laughs> I'm you're all so choked, choked up, up. Is what it is. I am. <laughs> I am. You coughing, man? That's the only way you're going to do it. 
I think he, you know, I think he's getting a little oh. choked up, Beetle, because <laughs> I am. he missed you so much. I did. I know. I, I can tell. I see. <laughs> it's unbelievable. All right, Beat, and uh, promise me one thing before you go. Don't Bye. fuck my wife again. Just hands off. Her. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> leave her you alone. Caught, you caught me done, though. You caught me. I know. Please, for God's sake. Uh, I love you. you. I love you. All right. There he goes. Beetlejuice, everyone, and Bobby and their new adventure. Yeah. Beatcoin. <laughs> wow. What a morning, huh? Amazing. How was that? I bet you woke up this morning never imagining you'll see Beetlejuice. That didn't cross my mind that we would see Beetle today. No. Hmm. Unbelievable. Derek, you're on the air in Connecticut. I'll take a couple of phone calls. We had a big morning so far. Beetlejuice sat in with us for an hour in case you missed it. I suggest uh, it'll be on later on in the day. Tune in if you want to hear Beetle, his return after five return. years. Yeah, he's the greatest. Um, in fact, Derek, before I, I let you ask your question. I told him you didn't vote for him for the greatest whackpacker. <laughs> oh, please. He loves me. You'll ruin it. In fact, I was going to play you this clip. I remember uh, when Dave Chappelle used to do our show, he was a big Beetlejuice fan. Remember this yeah. moment? This is a great moment. This is Dave Chappelle with Beat. Listen to this. Beetlejuice, when are you going to come over my house, man, so we kick it? Oh, we can kick it off for a little bit. All right. We friends. We, right. ho we homeboys like that. Right, I right. didn't know. Now, this is what me and Beetlejuice didn't tell y'all. What we be doing on week. <laughs> Beetlejuice, don't we fight crime on the weekends, man? <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> Giuliani didn't clean this city up. Yeah. Dave Chappelle and Beetlejuice cleaned it up. <laughs> That's right. We cleaned it all up. Uh, that's right. It was a great moment. <laughs> they fight crime together. A lot of people didn't know I that. I didn't know that. Yeah. And I, and I was going to mention Beetlejuice's new song, but also I, I was going to do a retrospective of some of his older songs. I love money, 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 money. Remember this? Sure. I love pussy, 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 pussy. I love One hit after another. I love them all. <laughs> and I'm not being sarcastic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Beetlejuice is getting his dick sucked. Beetle loves to talk about women. Mm-hmm. Do you think oh, he's yeah. getting anything? Or no. Is that all just made up? <laughs> it's all made up. It's all bullshit. It's all male bravado. This is how he hears guys talking. And, and he does talking too. like a man. I loved he's, it though he's... that he said he was with a seventy-five-year-old. <laughs> that was good. That's an interesting <laughs> fantasy. Uh, Derek, you're on the air in Connecticut. Sorry, I I, I put Derek on hold. Go no, ahead, Derek. Hey, Howard, it's it's an absolute uh, honor to talk to you. Uh, love you and the crew. I've uh, been you. listening for a long time, but this this question has been bugging me for a while, and uh, you know, I was I was wondering. I think about it every morning as I'm getting ready for work. Um, you know, when when you shower, um, you know, do you do you use a loofah or a or bar soap? Because uh, I I'm curious as the answer because I have my own opinion on it. I'm not a frilly guy. I'm very super masculine. A loofah no to me <laughs> is feminine. 
I, I don't even know what that is. I think it's something that used to live in the sea. It's like a sponge or something. But uh, I, yeah, I'll tell you. It's supposed to be natural. I don't know. The only items in my shower are the following. I've got a waterproof pad and pencil that you can write in the shower. Because if I get an idea in the shower, I want to write it down. I've learned to do that. I get good ideas in the shower. It's waterproof. It's unbelievable. Then I've got a bar of soap. What type of soap? The most masculine soap you can get. Dove. No scented oh, soap. Goodness. It has a scent. You get unscented no. dove? Unscented. Listen. <laughs> Don't tell me what's in my shower. You can tell me well, anything. I'm just but... saying, the original Dove has a scent. They did well, do an I've got, version. I've got unscented Dove soap. Why? Those scented soaps, I believe, can give you uh, skin irritation. I just want a mask. I don't want any smell. I t- and what I do is I get in, I put the water on, I put the soap under my armpit on the left side, I then move to the right side, I do my bush and balls and asshole with that bar of soap. That's right. Yep. Right. Yep. I, yeah. I, each I, time you each sorry. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say because each time you every time you use the the bar of soap, it, it it's it's taking a layer off. Where with the loofah, you know, you're capturing all the shit particles and. And dead skin That's right. cells and stuff. I don't think you could ever. I don't think you could ever get that off. I don't know the how loofah, people use those. And then they, they, then they put it on their face. Yeah, and it's and it's dirty after a while. My mind. So I do that. And then the only other items I have is a shampoo. Uh, no, no fancy shampoo. And then I have a hair conditioner, which I've started using again recently, where uh, my hair comes out silky smooth. And uh, it's easy then, and and that's it. That's what's. And I also have a brush in my shower for my feet to scrub my feet mm. with, because uh, what are you going to do? You you got to wash them, right? Every once in a while, you got to get down there and scrub away at those. But that's it. Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah but I was wait a minute, you were going through. You, you go under your arm and arm, that's right. and then you go to your bush, right? You and saying. my asshole and taint <laughs> with the soap <laughs> bar, I, right? Of course. <laughs> Well, what are you going to do? You got to wash back. They were animals. I mean, you, you walk around with a smelly asshole all day. I mean, uh, what do you do? Don't you don't you put the soap in your ass and scrub well, it around a little? Well, first of all, I use shower gel. Oh, I hate so shower it, gel. Oh god. Oh, because so Robin you can't get. I don't like it. Then. No, no, you don't. No, listen, I she's use a my woman. Hand. Yeah, she rubs herself with her hand, but that gel, it doesn't give you a good lather. It doesn't give you yes, that. Yes, it that, does. You got the wrong no. gel. No, what I do is when I'm shampooing my hair, some of the residual is on my hands. I put it under my arms and on my bush again and into my paint. <laughs> so I get double dose. And then I do spread my asshole. you ass to your legs? Listen to what you I do. straight from your I, ass to your legs? No. I spread my asshole and get water in there. I, I, I rinse oh, it all out. I have one of those handhelds. I have that, but I don't waste time with that. I just bend over and spread my asshole. Oh, really, no, I get the, 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 what do you do that? The power spray. I don't use that. That You see, that's how you got cancer. You're doing too much. <laughs> she shot that fucking water up her ass. <laughs> I knew it. I knew I'd discover why. <laughs> All right, thank you. That's the way to shower for all real men. Love you guys. Yeah, right. All right.
way I shower is the right way. Well, what you, you didn't say about anything about rubbing the rest of your body with the soap. You just let water well, run on the rest of you. Water, uh, sure. You know, uh, everything <laughs> runs down. It's fine. I mean, what am I going to? I think it's enough. I seem to be clean. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not offensive when you meet me. Uh, I'm so disgusting. God, I look in the mirror. When I shower, I'm nude. It's the only time of the day I see myself nude, and I have a mirror in my bathroom. And my, my, it's just gross. My belly, titties. <laughs> and I'm, you know, what I'm you're at, objecting to is humanity. Yeah. I am. I hate it. You're comparing yourself to fantasy and just rejecting your humanity. Like Beth has a body that is the ripe cut. That's what a human should look like. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I look at her and I'm like, Geez, I got upset last night. I'm, I watched the uh, TV show I Am Jazz, which is the story of, uh, it's a reality show. It's a family with their transsexual daughter. And uh, I've been watching for about three seasons. And I marvel at the fact that Jazz has a very feminine voice. Like, she looks like a girl and sounds like a girl. And she, last season, went through three vaginal surgeries that were brutal. And she finally got the vagina. She looked great. Pretty girl. She, this season, they open up, she gained 100 fucking pounds. I was going out of my mind watching this with my wife last night. She couldn't hear the TV because I was yelling through the whole thing. I go, <laughs> now, mind you, listen to this. The girl was also valedictorian of her school. Wow. She got into Harvard. And she, this is what I mean. So, you know, kids today... If I got into Harvard, I'd be in Harvard. Well, they start this season. She gained a hundred pounds since her vaginal sur surgery. Vaginal? <laughs> That's the way a doctor says it. And I'm almost a doctor at this point. I watch so many of these shows. And, uh, and she never went to Harvard. She, she pussied out of Harvard. And now she's struggling this season to lose a hundred fucking pounds. She ruined her body. I don't know what she's doing. And now she has to prove to Harvard she wants to go. Now she decided she wants to go. Now she's got to go prove all over to them again to let her in. Like she's now she was struggling in. again to get into Harvard. Yeah. I'm, I'm well, going this is crazy. It's like I'm going out of my mind. And you're stuck in a groove. Oh. I said to my wife, she, there's this girl, she's driving me nuts. She went to McDonald's instead of Harvard. Well, Can you McDonald's imagine? has a good university. <laughs> they do. They got Hamburger University. She went to Hamburger University instead of Harvard. It's driving me nuts because she looked great. But I swear with this kid, it's like her problem was she wanted to be a woman. She finally got the surgery. Now her problem is she's obese. And she, There's she, always going to be a problem. I think so. I want to lecture her, but I, they say that's the wrong thing. My kids well, say, you know, uh, I used to lecture my kids and give them all my wisdom. And they go, Dad, you got to fucking, you know, we, we, we know. know. You know everything. Just yeah. shut the fuck up. Did you so hear Billie Eilish yesterday? When she's, you said, what's the best advice you've been given? She's like, I don't even remember it. Uh, number right. one and number two, uh, I wouldn't use it. I, I don't know what you're talking about. My life, yeah. I got to figure it out for myself. She was terrific yesterday. By the way, I do want to say, I thought she was great. Oh yeah, yeah. But this jazz that was the greatest thing. I was like, nobody ever comes in and says, 
We're not listening to your advice. Stop it. She gained a hundred pounds. She had, she was cute. She had it all. She, Harvard. I mean, the, the creme de la creme. I mean, the, the world is your oyster if you go to Harvard. Oh, if I could have gone to Harvard. Oh, my life. Oh, yeah, you yeah. mean we would have missed out on all this? Yeah, it would have been great. <laughs> Who the fuck needs this? <laughs> but she is eating out of bagels. And, did you see yeah, her fast. eating? Is she showing you her eating? Last season they did. It was very distressing. Uh. I don't know what she would have... Majored in at Harvard, but she, looks like she majored in ice cream and donuts for uh, <laughs> for a year. I mean, to gain a hundred pounds in a year. I was going to say, how a, long was the last season before uh, this one? Because that takes a lot to gain a hundred pounds in yeah a short period of time. Girl had it all. She had the TV show. She had Harvard. She had the vagina. What more does a girl I need? I would have been fine to go along with her to Harvard. She didn't have to gain weight to give nope. people a reason to, you know, watch. Right. Mm. By the way, the fans have written in. I should tell you, and then I'll give you a choice. I could, uh, I could give you a bunch of things here, Robin. I got so much going on. I got, uh, yeah. Well, uh, Benji made sort of a phony phone call kind of thing to a, a, a Santa Claus. What is this, Benji's Christmas present to us? <laughs> Benji decided to do something for Christmas. And uh, we have Oprah audiobook, which, you know, takes Ooh. us months to put together. Yes. But uh, here, uh, Billie Eilish and her brother Phineas joined us yesterday's show. And Billy was very open. And I, you know, I love a guest that's open and honest. It was delightful. And she was talking about porn and... You know, I'm so torn on porn. I, what Billie Eilish was saying, I happen to agree with. When you get exposed to porn that young, you get fucking warped out and freaked out and scared. She said she started watching porn when she was 11. It was very interesting. And then on the other hand, I look at repressed societies that don't have porn, like the Middle East. And what have I always said to you, Robin? I've said... But fill them with porn. Give them some porn. Give them porn. Let these these repressed men beat off the porn, and maybe the fuck they they stop with all the bullshit. You know, I mean. So I agree with Billy. Well, I and thought one, that was a little bit, you know, because at one point you even said if I had seen porn oh. when I was fourteen or fifteen, I might have had these warped ideas about sex. But you have. But I have warped. Said, if I. I wish I had had porn at 14. So yeah. I don't know what to think of you. <laughs> I don't either because I was thinking about it all day yesterday. When I was like 13, 14, I know for a fact at 13 I was nervous about kissing my girlfriend and possibly feeling her up. Yes. And um, and the reason I was nervous, I didn't really know what to do. Like there was no guidebook, you know. I mean, I didn't know what it was to be romantic. And there was no course in school. No, and I couldn't go to my father because, you know, that's the... the Did he look like a romantic guy who would know? <laughs> when it comes to getting women, I didn't think my... I think my dad was lucky to get my mother. I don't think he knew jack shit. I wouldn't be surprised if he paid for it, honestly. But um, <laughs> Don't say that. You didn't do that. I would bet my dad must have paid for it. I don't know. I don't, they probably oh. paid my mother. Anyway, I don't. It, he didn't strike me as a guy. First of all, he wasn't a guy I could ask about anything. 
He wasn't a guy I could go to. So I certainly he wasn't going to go. enjoyed that topic if you had brought it up. <laughs> hey, Dad, I'm thinking of uh, feeling up my girlfriend. Can you give me some pointers? Shut up, you idiot. <laughs> what do you know about feeling up? You know, I can see him, like, putting his arm around me. Don't tell me, son, how big is her tits? Nothing. <laughs> so um, I remember being very confused and finding a marriage manual and reading about fingering a woman and feeling her up. It was called Your Wedding Night. My parents had it in their bookshelf. So you could imagine the disaster they were. So on their wedding night, they were reading. <laughs> yeah. Well, it says here I should put my penis inside of you. <laughs> what do you mean, penis? Enough with that. You're only on the gross level. We don't Give need to book. do that. <laughs> Give me that book. I'll hit you in the head with it. You are my wife. You are supposed to put my penis in your mouth and rub it. <laughs> Listen, with the mouth. My mouth isn't for that. My mouth is for telling you what to do. <laughs> I mean, when I saw this manual, I went, oh, these two idiots don't know what they're doing. I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm doing. It's a whole, the whole family bunch of idiots. <laughs> I said, what? My, my dad fucked my mother like, like, like he was building an Ikea shelf. Well, let me see. <laughs> let me see these directions. It says here to put this penis inside of you. That's and, not and my... And it goes on to press B. <laughs> no. It, it says to put it in my vagina. That's not my vagina. <laughs> I don't know. There's so much hair down here. It's like going into a forest. <laughs> oh, I'm going to put my hand on your breast. Honk, honk. <laughs> Imagine my old man needed a book on your wedding night. Jesus. I'm going to go to him for sex advice? <laughs> it says here you should tease my asshole as you lick my penis. <laughs> Where does it say that? It doesn't. I made it up. Please tease well, my the asshole. Did book have any underlining? That was, that's the thing. Oh, it was they so really gross. Stuck on? <laughs> it had like one of those medical charts of the penis and the vagina pointing uh, out the vulva that, you know, it was like a medical kind of explanation. And then, uh, right. and the only thing it said, because I read the book, because my girlfriend was coming over, um, to kiss and, and petting, like, um, and then I knew that I knew what it, the concept was. I just wanted yeah, you more knew the steps. words. You didn't know what they meant. So she showed up at my house. I started shaking like a leaf. So I kissed her a couple of times. I didn't even go for the titties. And my and my girlfriend, when I was 13, had big titties. I should have. I had no balls. But anyway, I wasn't mentally prepared. And why? Now, if porn had been around, as Billie Eilish was saying, oh, my God, I would have known what to do. But, again, what I would have known what to do is, you know, smack that ass. You know, I would have had him bent over in all kinds of positions. You know, I mean, I would have, you, you know what I mean? It, in a way, I'm glad I had my innocence. Well, and in a way, I'm not. Point. I think there was something sort of beautiful about the fumbling around and trying to figure it out with oh, somebody else. God. Somebody you cared about. I, 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 You know what, though? If I had had porn, at least I would, like, like that girl, I, I, you know, I didn't know what to do, even how to kiss. And then I remember my second sexual or third i don't know what it was the goal was in the, you know after i got laid the first time i got laid i didn't know I, I i didn't do it right 
I, I well, really didn't actually give it. Well, nobody does it right the first time. Oh, my God. Then I got this other girl, and I, I, I knew enough to kiss her vagina. I knew to go down on her. I'd read about that or seen it in a porn, you know, like, like a stag film or something. <laughs> and I remember I went down there, and I was like, shock, because she had, like, um, light hair down there, almost none. Uh-huh. And I was like, whoa. And then I was like, I'm staring at this thing. And I'm like, man, there's a lot going on down here. What should I do? And I started like kissing. I was like, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't know what the fuck. And she was like, okay, let's go. I'm like, oh I'm kissing her like she's a, like it's her mouth. Fucking idiot. And this chick hated it. I told you, dump me right after I fucked her. That was it. You're done. <laughs> Goodbye. She said, drive me home. Boom. Goodbye. I was like, you're kidding. He goes, yeah, I have a boyfriend. Drive me home. I was like, oh, man. Boy, was I bad. And I was bad at it. I kissing your vagina like a, like it's your mouth. <laughs> but if I had had porn, you know, this is my point. So well, Billie Eilish know. is right. I mean, really, the porn she was finding, I'm like, this is the thing. With porn today, it's all this grabbing the girl by the hair, you know, You're and right. all well, of that crap. Billy's right again, because she said she made a good point, and it got me thinking. She says, so I get into bed with a guy, and I'm thinking I suck at being in bed unless I let him smack me around and pull my hair and choke me and all this shit because I'm seeing it in porn. And she said I ended up doing a lot of shit I didn't really even want to do, so... I don't know the answer. Listen, I'm not uptight about porn. Uh, you know, I told you, in some ways, these repressed societies are a lot worse off than we are with the porn. But I do agree that really young kids seeing porn, it's scary shit uh, to them. You know, they're, they're little kids. They don't know what the fuck's going on. And you can't tell me that these parents are monitoring that stuff. There's no way. I know. Obviously not. I didn't. I was monitoring. They want anything. Facebook I didn't know. to raise their children. They don't want to have to even guard them from things they see on Facebook. I know. I would have played my parents. I would have been like, "Hey, you know, I want a computer. I'm, I'm thinking about a career in computer sciences, and I have to, you know, I have to keep up with the Chinese and all this. You know, that's always the rap. We have to keep up with China. I would have given my pet, and then and the second I got it, I just would have been beating off three to four to five times a day. I now I got all the somebody po- talk about uh, computer progress, and yeah. they said, you know, like the uh, internet originally, and you know this, it all right. was all porn. You all know, porn. once everybody discovered there was an internet, the porn people were the first people on it and doing all these things to get their their videos and stuff onto the the computer. Yep. It was literally like the scientists and the engineers had to wrestle it back from the pornographers. But boy, did porn ruin the uh, I mean, boy, did did uh, uh, free porn on the Internet ruin the pornography business? Jesus Christ. I mean, people used to make money. I don't know how they make money anymore. Every clip is up there for free. No one buys porn anymore. Well, the, you know, there are people, you know, the thing about men is you will pay for access. And so those sites where you have to go give some money and then pay the girl to be more uh, compliant, I guess that's where you make your money. If you porn wasn't free, I wouldn't pay for it. That's but the you truth. have a wife. Uh, there are plenty of guys who can't yeah. get what they need. 
well, without going, you know, to a site where they can put a coin in a slot or or put their computer <laughs> number into, you know, their in their mm-hmm. credit card number into a a computer, a website. I'm married, but I still like porn. Every I'm not saying you don't like porn, but you're not going to want to have a conversation with a girl because you can't have a conversation with a right. girl. Ronnie's tweeting out free porn all day. A lot of fans wrote in about it. Well, anyway, people wrote in about Billie Eilish. She did a couple of songs I thought were great. She sounded great, and she had a bad cold. And man, she she doesn't sit there and go, "I got a cold, I can't sing." She's boom, right through it. Hit a bunch of notes, beautiful notes. Let me see if I got it here. As a woman. Oh, that's that's her talking about porn. Oh, here you go. Everybody dies. Everybody dies. People wrote about that. Oh man, everybody dies. Yeah, this is heartbreaking. Somebody wrote me every single word in "Everybody Dies" squeezed my heart. I'm not the one. I'm not one to be brought to tears easily, but the haunting, poignant truth in her words and voice broke me down. I really loved it. Wow. I definitely started crying during Billy's performance of "Everybody Dies," and the other song, "Your Power." People, uh, her voice is hauntingly beautiful. She's super talented. Great interview with Billie Eilish. As someone who has suffered abuse at a young age, my heart really goes out to her. I cried listening to her performance of Your Power. I wish I could give her a hug. Breaks my heart that women have to go through these things on a daily basis. Billy and Phineas are smart and talented. Thank you, Howard. Enjoyed the interview. Uh, a lot of people also wrote me about Ronnie's retweets. I goofed on Ronnie for retweeting naked photos of girls with, uh, in my opinion, that, quite frankly, there's no quality control on there. Uh, people told me I'm crazy. Howard is crazy. These girls Ronnie is retweeting are pretty as fuck. I don't know. I mean, for porn, I think he could raise the level up. Howard, you're well, wrong. Uh, why not uh, congratulate these people for having a broader sense of beauty? Okay, congratulations. <laughs> Howard, you're wrong. Most of the women Ronnie retweets are smoke shows. He can retweet whoever and whatever he wants. I'm not saying no. Let me see that pussy. Ronnie presents himself as an expert in pussy. And these people and... are agreeing with him. By the way, <laughs> Ronnie has already retweeted four titty pictures and three ass pictures this morning. And by the way, what is I had today? Ne- <laughs> titty Tuesday. I have never... <laughs> I mean, my point is he's already tweeted out eight naked people. I mean, it's like the guy never rests, but. Yeah, but yesterday had a name and the, today has a name. Yeah, it was like Titty Monday yesterday and now it's Titty Tuesday. That's how creative <laughs> it is. Uh, Ronnie's last tweet today was it's Titty Tuesday. And, uh, you know, I had never really, I realized I had never been on Ronnie's Twitter feed before. And I know people follow him. But Jesus Christ, it's a weird conglomeration of titties and ass. And then there's always like some kind of like like a message that has a nothing message, to do with titties. Like an inspirational message? Yeah. Like that uh, thing Jerry Springer used to do at the end of his show? <laughs> here, let me go on my phone. I'll give you an example, all right? Uh, let me okay. see if I can find Oh, my daughter just texted me. She said, good luck with Ben Affleck today. She's a big uh, Ben Affleck person. Ah. She goes, Dad, do you realize what a crush I had on him? And I was like, 
And uh, she's like, I went, you know, don't you remember? I mean, he's from Boston. And I go, yeah, you're kind of from, she went to school in Boston. So she's all excited about Ben Affleck. Um, yeah, Ronnie, you got to go on there. It's fucking crazy. Ronnie's Twitter feed. <laughs> Let me see. I got a his search. Oh, here it is. <laughs> Look at this. I mean, come on. This girl, girl, this shouldn't be in pornography. They're not in pornography. They're on Ronnie's Twitter. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they're, it's just, it's, let me see if I can refresh this. See what he's doing today. Well, there's a picture of Ronnie with his dog. He is a trip and a fucking half. How do you refresh? I don't want to. But here, I'll see if I can find one of his messages. Like here, titty, 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 boom, 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 ass oiled up, two asses oiled up, a girl bending over on a boat, a girl drinking coffee, and then, God, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. So it's like fifty titty pictures and gr- a girl like topless pouring coffee. Which drives me crazy. I don't like liquids when people are naked, naked that are hot. Like you could burn yourself. It's just, it's disturbing. You know what I mean? Like don't cook naked. It's fun. So uh, and then, like after fifty titty pictures, here it goes: a big picture of a beautiful dog. Please keep this in mind this Christmas. We want all dogs to have a home, but we want it to be forever, not a moment. And then there's a picture of a dog, and it goes: I am not a Christmas present. If you can't commit to loving me for the next fifteen years, get a stuffed animal. And then you go, oh, okay, Ronnie's, you know, that's a cool message. I'm an animal rescue person. And then on the next thing, another girl with her coffee cup in her lingerie. And then another girl with humongous tits in the water. And the titties are like in the, like the titties are just floating. floating. Like pontoons. Like pontoons. And here's another big giant titty picture and another titty picture and an ass picture and a titty and ass picture. I mean, and come on. I mean, decide what you want to be. It Jeez. could be everything. He's everything. He's got messages. <laughs> oh, I, oh, my God. It's just like one big porno site. And I know guys who follow him go, I can't follow this guy because my wife sees this and, and thinks all I'm doing is looking at a titty picture. wrong with you. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So everyone was coming. Ronnie makes a lot of people happy with those retweets, including me. Never stop, Rombo. Don't change for anyone. Oh, don't worry. He's not changing. I think it's a little late <laughs> in the game for that. Oh. No matter what we say. It's weird, too, because I know if I said to Ronnie, hey, are you okay if your girlfriend starts tweeting out guys' penis pictures and naked guys? And he wouldn't be, he wouldn't be happy about that. He wouldn't? He'd be, he'd be furious. Yeah. Why, and then some people think Ronnie's been disrespectful to me lately. Why is Ronnie so combative with Howard? Ever since he stopped driving him, he's turned into a real dick. <laughs> Ronnie is an old, angry jerk, and it's incredible how disrespectful he is to Howard. I got to look at that. Then there were a bunch of people congratulating us on our 40th anniversary, which we did two weeks ago. And we played a little trivia game. Turned out you and I don't even remember our past. Well, <laughs> thank goodness. All right. <laughs> we might not be able to keep going. Um, yeah. Fred's sexual history. I forgot about that. Yeah, Fred was, oh, uh, that was talking a about his conversation. Yeah. Fred talked about his sexual history in a rare moment for Fred, including the time he rejected a woman's sexual advances. 
Some people thought I was too hard on him. Fred is just a good guy who respects women. I think as the mensch and gentleman that you are, Howard, you should respect that. Hmm. I don't know. Fred was young. His hormones are raging. There was this gorgeous woman. She was throwing herself at him. And he didn't even... I don't know what he was going dodging. on. He kept dodging. He kept making her miss. <laughs> yeah. He actually insulted her by not having sex with her. Fred is such a decent guy. Not many straight dudes would be able to turn down the advances of a beautiful woman for concern of hurting them. I've always loved, I've always loved our guy, and this story just backs it up. One woman even finds Fred attractive, if you can believe this. Howard, <laughs> you and Robin are crazy. Fred is so sexy, and I am shocked he's only been with seven women. If he weren't married, I'd volunteer to be number eight. Bunch well, of nice, what uh, did Fred say? Didn't he say he regretted his um, good manners? Yeah. Yeah, I think he does. I think if Fred had to do it over again, he would have fucked a few more people. <laughs> uh, vaccinations, yes, people appreciate us talking about vaccine. I'm, I, I mean, what am I going to tell you? We just got to... Crazy uh, message from a friend of ours. She's a health professional, and her sister's in the hospital with COVID. Yes, triple vaxxed. And she's on some sort of machine or something, some kind of ventilation type thing. I mean, not like not dying, but uh, really having a bad time in the hospital. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. I also I heard from a friend that. Um, you know, because people say, well, you know, if I don't want, need to be vaxxed or I don't want to be vaxxed, I should be able not to be vaxxed and keep my job and so forth. A friend of mine just told me that her neighbor who's been, you know, had several operations uh, because of cancer and, you know, now needs a home health aide to take care of her, got COVID from the home health aide. See, that's what this is. Here, I found the text message. Uh, she's talking about her sister. She did one of the rapid COVID tests and it came up negative. She's in the hospital right now, diagnosed positive with COVID and on an IV drip. Ooh. There you go. And then another friend, uh, the same friend told me that you just texted me that her nephew is now in the hospital with COVID. He's a young man, you know, he's yeah. probably in his forties or something at this point, early forties. And, and he's in the hospital because so is this his, workplace was overrun with COVID, and so he got it. So is this woman's uh, sister. She's young. Crazy. Anyway, the the pandemic continues. And, you know, and I'm sick I and tired. today that somebody has finally, you know, they had somebody die of the Omicron. Oh, I have a friend who uh, in Europe uh, lost two, two um, family members just now to uh, COVID. Two. Yeah, they but had this a, was uh, Omicron in particular, because everybody's wondering what Omicron can do. I see. They've had a death that is related to Omicron in particular. Ugh. I don't know how we get out of this. It's crazy. Anyways, a lot of people are glad we're talking about this stuff. Some people not so glad, you know, the, the assholes who think the vaccine is some sort of plot to kill them. And I also um, was seeing some little headline blurbs. I don't know how they're going to keep Broadway going because every once in a while they have to shut down because the cast starts to get COVID. 
and then they have yeah. to take a break and then they have to start up again. You know, it's just you can't, get, you know, get business back up to 100 percent. Horrible. Uh, we got a nice uh, email from a congressman, Congressman Brendan Boyle. He represents Pennsylvania's 2nd District. It's been a little while, Gary, since I wrote the show. I wanted to say I appreciate Howard speaking up and spreading the truth about COVID vaccines. Uh, you guys are doing a lot of good. I hope you feel good about it. You should. It's a crazy time in which we're living, but Howard and everyone on the show is making a positive difference. If Howard is looking for a running mate for 2024. <laughs> oh, he's throwing con- his hat in. <laughs> yeah. He's a four-term congressman. From the most important swing state. I do need the swing states to go for me. Right? Well, let's vet him. Yeah. Uh, not necessary. He's fine. <laughs> he's a fan. I'm not vetting anyone. I'm just going to take his word for it that he's got nothing that's going to embarrass me. How could you embarrass me? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There uh, are certain people who can. I see here Ralph just announced on Instagram that he got the booster shot, and he's threatening to block anyone from his Instagram that isn't uh, having a booster shot. Oh, my Can you God. Imagine? Well, yeah, that's a threat. You know. Yeah, because he has a <laughs> lot of information on that Instagram. <laughs> and then a whole bunch of other stuff, but I don't have to get into it. What else do I want to tell you about? Do you want? Oh, I'll give you a choice, Robin. You, you enjoy fun. You're a fun woman. I'm a fun person. I bring the play. You bring the play. You really do. Everyone says that about you. People are dying to talk to you. Look at Ronnie. Can't even get you on the phone. So upset. <laughs> you ever going to call him or are you just going to not call him? Be I honest. am going to call him. Are you? He's yeah. all offended that you don't call him. I'm like, Ronnie, get over and it. And I know that. And it's terrible of me. But, you know, sometimes I don't feel like talking. And by the way. Believe it or not. <laughs> I don't pressure people into talking to me. It's a weird thing. I don't go, hey, Robin, when are you going to call me? It's like, you know, you want. I know, listen, we talk off to you. I know you're dreading calling Ronnie, but you don't I have to do not. it. Yes, you are. I stop am it. Not. You would have done it already. You stop it. I never told you I was dreading calling Ronnie. You're terrible. I did call, tell you I won't be calling Ronnie today after talking right. to you, but I don't dread calling Ronnie. Be honest. Do you think Ronnie's going to have anything to say? or is Yeah, it we have like- great conversations. Yeah, okay. But we all shouldn't right. try to do too many of them. This is all. <laughs> they got to be, they'll keep being great as long as we limit them. <laughs> right. Like Haley's Comet. You get excited because it comes around every 76 years. Hey, Ralph, You're what's on your mind? <laughs> right. What's up, Ralph? I got to agree with you. I'm looking over Ronnie's Twitter. The, the, these girls are like six and sevens. And if that, like, if that, right. And like, where's the quality control? Like, and they all have Mitch mass boobs. This one girl, like one of her boobs is like uh, in the East and the West and South. Right. And she's got like nipple, cl- like clamps through them. It's like, oh, Ronnie, Ronnie, uh, is, Ronnie is not kind of being discerning with that Twitter. I, I thought that Ronnie was like the connoisseur. Like, you only get on Ronnie's Twitter feed if you're a 10. You know what well, I mean? Well, maybe his eyesight is going. Have you ever thought of that? <laughs> that could be. Clearly. You know, I got to say something about Ronnie. The man's in his 70s. And everyone I know in that age group 
has something going on with their health. Always a little something. Like, you know, either they're getting a tweak on their heart or a tweak on their eyes or a tweak on their kidney or their tweak on their heart. Uh, uh, you know, whatever, stent to this or that. Ronnie's got nothing wrong with him. I mean, he's never had surgery. Except like he, he's these girls. <laughs> well, he but he he can see. He sees perfectly. He see. I mean, you it, have no idea what he can see because you're looking at those girls and you well, you see that they're not that great. And you're. I mom. guess what I'm saying. What I'm saying is he's very healthy for a man yeah. his age. But and you know, fucks, your eyes wear out. He has to wear glasses. He fucks like four times a week. His dick doesn't need any Viagra or anything like that. It's impressive. I I am impressed yeah. with him. You know, you can say what you that want, but true. 72, how many people you know that healthy? Hasn't had any major illness. Yeah. Like, I can't he say looks like He looks like a guy who would have died in his 50s. And I even, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there are certain people you look at, you go, that guy's not going to live that long. He's still you know alive. what I think? But yeah. I have a theory. I think Ronnie did absolutely everything right hmm. at the very beginning of his life up until he was 50 or 55. And so then he decided to let go and enjoy <laughs> all of this good health for the rest of his life. Maybe you're right. Maybe that's what he did. In other words, he took a real gamble. Instead of having fun early in life, yeah. he behaved himself until he hit about 60. <laughs> 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 it's like I used to say that about Regis. Regis waited till he was like fifty-eight to get famous, really famous and successful. Like he, he, you know what I mean? Like he just yeah. took his time about it. But yeah, I mean, I'm just impressed with the level of health that Ronnie has, and you know, he doesn't particularly know anything about health. Like I mean, he 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 walks on his treadmill. He eats, you know, he doesn't, um, um, he's um, never been obsessively, obese. he's always never been, yeah. Wait, wait, wait a second. Didn't he, couldn't he like, he couldn't shit. Didn't he get like concrete stuck in his, all right. The guys, everybody every so often. I mean, the he, guys, that was one time, but, but my point is the guy's 72 <laughs> or something like that or 73. And okay. So one time you point out, he had to pull shit out of his own ass. Cause it was in there kind of like concrete, but <laughs> But, I mean, that's not a major illness. You know what I mean? I mean, he has had uh, kidney stones. That he's had. That's true. Right. That's true. But then he he addressed it. He stopped drinking iced tea, and he's been doing good. Can you believe it? It was iced tea. Right, Ron? Didn't you stop the iced tea? Yeah, I stopped that years ago. Right. And you, no, no more, more kidney, kidney stones? No, I haven't had kidney stones since uh, 99. Knock on wood. Yeah. Uh... But you know, I, I, really, I did change my diet. I changed my diet a lot too. Um, right, certain things you're not supposed to eat, and that was one of the reasons. Uh, I'm pretty sure why I had to pull the shit out of my ass that time. Um, <laughs> what, eat, what did you eat? A lot, a lot of nuts. A lot of nuts. Right. Yeah, I eat a lot of nuts locked, too, and it locked me. It locked me up. Oh, you know what right. though? Yeah, it made it like cement. It, it created right. a like oh, a cement in his ass. Yeah, but I'll tell you what. I go to the bathroom. Every time I go to the bathroom now, and I, like I can't shit right, I get I get so scared I'm gonna have to scoop shit out of my ass like Ronnie. I like when Billy Eilish yesterday was yeah, talking well, about hey, violent shitting. You know what I mean? Like that was kind of cool. I like that. She was so good. She was so she was good. great. She was great. Well, she I wonder, was like talking about 
What she was talking about, people with power and abusing, and it's not necessarily, it's like people who just have power over you and abuse it is like the fucking worst thing. She's she's so evolved. I mean, I can't believe her age, you know, the way she thinks. It's like, yeah, well, fuck, I was it? impressed. I was impressed with her because, you know, when she was talking, and, you know, she was talking about shitting. And, uh, you know, it's like, like, like my, my most publicists will say, don't talk about your shitting and stuff. But she said, you know, before right. Saturday Night Live, her whole body freaked out. She was so nervous. She was puking and shitting. She even shit on the plane, but a violent shit. I know what that means. That means that shit might have gone right out of the toilet and onto a wall. Well, um, that we know violent. We've we've been witness to violent. We've seen shitting. it. We've seen violent shitting. And, and uh, I wonder, though, yeah, like, on, does on she clean? Yeah, does she clean it herself, or did she probably got people to clean her shit at this point? Right? Oh, get mm. out of here on the plane! You think you know. go out of the plane and oh. say, "Go in there and clean my shit"? Yeah. Oh, hey, you, <laughs> get over there! Oh. I just shit all over you. And you think you talk about not abusing your power? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I pay you a good dollar. Go in there and clean up my shit right now. Clean up, fucker. Well, those violent shits, I mean, it's crazy. But anyway, uh, Ronnie, I'm complimenting you because really out of all the people I know uh, of a certain age group, I can't really mention too many things about Ronnie. And, you know, Ronnie's met, like your family history was not good. Your dad died of a heart uh, condition, right? My my father, his first heart surgery was at 50. Yeah. Uh, And then his second one was at 62. And third one was at 69. And wow. then he got really sick like three years later at 71 or two years later. And Gone. that was it. They couldn't do, they couldn't do anything else for him. There was mm. no arteries left to connect or take or oh, whatever, you know, to do heart surgery or anything. Yeah, I remember go, uh, going through that with Ronnie. Every day it was, it was a bad. horrible report about his father. It was bad. But, uh, it was bad. Yeah, it was bad. But, uh, but Ronnie. And my mom. Yeah. My mom had a stroke, but she was 84, so, you know. That's pretty good. 84. See, I'm thinking now, 84 is young. That's, I <laughs> yeah, know. I'm like, terrible? It's horrible. I'm like, 84. That, that song yeah. It's a young woman. That, so, that song she sang yesterday about dying, man, like you, that, it really hit home, man. I don't know why, but it did. Yeah. Hey, while I got you here, uh, speaking of songs, do you want to do your new updated poem about winter? Yeah, I mean, I have it here. If it's up to you, I don't know if you have to. I'm into it, it right now. But again, your microphone connection is so shitty. It, 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 you, when you're talking, it sometimes goes in and out. I don't want to ruin the poem. Yeah, but well, it seems to be working fine this morning. I don't know. No, it's no, no, it's not. But you want to give it a chance? I mean, let's try it. Let's see. Uh, what What did you do? Why did you update your classic poem about winter because of the move well, the to guy, Vegas? No, well, no, the guys had said to me that. Uh, uh, it was t- uh, the 10 year anniversary of when I wrote the first one. Right. So they came up with the idea I should write a second one for, you know, 10 years later. So that's what I did. I remember 10 years ago, uh, JD, you had, you didn't want to read your own poem. So you had JD read it. He fucking botched it. I mean, he was giggling through the whole thing. He couldn't contain himself. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that. It was, it was crazy. Well, here we go. Here, by, by the way, just to refresh your memory, here's J.D. reading Ronnie's original poem. Okay. 
Winter is when there are no leaves on the trees. Winter is when we say goodbye to the birds. <laughs> to the what? Why is that funny? It's the truth. What are you saying in that sense? Winter is when you what? Winter is when we say goodbye to the birds and the bees. <laughs> <laughs> hey, J.D., are you excited for Ronnie's updated version of the poem? I bet you he is. I'm I'm always excited for a Ronnie poem. Uh, I look forward to it every time he does one. So, yes, I, I am. I wanted, why, I wanted him to read it. <laughs> why didn't you read it, J.D.? I love when you read it. We poems. might have to have him read it since Ronnie's mic keeps going out. Yeah, I, mean, right. I can read it. I need a copy. I, haven't, I don't have a copy of it in front of me. Well, so. we could email it to you. I mean, it would take uh, two can, seconds. If you want me to, I can read it. I see. Ron, you want to read it, or do you want JD to read it? No, I'll re I'll read it if you want. It's up to you. Okay. Uh, All right. <laughs> I think Ronnie should read it. You know, you know yeah, what's funny it's when JD Ronnie. reads. Well, I think you know we're taking when a he chance, reads it. but let's do it. Uh, yeah, but you, you know start, what the problem is. After nearly five minutes of JD still giggling, I had to cut him off because it was like we're getting ridiculous. He could not get through his sentence. Why did you, JD? Why was a breakdown? Why did you laugh so hard at Ronnie's poem? I mean, what was it? It was insulting to Ronnie. It was just funny. It was. Uh, I never expected those words to come. You know, out of. I guess I should have, but you know, I, when I see birds and the bees and that's hour of Z's, I mean, uh, it made me laugh. In other words, Why? are you saying, in a way, I feel you're making fun of Ronnie? I mean, the guy tried to write a poem. What's so funny about the birds and the bees? It I, it was just it just made me laugh. I if I offended you, Ronnie, and, and, and insulted your art, I apologize. Ronnie, no, you didn't you write didn't, it as a joke, did you? She no, yeah, but he didn't offend me. I mean, I didn't. Get he didn't. Shit, all right, you know? all right. It, it well. was actually funny when he tried to read it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess uh, JD, I'll uh, let you listen this year as opposed to reading it. Uh, although, uh, Ron, it's up right. to Ronnie. You decide if you want JD. Re I'm going to leave it in your hands, Ronnie. What is the best presentation for your art? The new updated poem. Uh, I mean. If you want me to read it, I'll read it. I don't know. I, I said I'm leaving I'm it up gonna... to you. <laughs> I'd like I'd like JD to read it. I think it would you be would. great. All yes. right, JD, do you have a copy of it now in front of you? I do have a copy of it in front of me right now. And, and try and try and do it the right way, please. Like like really try to read it <laughs> with emotion too. Don't just don't, don't don't read it like you know. Put something into it. All right. Like I mean, the guy did work on it. How long did it take you to write this? Uh, two days. <laughs> two days. Okay. Two days yeah. of this guy's life. And he's, he's got five days left, probably. Two days. <laughs> so, you know, if he took two days to write it, he's given us his time and nothing is more precious toward the end of your life than time. So by all means, right, JD, yeah. can you, right? Right, Ronnie? I mean, every day yeah. is, is precious yeah. when you wake up. All right. Uh, all Ready? right. Go ahead. Yeah. Winter, 10 years later by Ronnie Mund. <laughs> that's not funny come on jd <laughs> winter <laughs> winter <laughs> there's still one hour of extra z's <laughs> winter no more leaves will be falling <laughs> from 
No more leaves will be falling from the trees. <laughs> I got to interrupt you. What is so funny? I mean, uh, even apostrophe in trees. <laughs> he put what an apostrophe. Like, don't worry, dude. Don't worry about the grammar. Okay? Just, hey, by the way, fucking, just read the fucking thing. By the way, but but Ronnie, JD, remind me of something. Fuck. Anybody get Sal's fucking Christmas card yet? <laughs> I did anybody? Ca- the motherfucker yeah, did. writes. Did you did you catch it? He wrote governales. The governales, and and he put an apostrophe. He's fucking yeah. moron. He gets everything wrong. Every he <laughs> sent out a Christmas card to all his family and friends with <laughs> dumbass grammar. <laughs> an apostrophe is is possessive. In other words, um, yeah, you're it, showing that you own something. This is the governales house. I, I looked at your house. card. I had a laugh, Sal. You're the best. I mean, you're a fu- you fucking do everything you do is moronic. I'm funny for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Did you did, did you ask someone to look over your well, card? No. I mean, I put it together. I thought the apostrophe is like, I don't know. Like, I thought the government, like, if it's more than two people, it's a the and then an S. Like, I don't know. I can't. I thought it was an apostrophe. I'm sorry. Yeah. You, there, get, you, did, you get it. You put an S at the end of it, but you don't have the right. Apostrophe. Right. That's what I thought. I thought yeah. If it's governale, <laughs> it would be singular. But if it's governales, you add an apostrophe S. That's what I thought. No. Because if you're adding the S, because I I thought, Howard, if you write governales, then you would think that that's the exact last let me, name. Here's There's the key. No, let, me, let, let me interrupt you. Okay. With you, when you go, I thought. How many times have your thoughts been wrong? I mean, you got to play the odds. You go, oh, if I'm thinking there's an apostrophe, it probably isn't one. I, I, I mean, this point. And why not point. if you don't know right just the Governale family? And then you don't have to deal with the S. Yes. Or you have That's the internet point. check. Yeah. Well, I've checked on. Th- I, well, I'm not that good with the internet as well. I've had some bad. Advice. Yeah, he wouldn't even know how to look it up. I, yeah, I, put, yeah, I, don't think... I put garlic in my penis from, thanks to the internet. So I don't know if I could trust the internet. I mean, it's one well, you're faux right. pas after another. I mean, you you went to college, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, from... I did. Suffolk Community. Like college. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Suffolk Community. <laughs> yeah, they check why the don't you have... That's the interesting exam. But why don't you have, Shocking. like, one of the, your kids look over the card and say, look, I, I wasn't should. gifted with a lot of knowledge. We, you know, you kids maybe know something. Let me, maybe maybe look it over. this for me. I should. My kids are very smart. Thank God for that. They're very How many yeah, cards that, did you that send out? Stupid card is going to their friend's parents. <laughs> oh my God! My wife and I looked at it. My wife turns to me immediately. Goes, take a look at this. I go, what is it? She goes, look at Sal's card. I go, oh fuck, this Sal, fucking guy. Sal, everything don't he feel does. Bad. I got the same shit yesterday about my card. Well, what'd you get? Well, your card. Your your card looked like an advertisement for a casino. Right? Yeah, it was ridiculous. We couldn't see you. We could see the big Las Vegas. I, 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 I thought it was two nights at the Venetian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, Mr. Vegas no, right, over there. Was, yeah, oh, the Vegas. Mo Green. <laughs> yeah, Mo yeah. Green is suddenly. That's what it reminded me of. You're right, JD. I uh, I invented this town. I came through here. There was just a bunch of soldiers passing on their way to California. <laughs> so you got to send out a correction card like, hey, we apologize. Oh, no. I got, how, <laughs> an apology. how many cards? How many Christmas cards spent, did you send out? I think 150. <laughs> uh, 150 like hey i'm a moron card yeah. <laughs> good lord Sal. it doesn't end it doesn't it doesn't end, end.
She, what's going on? I don't know. Hi, I don't you know. Crying? I, I thought. What do you mean? <laughs> no. What's going on? <laughs> what, well, Robin, we answered the question. What's going on with him? <laughs> the same thing that <laughs> goes on with everything else about him. You know, I got to tell you, I I didn't have a great education. So when I come when I come up with a problem like that, I go, "Hey, I wonder if there's an apostrophe." I just change it. I go, "The Stern family." Boom, done. I don't write the Sterns. Right. You act like he has a choice. He doesn't know that he can change it. He doesn't know what else he'd change it to. He wants to be smart too, because I he told me I once do. when he he that he pulled a three point nine GPA in college, and then I investigated it, and we found out he never even got a three point nine in a semester, let alone his entire time there. He lies about being intelligent. I didn't so lie. you know, I, you I did, got, dude. I did, I did very well. I was in anatomy and physiology. You didn't get a three nine. I think it was like a three seven, Howard. I did well. <laughs> we're down to a three seven. In one course. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, yeah, and anatomy Sal, and physiology. Yeah. According to your transcript, you finished your time at the school with a two point three GPA. That right? Well, <laughs> well, well, what? It was. Um, <laughs> Explain your way out of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, you want you, three nine, three seven? Now we're down to a two point three. I'm afraid to keep investigating. <laughs> That's because I stopped going to classes and I was all right, uh, okay. waited okay, down. All right, right. Let's get back to the poem. Right, Ronnie, I'm sorry. Right. I didn't mean to digress. but uh, uh, it's, it's okay. That's fine. J.D., yeah, pull fine. yourself together. Yeah, J.D., I'm come full, on, I'm, man. This, what, what is it? Start from the beginning and let's go. Okay. Winter. There's still one hour of extra Z's. Winter. <laughs> no more leaves will be falling from the trees. <laughs> Winter. <laughs> We never say goodbye to the birds and the bees. What? What? What does he mean by that? All right, keep going. Winter is when a du- <laughs> winter is when a dude in red shorts and an Uber car for a sleigh drops your gifts at your door and runs away. <laughs> winter. It is when snow never falls and we put on our spring gear to ring in the new year. Winter is when that special someone's heart is given to you and tells you you'll never part. That's a good one. Winter was never here, you see, because Vegas is where I picked to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, hold on. I got, apparently there was a change in the last line. Winter, the only thing that will change for me. Disease will spring ahead <laughs> one hour for me. Wait, what? <laughs> what is he? What the? Should have left the old way. Yeah, I like the old poem better. I knew the news would be about later. Vegas winter. Vegas. Yeah, I knew it yeah, too. Because no. his, his his Christmas card is all like it, it's like a it's like a roadmap. It's like Ronnie leaving Manhattan, leaving New York. Then Ronnie in Vegas. Right, and that's it. To, and that's well, it. Well, this was, you know, I thought about this after the show. And I said, who knew that one day Ronnie would create a Christmas card that you had to figure out what he meant? Oh, yeah, I didn't get it. It's, it's not hard to figure out, and I didn't design it anyway. Well, there's Ronnie. J.D., nice read. Um, Thank you. Good job. Ronnie's new sensitive poem about winter and... I, I personally, you know, I always said most sequels suck, but uh, this this did suck compared to the first well, there one. Was, I, there was a line in there that I didn't understand what it had to do with winter. 
the Uber driver thing, too. That was messy. Well, well, let's I put mean, it this way, Robin. Yeah, it's Christmas, not. But it's not. What about it somebody missed. gives you your it makes their sense. heart? It makes sense. It's not Godfather yep. Part Two. It was more Part Three than Part Two. <laughs> he skipped right um, to Part Three. <laughs> when, I think Ronnie winter Puppet, is when that wait. Winter is when that special someone's heart is given to you and tells you you'll never part. Valentine's Are you getting married Day? in the winter? Valentine's is that what it is? Day? Yeah. Hello. Why Valentine's is it so Day. In the oh, Valentine's Day. Okay. Oh. Yeah. I don't. I, what, are you, what do you want me to write? It's Valentine's Day. No. No. Uh, no, maybe. no. 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 I just didn't get it. Figure it out. I didn't get it either. <laughs> oh, you got it. Yeah, that's springtime. Web February. No, oh, it's not. No, it's another genius over there. <laughs> Ronnie <laughs> Puppet wrote a poem about winter and would like to read it. All right. Hi, Ronnie Puppet. I, I will try. What was with that fucking pussy poem there, Ronnie? Since you went to Vegas, you turned into a twat. <laughs> what the fuck is that bullshit? Here's a real poem. Okay. Cock Let me hear yours. Let me hear yours. Winter. Here you go, asswipe. Winter is cold, so bundle your cunt and balls so you can still blast, squirt, and come all over the walls. Winter is when it gets dark super early, which means it's got extra time for eating out your girly. <laughs> Winter is when Jack Frost explodes, leaving cum icicles on your gutters from his hot, frosty load. Winter is when we build snowmen with class, a carrot for a nose, and another in the ass. <laughs> Winter yeah, is the good. best to fuck right. the girl to your guy. So reach for that hole or that pole and make a piping hot cream pie. That's a, that's a poem. Robin's crying. Wait, wait, I mean, wait, wait. Yeah. Yeah. Here's, right, here's the big hit the payoff. Oh, wrap up. Okay. Winter, spring, summer, fall. Every one of them is pleasing. So pull off your girlfriend's panties now, because cunt is always in season. <laughs> Happy holidays, motherfucker. Yeah. 69, 69, right. 69, 69, 69, Vegas, baby. Yeah, 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 oh my yeah, God. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. neighbors would be the best. Fantastic. Like a filthy Robert Frost, that puppet. I love him. Now that's a poem, Ronnie. Get to work. That's a Jesus. winner. That's right. Yeah. All right. Ronnie, uh, love you. Uh, Sal, I love you. And you know what? I got to say, I did like Ronnie's card because, uh, you know, I felt happy. Ronnie's happy being in Vegas. He's proud of it. Yes, and Sal, did. your family did look beautiful, I have to admit. I. Howard, I, I love am. you guys. Love you, Robin, so much. And everyone on the show, I mean, you guys mean the world to me. And I wish you nothing but great health and a wonderful, loving holiday for you and your family. Oh, shut up, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Go fuck yourself, Ronnie. Uh, I love you, Ronnie. Look at that. Oh, my God. What are you having a nervous oh breakdown over there? What are you starting no. to cry? What the no, hell? I just like, what you guys mean was that? <laughs> what the hell? Man. that? Uh, uh, bingo all right goodbye everybody merry christmas dude what happened to your hair in two years i know you, you've lost i, I don't 
No, I, did I lose it? It's got a pompadour. I, I was. I don't know. What's that peak? Yeah, that's what I was looking at. Mm. I just slick it back now. I don't go to the barber. Oh, he's. I don't go to the barber anymore. Okay. Yeah, right. you don't go to the barber anymore. I'm scared of COVID. I won't. I won't go to the barber. Yeah. Okay. I'm pl- I got I'm my booster yesterday too. too so. Good for you. I'm scared too. I got news for you. This shit is crazy. All right. I and love you, Ronnie. Asked me to join right, them for Christmas. Me too. I love you back. And I just said, you know, that's not a thing for me to do. They're going to have no, like not you, seven or eight people all together, and it's a long road you, trip. And I was like, wait a minute, what are you thinking? I didn't even know. Are you crazy? You're yes. not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking some people invited me. It's not for me. Yeah, it's not for you. You're a, you're a, you're a, you're a, you're what? a, what are you? What are you? You know what you are. You're shut in. Stop it. All right. Thank you, Ralph. Thank you. Beautiful Ralph. Uh, yeah, you're, you're a woman who's you know, survived saying horrible cancer. But you don't know how people are living, you know, and I'm not the one who's going to say I need everybody tested before they come near me. I'd rather stay home. And someone was telling me these uh, rapid tests at home are bullshit. Like, it's, you might as well flip a coin. Yeah, I don't you think they're get... all that reliable. Yeah. Well, that's what somebody told me, too. So I don't know. No, you're not going anywhere. I hear you go somewhere. You're in big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you really are. Well, I said yes automatically. You know, like you're, you're talking to somebody and they say something and you go yes. And then I was like, wait a minute. You didn't even think about that. Think about that. I'll be honest with you. You you go anywhere. I'm going to punish you by making you call Ronnie and have a private <laughs> conversation with him. <laughs> uh, um, hey, anyway, it's 9.15. I just got handed a note. Ben Affleck is running a little late. Jeez, I'm tired already. I'm trying to, I'm trying to be on my game, but yeah. we've been doing a long show. What's the ETA on Ben? I'm anxious to talk to him. But a few minutes. Oh, a few minutes. Okay. All right. So yeah, we're still scheduled for we're still scheduled for um for nine thirty. Well, so why is he running so why all right. Never mind. I'm not gonna question the methodology over there. You know, I was they, thinking they, about him last night. Uh such a talented person. I mean not, I mean he's a great actor. But he also writes and direct. You know, and he comes up with these original concepts, you know, and and he's a great writer as well. Yeah. Hasn't had an easy life either. I uh, did a little reading up on his early yeah. life. Yeah. But anyway, you know, and but I'll tell you what, he started acting at 11 years old, which I wish I, I could have done. I wish I had had the balls. Well, if or the he, wherewithal. with his rough life, could figure out how to act at 11. How come you couldn't? I know. I couldn't figure <laughs> out. I couldn't even figure out how to beat off. I peed all over myself <laughs> when I was 11. Somebody told me about it and I tried it. I I would not. I didn't have. I mean, I went to college and I went on the, 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 the radio. I was a mess. But, I you mean, know, they was, also probably had a community theater at college and, and I acting couldn't classes. Have done that. Not me. All that stuff. I was a. I was a late bloomer. It took me a long time to get comfortable talking. To, Eleven years old, he had his own TV show. What? Yeah, I'll tell you all about it. Well, he'll that tell you about it. That doesn't sound like a rough life to me. <laughs> no, no, he, he had it tough. You'll see. All right. 
but uh, uh, he didn't have an easy life. But uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll take a break. We'll see what goes on. Uh, let me let me take a break, and then uh, you're we'll telling come right me back. he's a genius, a child prodigy. Yeah, yeah, he is. Listen, the guy wrote a movie. Got the Academy Award his first time out. Here he is, Ben Affleck, to answer the question, is this the greatest soundtrack to a movie ever made? I'm very excited to see Ben Affleck this morning. Look at you. There's a real movie star. Look at that. Hello. Hello there. How are you? Don't you think this was one of the best soundtracks, Ben? Uh, I'm talking about the original. Bat Dance and, and the whole Batman album that Prince put together. I'm being serious. Uh, you know, I love Prince. I had a Prince poster on my wall with him in the shower when I was nine years old, which convinced my mother that I was gay at a young age. But um, <laughs> and she really had to grapple with her liberal uh, uh, sort of pre-woke woke beliefs and, and the disturbing sort of sight of Prince in his underwear in the shower on my wall, which was from the controversy record. But uh, so I love Prince, but actually Bat Dance was not my favorite of his stuff. Really? Uh, Jesus, I didn't I'm love shocked. the Bat Dance. It didn't, yeah. You know, I mean, well, there were other, there were other, uh, there was, there were a few other ones, and then they stopped doing kind of like getting big artists to do that. That kind, that whole trend faded from like where you do a movie and then you get a big, uh, you know, a big. Uh, hey, can you shut that door? A big. What is um, that? What, what? Where are you? And what is going on? There's like guys. There's, I mean, there's like guys working on the house next door oh. at six in the morning. I never had anybody. <laughs> Do any... for that. They're really tearing things up. <laughs> Just unplug that. Yeah. It's it off. Um, I, I spent like 10 minutes with your, uh, or 20 minutes with your uh, audio guys who, who uh, we, we did a lot of work. You guys sent me a very fancy microphone and right. um, we went through a long process and then ended up using my cheap Walmart microphone in the end. So you have to forgive any bad sound quality. Uh, it just unplug it to the back there, unplug it, use the pull up the power cord. So where you are right now, Ben, is mm-hmm. uh you're in LA and what where this is not your house, is it? This is a uh um, yeah, this is my house. Oh, and, and it looks like it's an editing room or something or a, Yeah, it is. Like, I edit I, no, I figured I wanted to I found that I was spending so much time in the editing room editing movies and I wasn't seeing my kids because we were fifteen hours a day, you know, for twenty six weeks cutting the movie. And um, now, and then I started this whole Zoom thing, and I realized, you know, I probably don't have to do this. You know, I can actually be home and my kid. So I got to put together an editing rig. And now you can get, like, you know, pretty normal computers, put the software on them, and and get good hard drives. And actually, with Evercast and, um, you know, a few little tweaks, you can edit just like you would in the editing room, see the editor, and work from home. So, and then this colors, and that does the sound, and... There's a little effects thing over there, and it works great. So when you direct a movie, you do most of the hands-on editing uh, in that studio yourself, or you I hire do. I do. I like to edit. I think I'm a good editor. I I actually started editing my first movie, Gone Baby Gone, because I thought like nobody else can do this. I know everything. Right. I'm the you know I had that like sort of I don't know what, that attitude, and then uh, I hired an editor, a guy named Billy Goldenberg, because they told me you should have an editor. And he said, why don't I cut, you know, behind you and I'll just clean it up. And I said, all right, all right. And then he showed me the first half of what he'd done on top of my stuff. And I was like, why don't you go ahead and take a crack at the rest of it? It's pretty decent, right? Give me a reason why you have a job. So Billy Goldberg and Chris Rouse are two genius guys who 
I mean, and actually, Billy's, uh, I mean, every morning I hear about what was said on Howard Stern, if I wasn't listening myself, which is rare. No, but, thank uh, you. Billy's a rabid, rabid fan. And so, um, you know, uh, yeah, anyway, he's, he's great. But what happens is now you, do, you can both do it. So the ed- I have a machine, the editor has a machine. And, you know, because of the old Internet technology, you can see it here and see it there and connect. You know, it's weird because most directors I've spoken with, not that I've spoken to a lot, but the ones that I have said that, like, they trust certain editors to edit their stuff because most directors fall in love with their own footage and that if you're a director, it can be a big danger to 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 really be in the editing room or overly involved in the edit itself. And I uh, think that's know. an excuse that guys use who want to go home. They're, right. they're like done with the movie prep. They shot it, and they're like, oh, "Fuck, just just put it together," you know. Because that doesn't. I mean, listen, I don't. There are great editors who, are great directors who do turn it over to to brilliant editors. Both Chris Rouse and Billy Goldenberg, who I work with, are so brilliant that you you I could turn the movie over to them, and it'd probably be better if they just cut it without my interference. But um, I just can't do it like that. I have very specific ideas. I remember certain shots. I remember, and at the end of the day, there's no you know, there's no like. It's not like you die and go to heaven and God says you should use the close-up. It's like it's a question of taste and, you know, it has to be something that you like and that you love. And, and, um, but these brilliant – filmmaking is a, is a really interesting, great art form because unlike so many of them, it's actually collaborative. And it's never going to be better than the director. It's never going to be better than the material. The performances are vital, but the most undervalued and underappreciated people and underpaid on movies are the editors and cinematographers who, who really I- can make a I don't know uh, beans when it comes to making movies. I only made one movie in my life. And I saw an excellent example of this. When Ivan Reitman was in a studio during an edit, I, I didn't get a laugh on something. And he said, that's okay. I'm going to replace it with a shot with you looking into the camera directly and the audience will laugh hysterically. And I thought he was like kind of like being a Svengali bullshit artist. Shit, if he wasn't right. We tested the movie two times. And it worked when they had me looking directly into the camera. It is such an art, and and I, and I believe you're correct that it might be the most important part of a filmmaking experience is the editor. It is when the editing process you make the movie. I mean, you can make so many different movies. And what's really fascinating to me, what I learned is the way you can put a sequence together. It can it can finally work. Somebody can want to change one or two things, and it totally breaks it. Nothing lands. You don't care. It's not funny. It's not moving. Well, a couple of things this way. I mean, it's it. Directing is definitely you know. There's a reason why people are good at it. But editing is there are masters, and I, I always tell directors who don't use editors like you really should because you can't. These guys and women, they have experience and history. They've worked with so many directors. They know tricks. They know, and a lot of them are brilliant filmmakers themselves. And it's it's the key. And also, it's not like filming where everybody's fucking on all over you and it's this constant rush and a panic and your stress level so fucking high and you never get and the, whatever the actor didn't show up because he's hammered and you didn't lose you lost the location and then and then you get to just be in the quiet the editing room take your time make the decisions heaven i love it more than it's it, and you really can improve the movie you know the first cut you get of a movie you always want to hang yourself in my experience you look at it and think well it was a fun career while well, it lasted. I got to run, you know, and now I'm done. And then this is typically the editor goes, calm down, you know, and slowly you start building and building and building and, and like, fuck if it doesn't actually get better. And it, the thing about movies that's also interesting is you can't rush it from like A to Z. You can't just go, no, here's the answer. You have to get to the next piece 
and then realized, okay, now we should do it. And one thing leads you to the next very iterative process. And you just can't, that's what drives me crazy about studios who go like, well, can, when can you have it done back? We have to have it. And it's like, it takes what it fucking takes. You know what I mean? If we want it to be good, we're all in here all day long and all night. You know what I mean? Grinding and talking about frames and shit. So, you know, give us a chance to do it right or, or don't want something good, you know? And the worst thing is, you, you know, you slave and people are up till two in the morning and then they're conforming and the thing, the turn of the studio's got to have it by the 12th. You, you break your nuts to get in by the 12th. Everybody's dying. And that's like crickets. And then come like the 11th of the next month. They're like, so we watched the movie. We have some notes. Why the fuck didn't you just give me the chance to make? And then, then the notes are like, it's a little rough. We could smooth it out. If we had another fucking four days, we would have smoothed it out. You know what I mean? You guys did. But I don't want to be that. Why, why, why is it that movie executives who are, you know, they must know something. I know everyone, the cliche is movie executives don't know anything. But but they do. They know they put money into scripts that they believe in, and they're putting their money where their mouth is. And 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 it's such a huge process: filming, coming up with a script, finding the right actors, blah 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 blah. And then they'd be stupid enough to rush the final the final thing. And you know what it is? It's they're not. There are some you know studio executives who are really smart. And I know a bunch of them, and, and not like any job. And then there's people who you think like they pay you a million bucks for this, like. You know, but the truth is, you know, you just have to remember they're all everybody's just working from their own, like this, this is the blinders of what they need. You know what I mean? We got to have the movie out for the quarter. We got the advertising money dedicated. Like, I don't, okay, yeah, we want to go. Yeah, 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 yeah. But look, how different is it going to be? You know, we got the actor, the action, the thing. We got the trailer. Like, you know, you're talking about a three. They think you're talking about a three or four percent marginal difference, and. To me, it's a, it's a big deal, but you know, you just have to recognize that they're doing their best. They have their agenda. They have their needs. They're not my needs. And actually, one of the interesting, I read a book called The Long Goodbye about the making of Chinatown. And one of the lessons I took from it was because there's this common myth that, you know, the auteur director comes in and says, vision, you know, or vision, they make it. And, and the, the movie was just a constant fight all the time, an argument between everybody about what to, what to, how to make Chinatown. And now that's taught in film school as like the perfect movie, the perfect screenplay. And really it wasn't one person's vision. It was the result of everybody fighting as hard as they could for what they believed in. And then kind of the best sort of version went out. I'm reading Mel Brooks's move, uh, book right now about movie making. And he said the thing that saved his career was early on he had a lawyer who put into his contract, this voluminous contract, they put in, uh, Mel Brooks will have final cut. That's it. No executive can tell him because uh, he said on Blazing Saddles, they told him to, f to cut out the farting scene. The executives told him, and he goes, okay, I'll cut it out. And then he didn't do it because he had final cut. He said, my career would have been over. That's the secret, right? You get enough clout, uh, you win a, an Oscar, and suddenly you have that ability to say, everybody has to fuck off. I can stick to my there is a There's a big deal to be and all the directors that i really admire and look up to you know really need to feel like hey look either you believe me or you don't you want to hire me to do this job whether i'm you want to bring me into like you know tile the kitchen or put in the hvac like you let you think i know what i'm doing or don't don't stand over my shoulder and tell me how to do it or hire somebody else that being said as an actor being in movies or a writer sometimes there are times where you go to you know you're the director like you don't do this. What do you, and sometimes you don't see things like the first cut of Good Wanting. How do you like the maps? Was it in the movie? 
And I, I was like, but God, but it, it, that's, I, I think people are going to think that's funny. You know, and he was like, well, it seems kind of, I don't know, is it juvenile? It's rubbing it in. And I was like, well, yeah, it's rubbing it in. Like, that's the whole. But but there is a thing where you don't always like, and I haven't always known which lines were going to work and which were going to be good. The big part of the process that people do, like you mentioned, is you screen the movie, and there's a huge power, like, in showing it to an audience. And it's not even what the audience says. Like, something happens in you where you get self-conscious. Like the first right. time you show it to people, you know, it's like you put on a, a, some clothes. You're like, I'm going to take a risk. I like this sweater. I don't know. I go out and see what they think. As soon as you walk out, you go, nah, I'll be right back. You know what I mean? You just feel, and it's like with the movie, you go, you know, you just, you, you fought and fought. Like we need these extra five minutes. You sit down with the audience. You start to feel them get bored. They're starting like somebody's coughing. They're getting up and you get And you realize, fuck, I blew it. I got it. I'm going to cut that out. No, 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 no. Yeah, I don't want to make it shorter. You know, it's, it's very revealing and powerful. Not that you have to pander to the audience but that makes a big difference and it's for me now what i do is cut and te- uh, show it to i'm not really supposed to do this but I, I i show it to people like the secretary at the dentist the mom at the elementary school you know just people who aren't in the business aren't gonna be film critics aren't gonna come in. sometimes i show it to directors and then i do want that or actors i do want that kind of feedback but mostly it's like let me just show it to people and ask questions like, are you bored? Did you understand this? Do you know who, you know who the bad guy is? You know, basic right. things. And you build from there. And so then when you have the test, you can really te- you know, find out the answers to the more nuanced um, questions. But, you know, yes, people sometimes miss ahead of time the stuff that's really going to work. It's, it looks easier in retrospect when we all go like, oh, this guy said the telephone would never work. Well, it probably seemed like a little far-fetched at the time, so you got to have some sympathy for it. And some studio executives are more obtuse than others. There are people who just got into it to, like, I don't know, we'll make movies. I used to make toilet paper. I used to make widgets, whatever. Uh, and there are some people who are really passionate about it and care. I, you know, at, the Final Cut thing really is is a big deal because even when I disagree with the director, who I, who I respect and love, and I go, don't, don't use that, don't use that. Ultimately, if I can't win that argument... You know, I just tip my hat and go, you're the director, that's the deal. You're the boss, I signed up for this for your movie. I'm not direct- When I direct the movie, I'll make that decision. And that, that's just sort of the way it goes. Because you've made all this money in the business and you, you, know, you got two Oscars and, uh, you know, this. Do people in show business call you a lot and say, Ben, do me a favor. I've made a film. Please come over and watch it and give me your notes. I would think if I made a film... And I was friends with you. I, the first call I'd make is to a guy who's, you know, you know, who's got some credibility. I would call you and say, would you do me this favor? Do people do that with you? People do it with everybody, in my experience. Like, and, yeah, I have friends and people I know who I, I always watch their movies and buddies of mine whose movies I like to watch. And there's a few people that I really, um, you know, really count. A few people give great notes and people who are really observant and, you want people that are kind of on your side and root for you. They're not going to come in and make you feel like shit or put you down. You know, exploit that opportunity. But we'll also tell you the truth. It doesn't work. It's just not, it's not working. But try this or try that. And, and I've got some great, you know, ideas from those people. And, yeah, I have a, a group of friends. Like I, I showed, you know, David Fincher or Matt Damon, obviously they show, or Bradley Cooper. Or, you know, I showed Downey and, you know, uh, Robert Downey, a movie. I, you know, just depending on. Who it, not to, that sounded like a name dropping thing. A lot of more no, it doesn't. Those are guys that I mean. Bradley Cooper is a really good director. Of course, I would. I, I would. Bradley Cooper asked me to come see an early screening of um, of um, *A Star Is Born*, and he asked me my opinion. I found it very awkward. 
I, I'm like, what am I, this guy's been working on this thing for years and this has been his dream project. What am I going to tell him? You know, I mean, it was a very awkward thing. And I would think even in your position, cause you're a thoughtful guy, you wouldn't sit there and say, uh, Hey man, your film, it doesn't work. And although that's what they're asking you to do, or are you, I probably you know? wouldn't say that because if I felt like, you know, like just on a binary level, like you're fucked. That'll never right. work. That, nobody wants to hear that. And, and that's not useful. Like, how am I helping you? You know what I mean? Right. But I can help by offering going like, even if I think, and also there's like, some people might like it. Some people might, there's movies that are so successful that I just think like, what is, why do people want to watch this? I accept that there's a subjective nature to it. And so I go, look, you know, let me just add what I can add. I mean, Bradley, speaking of him, before he directed, you know, I mean, I met him in 2000 on a movie called Changing Lanes with Sam Jackson. And, um, and I got to know him since then. And we were friends. He was on Alias with my ex-wife. I knew him. And he, and he, I found him to be, before he was director, and probably one of the most useful people to show a movie to. And I got to tell you, he, he's not, it's not Bojack. People I think, oh, well, he's this good looking guy. He's a rich guy. He's an actor. Bradley's the only person who's ever watched a movie of mine who could come out after first seeing the movie once, come out, talk to you, and say, like, you know, there's that cue that comes in about 12 frames. It's like a horn after the, the scene with the two of them in bed. And it comes, I feel like that's the, like, once you come into that, just start on her face. You know, like really good memory, really specific, deep knowledge of movies and, and good taste. You know, I think, um, I thought it was a shame he, did, he didn't get nominated for, I mean, you know, but whatever, right. uh, for, for that movie because I thought he deserved it. I thought he did a great job. I thought the movie was beautiful and very well done. It, Oh, and I, you know, looked at it throughout the process of the early stuff with, with, with Stephanie's stuff and putting it together and talking to about conceiving it. And, you know, he's a nice guy, as you know, he's, he's very winning and trying to make you want to help him. And it can be awkward if you, I mean, I've had a few situations where I've thought like people have asked me to come to screenings and I've just thought, I have nothing to say. This is mm. a disaster. And you don't wow. want to say that just because it's rude, but it is, I, it's important to me to be honest, feel like I'm an honest guy. So I sneak out the back. <laughs> Do you? You like you? In other words, hey, I'm not going to say anything. Sometimes if I, go, I, I you, do like a, I got to run. I got. Let me call you. Let me send you some notes. I, you know, I do some great stuff. This is the work to do. I, let me call you, which is a little schmoozy and bullshitty, but right. it's, I feel like you don't have to hurt people's feelings. You know? Oh my god, I can't imagine because like I, I got into painting, and when I'm doing a painting, it is so. I couldn't be rushed when I make a painting. I don't want to hear too many opinions. I can't imagine what it's like to put up that kind of money for a movie. That art form to me is so fascinating. And when it works out right and everything's perfect, you're like on a high. And when it doesn't all come together, like I, I think about, like you mentioned, Goodwill Hunting. You think about how many ways that could have gone wrong. Two young guys writing a script. Who knows who would have gotten a hold of this script? The fact that you sold it, the fact that you guys got to be in it. I mean, it's, I'm sure that pivotal moment in your life, it changed your whole life. That pivotal yeah. moment, I mean, it could have been completely fucked up. You know, it could have been a disaster. It could have been. And you know what's interesting now? Um, what, I think what helped us and what's one of the things that's actually a problem with technology is now, like this iPhone 13. That 4K chip in that thing is like is in, is pretty fucking incredible. Like five right. years ago, a camera like that was seventy thousand dollars. That's a better quality camera than they shot Collateral on with Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx. Right. And if I had had that then, 
you know, a nine hundred dollar camera. You figure, fuck it, we'll just make the movie like this. That's probably how we would have done it, and it would have been shit. Yeah, because it doesn't give you the discipline. Because we had, we knew at least it was going to be a million bucks. We were going to try to do like the Reservoir Dogs model, where Quentin needed a million dollars. He knew Harvey Cattell from acting class. He got Harvey to be in it. They gave him a million bucks. He got to make his movie. But you had to, the fil- the camera package was expensive. The film was sixty cents a foot to process, forty cents a foot to buy. So there were costs in it that had to force you to make decisions, you know, and be concrete. And one of the things when it's so easy and you can shoot so much is that people. Kind Kind of get lazier and don't focus in on it, and you can do it faster. Whereas we really, our, the first script was shit. A good one, right. it was dog shit. I mean, there was a few of the lines, and they were good, but it was, it was like you know, a little ET, a little Beverly Hills Cop, the banana in the tailpipe, the feds were after Will. I mean, it was like because we thought, oh, they want commercial, and it was just, it would have been like a, a takeoff of a crummy '80s comedy with a ridiculous premise about some kid who's really smart as a genuine. And to, to our credit, we had people. We got exposed to like some older writers. The studio took us to like meet William Goldman and people, and Rob Reiner and Liz Glosser, uh, who worked at a place called Castle Rock, said like, "Take all that shit out." What does it mean? Take wow. that shit out. That's what people want to see. They want to see the action, the funny, these jokes. And they were like, "No, they don't. That's not what's good about this movie. We don't want that. We just want the, the you know the Pete, the guys, the shrink, the other shrink, and the friends and the girlfriend. <laughs> that, that's what's good." And we were like, "You're fucking crazy." And that's, that's an so example smart. where we had our heads up our ass, you know, because we were 22 years old. And only at 22 years old do you think you know everything. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so crazy when I think about it. Like, I remember reading about, um, I knew the guy who wrote uh, the Julia Roberts movie uh, where she was the prostitute and everything. Pretty they woman. Had a whole, pretty woman. I couldn't think of it. Pretty woman. Like yeah, they had this whole side story where she gets kidnapped or something, and it was com- like with drug dealers. And uh, I guess Gary Marshall just said, you know, cut all that shit out. We don't want that. That's not going to be. It was dark. I think she died in the end. Yeah. 3,000 and there were 300. <laughs> and it was like how much you paid for the trick. And it was like, what's the life worth? And it was like an existential thing on like this nihilistic, you know, Gary Marshall was like, no, no, no. That's not no. what I'm making. Hey, he's a brilliant guy. The, 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 the story also goes on Goodwill Hunting that, um, and I, lo- I mean, it's been told before a million fucking times, but. You guys knew somehow that in order to get a big star to be in it with you, that um, you needed to write these great scenes, couple of scenes, not keep the guy on set for four months. Yeah, we had to have a couple of weeks. You had to keep it short. Yeah, Keep it short, but uh, give him some great monologues and we'll attract a really good actor. And, and sure enough, like going fishing, you hooked the guy in. It was Robin Williams who got the Oscar for this thing, which is unbelievable. But man, what a performance that guy gave! And getting Robin Williams got the film like so much attention. Oh, they would have never made it without Robin Williams. I mean, they didn't give. How did you get him? How do you get? How do Gus you? Ben like, Sant. Gus Van Sant. We knew oh. Gus Van Sant, the director. We knew a little bit. My brother and Joaquin had been in his movie To Die For, and uh, he. Then we got him. You know, we went to a bunch of directors. I mean, we screen tested with a bunch of directors. We met with Mel Gibson. He was like, I want to do the picture, but I hate the fucking title. And we're like, well, we'll oh. call it the Mel Gibson movie. We'll call it Mel Gibson's fucking extravagant. What do you want to call it? He had Braveheart just came out. And we, I mean, I'd never met a famous person. I was in the Four Seasons in New York at the place. I was like in a different world. These people kept by staring at our table. And I was like, holy shit. Like, what is happening? This world, this is the real Mel Gibson. And he's going, can you change this? We're like, we'll change anything. And he was really cool, why? actually. We said this. Yeah. But why didn't he why direct it? Yeah. He said, I'm looking at doing Fahrenheit 911. I really like this script. 
I have a couple of things in development. And, you know, we said, hey, look, Mel. Like, such <laughs> Two schlubs. You feel like such an asshole. You know, we did. We said, listen, you got a lot of things going on. This is all we got. So don't fuck right. us. If you don't want to do the, if you want to do the movie, we'll, we'll fall over ourselves and cut, you know, and, and, and do the Mel Gibson and anything. But if you don't want to do it, please don't string us along. Like we'd be one of your projects in development. You're thinking about it. And you make this and you make that. Cause we're just going to be standing around, you know, with our dicks in our hands waiting for this thing to finally happen. And he was really good. He was like, oh, okay. all right, give me 30 days. And we said, okay, great. So day 30, he called up. He said, like, I like the picture, but I can't. I'm not going to do it, and I don't want to hold you up. And that was wow. that. He was amazing at his word. Then we had Michael Mann screen tested us. Um, there are a lot of different stories about why he didn't do it. Um, but let I me ask you what... something. Let me ask you this. Do you, do you take some special perverse pride when, um, you know, you met with Mel Gibson and then, you know, you're standing there at the Academy Awards winning everything for Goodwill Hunting. Do you go, fuck Mel Gibson, you know, that dude, he, he must be eating his heart out, you know? Uh, he, no, because there were people who rejected us much worse than that. Like, I felt like Mel actually had sincere interest. Like, I can imagine being that guy. Like, you meet these kids, they have a script, and they're like, hey, we're in it. You're like, okay, you guys are in it. All right, calm down. You know, and then, and this is how it's going to be, and da, da, da. And, and you go, okay, well, let me, you tell us now, or tell, you know, and you go, all right, guys, give me 30 days. And, and he was true to his word, whereas there were people along the way who really, who really kind of screwed us, like made it difficult for us when we didn't want a certain director, the studio put it in turnaround, made it really hard for us to get it made somewhere else. And what, the thing that was toughest was, we had we have this great agent, this guy named Patrick Weiss, and he was a young guy, kind of made his bones on this with us. He was, you know, out of the mailroom, and he was just naive enough to think, like, yeah, sure, this could work. You guys can start it. We can sell it. And he ginned up this whole bidding war. And so then we had all these bidders. And so when when the studio that bought it had a director that we said, listen, we, we don't mind. We'll do it with that director, but can we try offering it to, like, our heroes and see if they want to do it? If they don't, great. You know what I mean? But at least, because we felt like it was like you own the Yankees and make yourself a starting pitcher. You know what I mean? Right. Come on. You guys are partnering with you guys. like, And and they said, you know, yeah, sure. You can have 30 days to get someone to pay the, the million and a half against the movie. We said, million and a half? You guys pay us, like, you haven't even paid us the 600000 yet. You pay us like 400000 We had to split it. Then there's taxes. I'm broke. What, what do you... Uh, and they're like, yeah, you have 30 days. Well, other costs have been accrued against it. And you have 30 days. And if you don't do it, you'll be lucky to get tickets to the premiere. Mm. And that, that we, I don't think I would have had the balls unless I was 22, 23 to risk that. Like now I would be scared. At the time I was like, the people want to just fuck them. And then we went around to all the other people that bid on it. And I put a line in Argo that, that was from one of those meetings because we went back and sat down with the people thinking, oh, okay, now you get to buy it. And one of the guys, I took this meeting because I want to tell you no to your face. <laughs> nice guy. Tell you no what? to your face. What? And it was really that thing of like, you know, you don't ask somebody at the prom. You know, they want to go with you. You go with somebody else. That that date dumps you. They're all of a sudden like, oh, what, I'm number two now? And it wasn't hot or whatever. So it was more those people that kind of, we're kind of shitty in a way about it. But at the end of the day, it was like, we were too happy to, it was never anybody that we showed you kind of a thing. It was, 
we, we were just so overwhelmed. We had no idea. We didn't know fucking, you, you know how like, how fast that transition was? Like, you know how they have these Oscar parties? You've probably been to some. It's a big deal. Uh, right? No, but I, but I can imagine. Agencies, they have Oscar parties, all their clients who are nominated, and they'll say, like, in honor of blah, 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 blah. It's really just because they want to, you know, tell the world how many Oscar-nominated clients they have. And, it, you know, it's for them, right, technically, and they go. And, but really, it's just a big Hollywood party, and a bunch of famous people show up, and then people take pictures, and then the Instagram, now it's the whole thing. So at the time, this was the early days of that, um, the agency we were at, Patrick at the time was at CAA, and Mike Ovis was still running it, and the whole thing. And... Um, we thought they go well. The agency's gonna have a party for you guys. For you know, you got nominated for like the Golden Globe or something. And we thought like, oh, it, it's our party. Like they're having a party for us, and we gotta fill it. So we called our friends from Boston and brought like twenty five people to the right. to this club in L.A. I was living in a one bedroom apartment like down the street. We showed up and I walk in and it's like, is that Steven Spielberg? And Mark Scorsese <laughs> and David Gates, with your buddies, and, Brad Pitt and Bruce Willis, and Demi Moore, and and you know Phil Hoffman, and uh, it was like a, a cavalcade of stars kind of thing. But even like even though they didn't have all the other people, they published or whatever there, so it was just them and all our fucking townie friends. They <laughs> turn around, my friend Bob is hammered. He's at a table, and he's like, "Are you Tom Cruise? You're a little shit! I can't believe it!" And I was like, "Get fucking Bob out of here before he ruins our careers before they start." You know, it, oh. that was how little we understood or knew knew about it. You know, the whole and how thing. do you, and how do you uh, relate to at that point in your career and your young kids and you know, there's so much naivete when you get on a set with Robin Williams, who's this accomplished actor and comedian and everything. Who's the biggest star in the world at the time, for sure? Absolutely. I mean, the the, the guy was the morning on. Vietnam. You know, the Fisher King, and he had come off all these movies. Did you stay in touch with him over the years, or is it one of those things like you do the movie and then everybody kind of loses sight of him? Uh, I did. You know, he was. I took it for granted at the time because I just thought, like, yeah, he's nice to us. We're working together. He knows. Us. You know what I mean? Right. But he was really generous and nice, and he and he tried. He really. It was the weird thing where I was like, he would finish the day, do thirty takes, and and be like, uh, you know, I, I don't think we got it. We got to go back tomorrow morning. And I was like, are you kidding me? It's great, Robin. What do you think, boss? I'm sorry, boss, me? You know that I'm 23 years old, correct? And that you're the biggest star in Hollywood. Hey, what do you say, boss? I, I think we should do it again. You know what? I was like, well, no, it's great. But he was like kind of neurotic like that, wanted it to be great. He would redo it over and over again. It was really sweet to us. And But that's you know, interesting I mean, insight. Uh, ben, that's interesting insight because I've always heard that I guess it's insecurity that Robin Williams, as great as he is in comedy, everything, that the guy was massively insecure. In fact, was so, I've, I've talked about this before, that supposedly he was even freaked out when Jim Carrey came on the scene. He felt like Jim Carrey was replacing him. I mean, it is. You know, that's it, true. I saw that. It is. Yeah. I, I that, mean, in fact, that was happening when we were shooting the movie. And that was the first time I ever had the same reaction. And this has continued to surprise me. I had a meeting six months ago with a guy who wanted to do a movie about an earlier movie the guy had done it guys accomplished more than anybody in the whole world acting wise right go and sit down with them talk to him and i just assume well you know you're a genius what am, what am i going to tell you you know what i mean like and he still i realized he was kind of hostile and defensive and and then and he told me that he met me once and i didn't recognize him and i said like, oh, hold on a second I, this i gotta tell you 
not only did I recognize you, I got that picture on my wall. You're the most famous person in the world. You think I didn't recognize you? And you're incredible. And I realized he still needed the, 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 the massage. He's still, after all these years, and it has consistently amazed me, the people I've met who you would think, what in the world would you have to worry about? That insecurity kind of never leaves people, ever. No. You think there's going to be some there, there, where you get the thing, you do enough, you get a trophy, you get a hit, whatever, and you go, I know what I'm doing. That's all a mask for uh, for underneath feeling like I'm about to lose it. I don't know. what. Either you feel like I'm not getting it or this guy's going to take it from me or this one's going to take it from me. Because there's no tenure in the business. You know the phone can stop ringing. So it's it's real easy to get in that mindset of like, I remember Robin saying, talking about how Entertainment Weekly had a thing about who's the biggest star in the world and they or the biggest comedian or something. And they put Jim Carrey on the cover and... I didn't even know it. I just like fleet leaped through it and I was like, oh, Robin is the number one comedian. And I thought because, you know, Entertainment Weekly said it had to be true because clearly <laughs> that's the Bible, you know, yeah, and right. uh, straight from God. And I said, hey, Robin, that's, that's pretty cool. You're the number one comedian in the world. That's got to feel good. He's like, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I use Jim Carrey to sell the cover. And I, uh, what the fuck do you give a shit about Jim Carrey? Are you kidding me? Ace Ventura? The guy talking out of his ass? And you're not that I great. Jim Carrey, terrific. He's great. He's done some great stuff, but like, it doesn't matter. He's not taking anything from you. You know, right. I mean, we were, you know, he's not, and I've always believed, and I think it's a, a function of, of growing up with Matt and auditioning together with him all the time for the same parts. I always wanted to get the part more than him. I didn't want him to get it. I wanted to get it, but if I didn't get it, I want him to get it. I want somebody else to fucking get it, you know? And so we were honest about, yeah, we want to be successful, but I didn't want him to fail. And I right. want, and I want, you know, I wanted to, we want to do it together. And, and I've, uh, there is this kind of, some people have this idea. And I think it's when you're a little, if you're alone, you're alone in this thing that it's like, it's not only a zero sum game, but if I can knock somebody off in front of me, I'm going to move up one in line. And I think that's one of the things that kind of underpins the tendency to like, let's destroy this person because secretly inside you feel like be better for me. Right. Because now uh, nobody's playing that show, you know, but it doesn't work. Right. I find that very highly evolved that you feel that way. I, uh, I feel I'd be dishonest if I said I don't suffer from that. So early on in my own career, I'd be like, ah, that fucking guy wants to be on the radio. Fuck him. I got to beat him. Like, in other words, there could have been enough room for both of us on the radio. But I thought there's plenty of room for you, Howard. (laughs) Yeah, there's plenty of room. What was I worried about? Yeah, yeah, I mean, but but you suffer from it. And when I read that about Robin Williams, I said that, you know, Robin Williams to me is one of the greatest of all time. I mean, really, what a Definitely. fucking talent. And yet it there genius. it is. It was a genius. And you, yet, I went and uh, saw him do stand up and he would you know, he would do like, you know, guys work on their sets, their five minutes for months, build it, take notes that their joke doesn't work. This you know, I've seen yeah. these comedians grind it out, but I didn't understand that. Cause all I saw, first time I ever saw was Rob, Hey, you guys want to come by us? You me do a set. And, uh, you know, oh, we we're like, sure. Oh my God. Yeah. And he went up and did a fucking hour freehand. I mean, yeah, really? there was a few of the jokes. I was like, Oh, he told that joke before. And I thought that was a big deal. Like I get, hold on. I heard that one. Like as if, I thought the comedians were making them up new every time. You know what I mean? Right. And he kind of was with a lot of them. That was what was incredible. 
And he, he was a he's a brilliant. He really identified with. He showed us this documentary about Tourette syndrome, and he had become friends with a guy who had Tourette so severely that he he sort of couldn't even stop moving. And I think Robin sort of felt like that. You know, he had all this energy and all this mania, and um, but it, it came out and. It, but he was he was like warm and kind and open and yeah insecure because you know why we're all fucking insecure because there's nobody yep. who's done this job who hasn't got shit on the first ten years of their career by everyone telling right. them they're an asshole and they're never gonna make it if I had a nickel for every like Beverly Hills 90210 audition and, and Mickey Mouse Club audition where they told me like we don't need to hear the second scene thank you mm. you know and I go home like you know I'm no good I can't you know it's hard. It's a hard thing to break into. A lot of people want to do it, and and so of course people are insecure. the The thing that's hard to get to is, and confidence I think comes from just years having done it enough where you look around and go. As I, I asked Warren Beatty once, like Warren, how do you know? How did you know you? Because I just not that he's a great friend of mine. I think I just went around polling all these actors who have become directors. We sit down, we give me ten minutes, and and he was really gracious. And he, I said, but did you? Weren't you nervous? Did you have the confidence? You know, did you think you couldn't do it? And he said to me, well, put it this way. Have you ever been on a set and looked over at the director and thought to yourself, well, if this asshole can do it, <laughs> you know, there's a certain, <laughs> yeah. certain amount of like, okay, at a certain point you go, I do, because of the, the sort of trade aspects of it, because some of it is like, yeah, I know how to build furniture. I've done that a lot. There's some of that stuff where you just know you, you're – you're not in it. You've, and I, I felt like I had a lot to prove for a while in my career. People thought I was shit, you know. But I right. got to a point where I was like, no, I'm not shit. I know what to do. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But I, I know what I'm doing. And that I think that comes with time. And until then, you're kind of faking it and you're miserable and you're looking at everybody else who's successful wondering why not you. And um, and I was lucky because that experience with Matt, I really did believe like, well, there's room for everybody. If I do something good, there's going to be room for me. This relationship with Matt uh, Damon, I mean, it is a true love story. First of all, it's very revealing when you say we we were little. You met what when you were eight years old? The, I don't think people I was realize eight, it. He was he, you were eight. He was ten. And first of all, the for brief a moment old, where he was taller than me, Howard. Yeah, very <laughs> rare moment. But 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 seriously, first of all, it's unusual that a ten-year-old will be friends with an eight-year-old. Uh, you yeah. know what I mean? That two years is a big difference. It was huge. Huge. And so, you know, the fact that the two of you were friends, the fact that the two of you knew early on that you wanted to be actors and and the fact that you'd go on auditions together and truly be happy for one another if one of you got the job, not that you didn't want it over him, but but it is very rare. And then to grow up and say, let's write a fucking movie. And really not even know how to write a movie. You, you guys used to talk into a tape recorder and act out yeah. scenes and ad lib scenes. And that's what we did. Well, yeah. It's crazy. I, I read somewhere you guys were in some sort of acting class and you'd act out scenes from the, what you thought might be goodwill hunting in front of your acting class. And all the students would say, this is shit. You guys are out of your mind. This is, it's yeah, terrible. Like, what is, because we weren't even doing, we were getting up there improvising. And, you know, they didn't know the story. Usually in acting class, you're like, okay, we're going to do a, you know, a scene from uh, this mammoth play and everybody knows it. And we were going to get, we're doing a thing from a thing we're writing. And everyone's like, oh, you're writing, you know? And then it was just like some guy who's smart and is, is like wise ass friend. And it just seemed like you guys are just bullshitting up there. What are you doing? And we were and we weren't. We, the one thing we kind of keyed into was that the way we knew how to write was just 
to make it sound real because we, as actors, it was all about an acting reel. We never thought anyone would make it. We, at the time, what we wanted was a VHS cassette, which was the thing, to have our a reel of our performances on because you, 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 know, you never, you know, everyone wanted that. You had to show people you were good and we thought we can, at Boston Accents, we can do it. We've seen some bad ones. And if we do this, we'll just, for, and we always said, forever we'll have the tape on our shelf. We'll have the tape on our shelf. You know, and, and we, Matt tried to get everybody, I tried to get everybody we possibly could and knew to be that Harvey Keitel guy who was going to raise the money. Matt did a TNT Western with Tommy Lee Jones. And we were like, it's going to be Tommy Lee. Make friends with him. Kiss his ass. Jimmy the Mirror movie. I called him after the first day and I said, what do you think? How's Tommy? I don't think he's going to be in our movie. <laughs> what a it. hustle. It really is. And the other thing that I, I say, it's a romance between you two guys. Uh, because uh, the fact that you had an agent before Matt, and then you said to Matt, hey, Matt, I got an agent. Um, why don't you go talk to him? I want to share him with you. I got to tell you, you might not think that's a big deal. I think that's a big deal. I would be like, fuck Matt Damon. I do not want to. He's, he's pretty good. I don't want to share my agent with him. I want my agent focused on me. I need some separation from this guy. This That's that is the most loving thing you could do for another human being to to say, hey, here's an opportunity. Why don't you go talk to my agent? Truly loving. You know, I mean, at the time I was a kid, you know, but I, I but the truth is, you know, when we were talking about this just the other day. Like, we're really lucky. We because I went and worked with him, did this script. It worked out. And then we went off and we chased our careers, you know, because, oh, we got a chance. We got a chance. We got to do is just chase the dragon. I'm going to be happy as soon as I got a big movie and this movie and that. And and we just did this movie, The Last Duel, together. And we were writing it together. And we for the first time, we, I said, you know, I was like, you know, we're. And meanwhile, he went off and written. I've written a bunch of directed movies and stuff. And so we've been yeah. to this process with other people. And I said, you know, we actually we work really well together. We got a good thing. Like, we compliment each other. It's like, because I didn't think, I just thought, well, who else am I going to fucking write with? You know what I mean? This is the guy. And I said, what are the odds that two guys who grow up a block apart in one place have this uh, level? Of, like, because then it was like, no, it's real. It's kind of, we know, we kind of help each other in a great way. And we've worked with a lot of other people. It hasn't always liked that. I mean, how many times does that happen in history where guys who are two blocks apart or block apart? And go up and, and are both, you know... Um, yeah, it's it's like John Lennon and Paul McCartney. Those guys met like how you guys met. I mean, they, they you know, that's what was always shocking to me. After yeah, I saw you guys... Talents, but okay. Yeah, but, but, you saw, but you saw them win an Oscar together. You, you, you guys won yeah, an Oscar yeah, together. Yeah. And, I, and then I was kind of shocked, but it was kind of brilliant that you both went your own ways and found your own careers. But you would have thought you guys would have, like, just said, hey... Let's go get a deal at a studio. They'll set us up at a bungalow and we'll write all day and we'll make our own movies. It's weird that you didn't. Because we want, because the whole thing was not about being writers. It was about being actors. We didn't think we were writers. We thought writers knew all the formulas and came up with the ideas right. and had the thing and knew the structure. And we were like, we just come up with lines and jokes. And a lot of these are stories from home and we're not writers. We're not. We tell, yeah, we tell stories. We tell jokes. We think of ideas. Like we didn't understand. We thought writing was the, we actually had the absolute reverse idea, which is we thought the easiest, simplest, most obvious part was the hardest part, which is the sort of like inciting incident, page 19, act two climax, you know, all this sort of formulaic bullshit that, that is school, you know, learning. It resembles like the you get a degree in that versus what the hardest thing to find, which was the little like gems of unique 
kind of thing, you know, moments that spark, most of which, granted, we stole from other people we grew up with, but still, we knew which ones would people would think were funny. And we came up with a few good things, and that's what you look for. Now, when I look for people to write with, I don't need me tell me, like, you know, typically in the denouement, I'm like, okay, already you're bullshitting. Like, what do you believe in? What do you think is interesting? What's good to you? I don't care if it adheres to this. Like, move me. Make me interesting. Make it compelling. Make it different. And and accidentally, that's what Matt and I did because we didn't fucking know any better. And then we got the chance. We were like, fuck the writing thing. They're hiring us as actors. You know, so we're right. boom. It was like the starting gate, you know. And, and we were off and running. And we also thought... Oh, we don't want to be Laurel and Hardy because it's going to like pen us in. Let's just do our thing. You know, we had that insecurity. And everybody's telling you, you got to do this, you got to do that. And so then we just pers- kind of pursued it. And we did a, cu- a couple of things together. We did appearances together. There was plenty of kind of, and also you get to be a cultural thing. It never feels comfortable. You're like, wait a minute, what is that where we are, Matt? And Ben, Ben, and Matt, you know, Billy Crystal did this whole song. And I remember right, I right at the Oscars. Out, yeah, and yeah. I was there. I was like, he's thinking about us or a different Matt and Ben? I thought there was another Matt and Ben. And he, that like from the golden age that I'd know about something. And when I took, I got so accustomed to the Matt and Ben mythology. And I was like, why the fuck do you get top billing, by the way? Right, and, yeah, uh, why is he Matt and you're a Ben? I'm like, well, why, why isn't it Ben and Matt? That sounds a little better, I'll be honest. But um I took uh, Blake Lively, who was terrific in the town, and I wa- she was really eager to kind of see, you know, uh, to learn from the, the people in the neighborhood and go around, do research. So we drove around. I said, here's this, here's that. And as we went by, I was down my house. I go, oh, yeah, that's my house. I go, oh, that's where Matt Damon lived in that apartment at the third floor. She goes, you know Jason Bourne? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't know that I know Matt Damon? They're the first person I met who didn't know that I knew. And I, I thought she was kidding, and I realized she wasn't. And then I realized I was a lot older than her. And then I started to have a whole existential crisis, which has only gotten worse. But uh, for a long time, that was the thing. So we didn't want to, you know, it doesn't feel great. You, anything, whatever the thing is, you become a shtick or an act or, a, you know, you know, two name, uh, one name, two names into one, all that bullshit. It's like that never feels were like you, this isn't, you know? Were you ever scared that, like, you ever see, like, it's weird how, uh, like, you watch American Idol and uh, Ryan Seacrest went on to fame, but the the other guy, Brian Dunkelman, who was originally working with him, he, you don't hear from him anymore. Were you ever nervous, like, oh, shit, what if fucking after this movie and after the Academy Award, what if Matt has some huge career and I'm never heard from again? That would scare the shit out of me. So like, I mean, I'm not exactly, but sort of Art Garfunkel kind of, uh, yeah, you yeah. know. You, you don't want to be that guy. That's- no, you know what? I wasn't, I never was scared of that. I had one moment where it scared me where, um, and it wasn't because, oh, Matt will be successful. I always wanted Matt to be successful. I mean, I figure if I'm broke, he's the only guy that's going to lend me money anyway. You know what I mean? So I'm <laughs> yeah, right. making money. But, you know, I did, I did face a moment in my life, like three movies in a row that bombed. I became like the most fucking uncool guy in the world that, you know what happens in a culture? It's like I see it in high schools. It happens in pop. There becomes somebody that's cool to pick on. You know, I remember right. I used to see fights in my high school. And, you know, two guys get in a fight. One guy start losing. And then three guys come over and kick him, like in the head, who don't know the guy. You know, there's something about people that want to do that. I don't know what that right. is. It's so fucked up. What is it that right. makes the guy go, oh, there's somebody on the ground. Let's kick him in the head, you know? But there, I felt that energy myself. I benefited from some of that spirit. And, and at that point... And then I got the shutdown of a movie that I was about to do. 
at, at some mm-hmm. expense. So, like, they were willing to pay money to not make a movie with me. And I'll never forgive the person who did it either. I, uh, that's one that I hold on to. But I, 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 I yeah. But the. Who was? The, who, who said, I'm I, not going to pay? I can't. I'm not going to say because they still work. And I, I don't want them to know that they affected me so profoundly because I played people. You, you had this series of three movies where things were not going well, and someone said, I tell you what, forget this movie we're going to make with you. And the next movie I was about to do, yeah, uh, it was about to shoot, and we were putting it together, and then the, one of the people sort of in charge of it decided, you know, we're not going to make it. But so close that they had to pay people. and so, Well, it was obvious. Like, not, we're not going to make it because of you, because mm-hmm. you're no good or, and no man. And, and I had, like, kind of an effect gotten fired. Worse than getting fired, they, like, will pay money not to work. Yeah, you it's know, crazy. And it's like, yeah. well, and then I remember telling Matt, like, you know what? I, I, everything was going great. And I, I, I don't know what I did, but somehow I ended up in this worst of both worlds where I can't sell any movie tickets, but I can sell tabloid fucking magazines by being right. on the cover, for which I get no money, nor, and it ruins my life and they lie about It's like hell. Like being trapped in, you know, no exit. It was like, so this is what I get? Because I've given it all back at that point. It worked at 7-Eleven, you know, just to be like, well, at least I'm, you know, I wouldn't mind that. I have a good life. And if, I, if I'm not going to get to do this work that I love, at least don't make me a, an object of ongoing ridicule, particularly people who didn't see any of the movies, didn't know how it was, but we're just the kind of people who follow along and make fun of somebody because everybody else is. And, but I'll tell you what, in some ways, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Because, why? Because I hadn't, success hadn't taught me much. You know what I mean? I just wanted to keep going. And I hadn't changed much. I hadn't grown much. I just went, hey, I'll do another movie. I'll do another movie. I'll try this. Hey, you know, and, and I was kind of coasting in that. And maybe that was evident in the movies, or maybe I got unlucky. I wasn't the person they made me out to be, which was like this frat guy, jackass, caddist. I mean, just, you know, just the worst. You know? I mean, there was a guy, a guy named Rick McCallum. I'll never forget this. This fucking asshole. I don't know what he does now. He was a line producer on the new Star Wars movies, right? You know, there's a certain professional courtesy where you like, if you work in the business, you don't just shit on other people in the business, right? I mean, I don't, right. I've never said anything bad about anybody except Rick McCallum. And he, I read an interview and I was feeling so shitty about myself and my life. And I clearly, you know, I was in a place where Robert Wall was on his United Airlines comedy special making fun of me. And I thought, like, they don't get worse than that. When you're yeah. the guy Bob Wall can punch down at, you know what I mean? Right. You might as well call it a night, you know, Arliss. Yeah. So, and then he runs into me at Argo and he goes, biggest compliment I can give. I took you out of my act. And I said, <laughs> you don't know how true that is, uh, yeah. Arliss. But uh, so I was there and I read this interview and it was, it was, he was being, now granted in his defense, he was, Kind of getting put on the spot by some journalist who was saying, like, well, you had Anakin Skywalker, like, slaughter a bunch of kids. Uh, isn't that a little much for a Star Wars movie? And the guy goes, you find something in He goes, well, I mean, Ben Affleck would murder children to be famous. <laughs> You're the example. What? <laughs> you don't have to like my movies. You don't have to like me. You're, you're saying with a straight face that I, that I would be a child murderer? 
like that they know I, I don't even know what to say to that you know and he was completely <clears throat> and, he, and he defended it. he goes yeah I'll do anything this fuck you know like as if that was a justification for Darth Vader turning to the dark side did you pick up the phone and call a guy like that and say, really? I mean, do I deserve that? I actually, uh, I, it was the one time where I actually called my lawyer. And I was like, is this like slander? Like, can a guy call you a child murderer? Like, really? And he said, well, we asked around, you know, apparently he's kind of a prick and nobody on the movies likes him. He's a pain in the ass. And I said, well, that may or may not be true. But, you know, this is like, and that was a moment where I thought, you know what? I got to let this go. And somebody said to me, I remember, I'll never forget, the really great piece of advice. Because I was just, why? I felt, so I don't know what to do. I can't this and that. Guy said, hey, you want self-esteem? Do esteemable things. Mm -hmm. I thought, yeah, I guess so. So I was like, you know what? I always want to direct. I don't know if I got another run in me. I don't think I'll let me star in it. But I know I can do this. And I'm going to take a fucking crack at it. And I'm going to just put everything I have into that. And so I spent a couple of years doing nothing else, getting that ready. And I knew every cell in my body knew if that movie didn't work, ball game. See, right. You know, what pressure, was, what pressure. I, 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 first weekend I, I went to the hospital with a migraine. I mean, I, and I had to try to be confident. Act like I knew what I was doing and I was terrified, but I knew I had an idea and I believed in it. And, and the only co consolation I got was maybe I'll fail. But at least I'll fail on my own merit because I feel like the other times things haven't worked. I've gone, okay, you want to do this? Let's do it because I'm like, ah, collaborate. Listen, I'm people pleaser kind of thing. And I was like, fuck it. Those days are over. I'm going to do what I want to do, good or bad, live or die. And the movie didn't, wasn't a commercial success at all, but it worked. I like it. It's a good movie. Gone, ba gone, uh, gone, baby, gone. gone. Baby gone. Yeah. yeah. And it got me, what it got me was another job. And then that was the job where I was like, okay, maybe I'm going to act in this one. And then I knew I got, if that doesn't work, dang, I, I, maybe I'll keep directing, but there's no more Ben Affleck acting in movies that those days are done. So again, I killed myself, you know, try, you know, that's why I said like 15 hours a day, also researching all the prisons in Boston, traveling back and forth. And I just, you know, and I always was so insecure and nervous and embarrassed and scrutinized my stuff and hated my shit. Take this out, take that. I got to And I, I didn't, wasn't even able to like the movie or appreciate it until a few years ago. I did like a Bill Snow, it was one of the podcast 10 year anniversary. And they're like, what the town? And I was like, really? The town? Right. And, uh, and, and it was one of those things where I really did, I kind of felt like. You're talking about the town? The town, yeah. about the town, yeah. yeah. The town. And I feel like I had to make it twice in the business. Once yep. as an anonymous person and once, which was harder, with like headwind. Like, yeah, we know who you are. We just don't like you. And that, like, to not be cool in Hollywood, you know, to, is, is the worst the Cardinals said. I don't know that I ever got cool, but I, I felt like I got to a place where people could kind of, I remember the reviews for Gummy Be Gone were like, well, I can tell you what my hat tastes like. Because yeah. it turns out he's not the worst director in the world. You know, it was kind of that thing. But I, it was like a step, you know. And um, and so I got I built back up. And that period of time afforded me that opportunity to do something really difficult. But that will probably be the hardest thing I've, I've done professionally, that period of years that it took to stick with that, to not write back to these assholes who say all this shit about me, who don't know me. Like, I mean, you don't fucking know me. This isn't right. Why would you do this? You owe me a pot. 
doesn't matter. Because somebody else is going to do it too. If I want to change my life, I got to change my life, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, in a way, that second comeback, let's call it a comeback, after being knocked, getting the shit knocked out of you, uh, in a way, that's even tougher than writing Goodwill Hunting and getting known in the first place, if you think about <laughs> it. I mean, unbelievable, because uh, I remember those days. And I remember mm. thinking, oh, you know, it's like, oh, He's what fun. happened to Ben Affleck? You know, yeah. like what? Like, really? What happened to the guy? And, you know, part of that, too, is I was going to ask you with with um, with your relationship with Jennifer, that that that, too. I don't think it's easy for two actors to, to be involved with one another. I would think when that shit starts to go down and people start criticizing your career and they're knocking you down and they're saying, hey, I'm not touching this. This guy has to kill children in order to get in the movies. That can't be pleasant at home. That 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 destroyed your relationship with Jennifer the first time. That whole pressure. I would say it was about fifty percent. <clears throat> like right. the idea that people hate you and they hate you together, and that being together is poison and ugly and toxic and thing none of us want to be part of. And who the fuck would want to have them to dinner? And what the fuck are they doing together? Like, I mean. It just, you know, normal life, you get, you, know, you find out somebody's, you know, talk some shit about you at a dinner party, you get offended. And to hear it, because look, as human beings, part of the way we figure out who we are, the way we learn things in the village, you know, in the, you know, evolutionary times, was like, hey, if you wipe shit on yourself, the other villagers are not going to want to be around you. So how other right. people respond to you teaches you your, you know, what, how to be, hey, what your value is. And by the way, being banished, being exiled, it's one of the worst things you can do. It, it, it touches a place in the brain that that's not real, but that feels life or death. Because when humans were living in caves and, you know, had these primitive societies, if you didn't get invited on the hunting trip, if the group went off without you, you starved to death, died. And so the people who were more fearful of that and aware of that, you know, evolved. And, had kids. and so that it's excruciatingly painful. And that's why it breaks my heart with, like, adolescents having teenagers now and just that thing of, like, we're in the group, you're not in the group. For some reason, people want to identify themselves just as much about who's their friends as who they're not friends with, you know? Do you, do you, do you, do you, are you one of these guys, because I'm, I'm, this is how I am. There is a list of people in my life, in my career, who, uh, in my mind, were shits to me absolute shits and I'll, I'll probably never forgive them you know what i mean i i just can't i'm 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 not that evolved but in that period of time in your life when you're down and out and suddenly you used to go to this guy's house for dinner and be invited to that party and this party and suddenly you're not are there those lists of people who you say wow i really learned who my friends were and i really learned who the assholes were that definitely happened I realized all the people that liked me and laughed at my jokes and wanted to have me, I wanted to be my friends. Just, hey, can be, hey, can you come where? Nothing. Didn't Nothing. want to know me. Didn't would sell store. Get, you know, talk shit. It, like it got to a point where people were so free with that. I remember my brother was at a, a dinner with a writer um, who became a director, and the guy launches into this whole thing. Of, I mean, like Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. Uh, he starts shitting on us and shitting us. And my brother goes, hey, you know. That's my brother. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, but you know what I mean. Like, he was thinking my brother to go, yeah, fuck him. You know what I mean? Like, that was how, you know, they, and, and so for a time, I got disillusioned. 
But it was also really, I am fucking hurt and angry and disappointed and felt like a fool. Because I was like, oh, I thought those people liked me. They didn't like me. They liked what they get to get. They like being cool. They like be associated with that and stuff. But then I thought, well, I know who my friends are and, because there were people who were good to me and who helped me, gave me a crack. I, wanna, I Because I was a, a, always cared about being a good guy, working with people, treating with people well, you know, uh, getting along, try, you know, being a good person. I had friends that I had worked with who were like, you know, he's not a bad guy. I'd like to have, you know. So I had some, if you're, if you're an asshole and your career turns around, people love to cut your throat and throw you over the side of the boat. But I had a few relationships that were, that were good. And I had just some friends who were still like, hey, this sucks. You know, sorry, man. And I thought, okay, you don't need that many friends. And I remember when the town came out, it wasn't until the town came out that people thought the town was going to bomb. And then it was like a decent hit. And it got good reviews. And I was in it. And I remember that weekend, I can remember where I was standing. I was talking to my agent, Patrick, who'd been with me the whole time. Never fucking, never once said, like, you know, it was like, you know, someone else is going to be on your account. Or what do you talk to? You know what I mean? Like, it happens all the time. Ah, you dropped it. He called me. He talked to me. He was like, we're going to fucking fix this. This is bullshit. We're going to wow. do this when I didn't believe. You know what I mean? I, oh, man, I appreciate it. I don't think anyone wants to work with me. He goes, no, 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 no. This is what we're going to do. That whole time he stayed with me, he's still my agent. I mean, no, I never really. What am I going to do? You know what I mean? It's 20 years. He's one of my best friends. And, and now he's richer than me, so, you know, he doesn't need me. Um, you know, when you realize your agent has more money than you and shit, you're like, wait a minute. Who's working for who? But uh, he, I got on the phone with him in town. He goes, hey, you know, call to give me the good, hey, the movie opened, the blah, blah, blah. Worked out, and then he kind of, he started going, and I got a call from so-and-so, I got a call from so-and-so, and I started with the, like, fuck him. I tried it, and he goes, you know what? We're going to welcome all our old friends back. Yeah. And I but thought, you know, you know that's Go why. That, that's better than what I would have done. And then I get, made it in my mind, I said, you know what, Argo's going to be, when I did it, I thought, this is going to be the, like, I'm not going to hold grudges fucking movie. I'm going to reach out and hire people that I know hate me, that I know talk shit about me. I'm going to go to these people and say, and I found, like, for example, there's an actor on Saturday Night Live, right? I've hosted a few times. And I know the guy talks shit about me all the time because everybody tells me, this guy thinks you're an asshole. He thinks you're taking all his job. This guy fucking hates you. And I thought, all right, I, I get it. It happens, you know. And then I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try a different move. So I went up to him on the set when I got there, like the first day. I said, hey, man, I got to tell you, I love what you do on the show. You carry this fucking thing. It's so good. I love that sketch. I love this guy completely. I watched his face. You know, he kind of, he looked at me like maybe he does have good taste. And literally, <laughs> when I was like, you know, Affleck's not that bad. And it turns out that a lot of that shit has to do with your own. It's like, I was like it's not a person. He doesn't know me. Yeah, why is he right. mad at me? He doesn't even know me. He's unhappy. He's resentful, bitter. I don't know what his issues are. But, like, it's not about me because all I got to do is go up to him and tell him he's a great guy. And all of a sudden, I'm not that bad, you know? And so I sort of took that approach, and it worked. Not to, I'm not fucking Buddha. I got a lot of resentments. I still, I mean, I, look, I just named this guy on your show. Clearly, I'm not over some of this right. stuff. But if I didn't. Because I, you, you've always been fucking success. You've, to me, you've always been like, you know, it's just rocket ship, you know, massive success after massive success, you know. Well, look, yeah, you could be Howard Stern, but normal people, you know, that's that thing, right? 
Yeah. To me, I really have known, I mean, I'm sure you feel like you have, and you probably have, and I just don't know, had those moments of, you know, uh, disappointment, disillusionment, and, and, and feeling like a failure. But, you know, for me, it was like, if I let myself go down that road, I would have just become a fucking bitter, miserable guy. I would have never got over it, and I would have been unhappy. There's somebody said resentment is like eating poison and hoping someone else will die. You know, it's like, what am I going to sit here and be miserable for? This guy doesn't give a shit. You know, he's happy. He's going to be all living his life. So I should, too. No, you're right. Uh, you know, I, I find that, again, highly evolved. Uh, I don't know that everyone, you know, people, you know, and I'm thinking now, my mind's flashing, too, the night Argo wins uh, Best Picture of the Year, Michelle Obama and Jack Nicholson present to you the Academy Award uh, because you were also the producer on that film, and it was Best Picture of the Year. Man, now I'm starting to realize what a triumph that was for you. I mean, what an emotional moment. Because Better than the first Oscar for Goodwill Hunting. That was almost just freakish. That was like a Sylvester Stallone moment where, you know what I mean? Like, it's freakish. This thing you fucking earned. This was your fuck you, hey, I'm back, and you know what? I'm better than ever. What a moment. It was. It was the, you're right. I'm not going to lie. That was the single most sort of self-satisfying moment. Because for so long, I just felt like I got to prove I belong here. I got to, I can't be a fucking, I got to show these people. I got to tell these people, you know, I got to prove it. I got to prove it. I, I, I mean something. I'm worth something. I, and, and years, 15 years after Google Hunting, and a lot of years, in, you know, in the shitter and a lot of fucking <sighs> tabloids and bullshit. And then to, and I didn't think we were going to win, but I'll tell you, you're right. It was much more meaningful because wow. it wasn't, and it wasn't even fuck you. I remember saying like, I, I, I mean, I, I, that speech is like a little bit like uh, incoherent in my memory, but I do remember saying for some reason, like I was so much to myself. You can't hold grudges because I knew that if I had held on to that bitterness, I wouldn't have got there. And that, you know, I was happy and I, and I felt like, okay, enough, enough. You're going right. to let me fucking, are you going to at least say, I don't, you can say you hate my movies, but can you at least do me the courtesy of reflecting fairly back to me? All right, you belong here. Fine. Fine. It's fabulous. I mean, it's a fabulous moment. Just the fact that it's Nicholson and Michelle Obama presenting that to you, you're up there. And yet, I, I always felt it was strange, and I'm sure you did too. And I don't know how important these awards are to you, but I sense that it is important. Uh, it's an acknowledgement of really fine work. And it's your peers saying you're great. Uh, but you know, it was weird that the, you, you got us produced. You weren't nominated as best director for that. That was film. the thing I got. It was the big snub, right? And, yeah. And that was really taught me a lot because, you know, I did everything they told me. You got to kiss the babies and sh I schmoozed every fucking buddy in the world. I gave out more, you know, back rubs to old people in the old home. I did everything they said. <laughs> I was a complete like, you know, there, you got to do this. You got to go here. I did it. I did it. I did it. Part of it's because you're the director and you want to do it. But the truth is part of it's because I wanted it. Right. I wanted it. And you're, most people, I think if they say they don't, are probably not totally honest. I wanted it. And I wanted it for that reason. And then, and everybody told me, you're going to, oh, you're going to win. It wasn't you're going to be nominated. You're the lock. You're the nuts. You're going to win. You're a lock. And so, of course, do I get up that morning, go sit in front of the TV. And I, I, I did assume I was going to get nominated. You know why? Because everybody said it. 
So what do you right. think? If all these people, they must know. They're on the newspaper. They're putting me in the charts and the thing. So I guess I'm good. And they read those names. And I remember thinking, like, it's never going to end. I'm never going to get it. Like, no one's ever going to re- be willing to just say, okay, yeah, it was good. And and I had done everything. And so the first thing I did was I called up the Warner Brothers people who worked really hard, who really wanted it for me. You know, and I said, guys, I think, you know, I'm done. No more, baby. I'm never going to do it again. No asking, no handshaking. I don't give a fuck. They don't want to give it to me. Okay. And maybe I don't deserve it. If the directors didn't think I deserve it, that's their opinion. And that's fine. You know, they think that. I'm proud of the movie. I'm glad, you know, Billy got nominated and Chris got nominated. And they were like, oh, we got picture. And I was like, yeah, we got picture. But they made sure to leave me out. Um, well, and, it's almost ludicrous, Ben. It's almost ludicrous to have the best picture of the year and the director didn't get an award. It doesn't even compute. That's not That's done. always one of those things like we had editor, score, screenplay, uh, <laughs> picture, you know, like, well, yeah, was well the only film. guy who fucked up was the lead and the director. All right. <laughs> I, I, I can do the math on who the asshole is here. And but I said, OK, I'm done. I'm not going to do any more. And that day, I had to go to the fucking Critics' Choice Awards, which has, as me- if my memory's correct, the single longest fucking red carpet in humanity. <laughs> and every single stop. This pre- they didn't have to say anything. This whole America goes so snubbed. Oh, my God. <laughs> you just wanted like- to... Uh, I don't, is that a question? <laughs> you know, when you got to pretend that you're okay and pretend it didn't bother you because, God forbid, something bothered you that everybody wants to bother you. know, and, and, and the worst fucking acting of my life, going down that line. But then I got halfway through, and it was so absurd that I just let it go. And I was like, yep, I got fucked. I don't know. I thought I was going to get it. They hate me. What are you going to do? Life is hard. I like the movie. I guess I, I guess it's not out there for me. And by the time I got down to the 15th, you know, affiliate from Dallas and the access, in, you know, Germany, I just thought, I was like, yeah, well, sure. I was up this morning. I thought I was going to get it. I smacked in the mouth and, that, you know, life goes on. I went in to the, you know, it was Critics' Choice, you know, got hammered the table, figured, well, we're fucked. And <laughs> then we fucking won. And I was like, we won. We won the Critics' Choice. Well, there you go. The junkie guy, the, the TV reviewers think we're geniuses. And so I went up and said, you know, well, I want to thank the Academy because I just didn't give a fuck anymore. And then, of course, like it happens all the time in life, we never lost another award. Maybe we won all the, every other, I mean, and they got plenty of them. You know, like, does anything yeah. need that many awards? Like, do we, we got one Nobel Peace Prize and 40 movie <laughs> awards. But, uh, so, you know, it was, it was a big deal. But I also, at that point, I thought, okay, I am glad we won picture. Obviously, it meant something to me. But it was like, I'm not going to make this my metric anymore. I'm just going to be like, I want to start out to do this. If I do it, I'll feel good. You know, Last Duel came out. I loved the movie. Nobody saw it in theaters. Not a fucking soul. I, I didn't love the movie any less. I didn't think any less of it. I'm proud of it. I'm, I mean, fortunately, it did well on streaming or it's doing well on streaming. So that's it made me not feel crazy because I was like, I think this is good. Well, I understand. What, what movie are you talking awesome. about? What, what last the movie last, are you talking about? The Last Duel. Yeah, okay. It. The yeah. last duel. Really I did. It. Yeah. 
No, I, I know anyway. about the list. It, it, it was just like it wasn't around. And, and, and how do you deal with that? I mean, when you walked in, I wasn't being facetious. I said, oh, well, there's a movie star. You are a movie star. And now we've got a world where what the fuck is a movie star anyway? Opening a movie now is impossible because there's no movie theaters. Now you got streaming. The whole paradigm has changed. The whole business has changed. It, 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 how do you reflect on that? And, and what do you think uh, the, the future is? I, I, I mean, this conversation I've had, you know, various iterations of over the last year with everybody I know in the business. I mean, everybody's talking about I, I have a take on it, and it was reaffirmed by the last duel because, like I said, I've done movies that were no good. When people didn't see them, I understood that. You didn't want to see right. it because it looked like shit, uh, and it was shit. But when, you know, but when it was good, that's what makes you critical. Like, do I not know what's good? Because I, I think at least that I know. But I didn't even doubt that. I just thought, okay, this is not not only this is not this audience for this movie is just not going to movie theaters now and they're not going to go again because even when the way back i had this little movie called the way back came out came out the first week of the pandemic they shut the theaters down they rushed it on streaming and so actually everybody saw it i got all these calls and stuff and i loved the movie so i was so happy and i knew and it was before the time of pandemic i knew this movie's not going to work no one wants to see these dramas. This is a depressing story when a guy's kid dies. Nobody's showing up. You know, the days of fucking crowds of people waiting in line for ordinary people are over. And it's not happening. Yeah. It's basically people going to movies are kids who just want to get out of the fucking house anyway. They're looking for an excuse. And people my age, you know, uh, are like they want to take a pause it, take a piss, watch the rest tomorrow. They got a pretty good flat screen, you know. And, and so why fucking drive down to the thing and do the whole deal? And also, the streamers are start like making great stuff. Succession is as good as anything you're going to see in the theater. That's right, right. And so is Ozark, and so is like Narcos Mexico. I mean, there, there's some amazing the documentaries are amazing. So for that audience, I do think it's over. I think, and I think the nail in the coffin was COVID because they already didn't want to do it, and now they're done because they've learned not to. So I think you're going to see. Last movies released, 20 to 35 movies theatrically released a year, except for a few, you know, kind of vanity limited releases. And they'll all be Marvel, uh, you know, I think what they call IP, that's right, like sequels, animated, mostly kids' movies, and or Bond, or stuff that everybody, you know, you figure, well, people want to see this because they know what it is. It's safe. Because the problem is when you make a movie, you basically invest double your investment on the prints and advertising to release it theatrically. So it's very expensive. So if you have a questionable movie and you already got $50 million in it, and you think nobody's going to go, now you got to put another 50 in it, it, you know, on a hand, basically a blackjack where you already got a six. And you think, well, I don't, this is not looking good for me. And now granted, some, everyone said Titanic was going to sink Fox and, you know, that panned out. But, you know, it's, it's scary. And, and so I think that the risk being mitigated of the P&A money and the degree to which Wall Street now is, is essentially generating more profit for like a company, like, you know, a streaming company. I mean, look, Netflix is worth more than Disney. Right. Market cap is bigger than Disney. Disney had, I mean, how many employees does Disney have? They got parks, they got toys, they got a, a library of movies, they got brands like not just Disney, which everybody will show their kids, Lucas, Pixar, Marvel, and yet, and they have 100 million subscribers to their service, and still Netflix is worth more because the stock market's obsessed with growth. 
and they want it, guys want to buy a stock that's going to make them money in three weeks. And Netflix is right. you know going up, 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 up. So it's kind of gambling, and that's fueled this. So now, if you had a billion dollar movie in grosses as a studio, you'd make you know your four hundred million dollars as the studio. You're going to get seven billion dollars in market capitalization in the rise in the stock because your subscriber numbers are going to grow and you hit your numbers for the quarter and everybody in Wall Street is going to say, buy this stock. And so now nobody gives a shit about the theatrical business anyway. All the studios are chasing the streamer numbers because it's just worth more money. And where does that leave the artist? I mean, the director, writer, producers, the the actors. It's, uh, you yeah. know, for a, for a movie star, there used to be this great... If you got into the rarefied air that you're in, you had kind of a, you could get back-end money, you could get a percentage of the gross. It's like... Well, the back-end's be- gone. That's what's interesting. They took that away. The streamers right. did a thing where they said, no, we're not, fuck this, we're going to get rid of this. And we're going to say, oh, yeah, we'll pay you time and a half, you know, for your fee. And then it was like, eh, one and a quarter. But you get no back-end. And so what happens is that 80% of the people... And this is crew, everybody gets paid a little bit more than they would have. And the 20% of the people that are in hits get completely hosed for, for the value of what they've done. And the streamers have been really effective with that. They own the movie now in perpetuity. They're not even giving it back for 20 years. But, and maybe I'm being Pollyanna about this, if you look at the movies that do well in streaming, like Netflix top 10 movies, they're actually the same movies that work theatrically. There's so much noise, there's so much stuff that people are still drawn to, like, people they know, people who've done work, good work before, people who, I mean, you know, you get on a, whether it's Amazon, Netflix, any of these things, Apple, and you're just like, huh, I don't know, what's on, I never heard of this, there's a, it's just a clutter, and, and there's more of a clutter, and in fact, the best news is, and maybe this is obviously a result of the pandemic as well, but people, like, if you just measure by hours, are watching more movies, watching more television, watching more, you know, the, so the, because the technology gives the opportunity to, and there's good stuff, so the actual consumption, the interest in movies is going up, and I think it leaves somebody like me, hopefully, in a place where, and granted, the kinds of movies I want to make are not the kinds of movies people are going to go, yeah, we'll give you a 250, go make it, and blow up the yeah. asteroid, you know, they'll say, okay, you know, tender bar, you know, you give you 35 million bucks. It's a memoir, kid, guy, them in a bar, whatever. Fine. You know, like, I mean, listen, Amazon, you know, sells air conditioners and cars and fridges and yogurt. And I mean, they used to be books. Now they sell, they're, they, that's it. It's the only place you're buying yep. things. And so obviously you get the money. It's the very minuscule portion of their investment. And I think they probably were like, well, we got everybody looking at our screen. Let's sell a movie to them too. And I'm sure it was a profitable thing that made sense. And at Apple, too. Apple's the most valuable, most highly valued American company in the world. Almost, almost, they're worth almost $3 trillion. $3 trillion, right? That's like a mil- If you had a seconds, you know, a million seconds is 11 days. A billion seconds is 36 years. A trillion seconds is 36,000 years. Three trillion seconds is over 100,000 years in dollars measured by seconds. That's how much people value Apple. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that people believe that in the future, you know, this this controls us. This is it. The phone. The phone. If you got this, you got to hook it into people, right? Right. And so they're going, oh, we should, yeah, let's keep them. Let's give them some stuff. Let's put some stuff on there. And they're, they're jumping into this business because they already have the pipe. Um and I have to believe that because they have the bankroll, 
they'll continue to, I think there is a, a pervert, an inverse kind of gold rush where the streamers are going after stuff. And the business changes, right? There was vaudeville, there was silent pictures, there was talkies, there was color movies, there was radio, there was television. There was, you know, it's, it's always changed. Um, but people have always wanted to go. And I think people still like great stories. I have to believe that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but, you know, you do see, like, West Side Story opened up. And uh, I don't know, famously, like, uh, they, they list these things at a $100 million budget or something, and they made, like, $10 million. It's crazy. It's a very hard business to, to figure out. But I think that's deceptive because, like, last duel, you know, tanked, and they all probably thought, like, oh, my God, we're, in, you know, in the base where we lost all this money. But then I know that because they're not, they're not transparent with the economics of what does streaming mean, what does it mean to your company in terms of revenue? Because I know they have a calculus for it, for sure. They spend a lot of time mm -hmm. figuring out. We get this many new subscribers. We keep these subscribers. And they, it's worth a number to them, right? They don't want to yeah. tell what it is because, you know, they want to protect that information. But, like, I know that they're not – if it's a streaming title that's getting people on Disney or Hulu and, and they, you know, they broadened it even and got a piece to put an HBO Max R movie – I think West Side Story is the same thing. I haven't seen it. You know, um, my friend's kids saw it the other day, came home crying, was talking about it forever. It sounds good. And yeah. uh, Steven's brilliant. And I think that that movie is actually probably worth a lot of money to the streamer that has it on there that's going to have people watch it over and over again. I mean, Disney paid $80 million for the stage play of Hamilton. You know, so to put it on Disney Plus. So yeah. they're not doing that like because they're altruists. You know, they they're doing it because they're like we're gonna make 120. You know, they know the algorithm. They know how to make money, and if they're paying that kind of money, they know they're they're gonna get a return. You know, um, this new movie that you're you're promoting today, actually, Tender I haven't Bar. even brought it up yet. The Tender Bar. Ah, Hope it's in theaters this uh, Friday. When well, uh, first of all, when Clooney, who's a friend of yours. It, you know, calls you and says, I want to uh, direct you in a movie, The Tender Bar. Do, are you, do you feel some obligation that you have to do it? I mean, the guy's a great director. He's a great, uh, you know, he's a great actor. But he's a all guy of who worked on Argo together, have a relationship with them. Yeah. Me. Uh, I probably would have if I didn't like it. It would have put me in a weird spot. But it was the opposite of that. I read the script halfway through. I had read the book, uh, Khalid Duvall gave me the book, and we did Argo together. She's a great director, and she's a fabulous actress. And she said, hey, you like this. And I read it and loved it. And then all of a sudden, George goes, and goes hey, I'm making this thing. I didn't know he's adapting it. And I got, and I was like, oh, uh, first of all, I always wanted to work with George as an actor because Matt always said, the guy's spectacular to work with as an actor. What but does Matt, that mean? Why is he spectacular to work for? Well, I'll tell you what it was for me. Um, it was pretty simple. Like, imagine working for a guy who's done your job at the highest level for longer than you have, right? That's a right. very different thing than fucking, I mean, you are that guy. But if you're the boss of another guy on the radio who's on a show and you bring him in and then, and then you sit down with him and go, and you actually, you know, like George, you care about him, you want him to succeed, and you're generous with how you want him to succeed, and you tell him, hey, no, 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 that don't work. Doesn't, don't do that. Nobody wants to hear that shit. That's not. You could trust him. And you can trust him, and you, and I don't know how you would say it, because I, I don't do what you do, and I don't know how to do it. But but what George does what I do, knows how to do it, and then he's, he'll say notes that 
you understand intuitively, like this is a, you know, you're a plumber, and other plumbers are come down and go, no, 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 take this pipe, do it, this, you know, like real. So George, his notes are like just so fucking sharp, and you can play them. A lot of directors sit down and talk about like, well, you know, you're called, you're red, and you know, this is a movie about, you know, uh, the motion of, and you're just like, I can't, I don't know what to do with that. George will go, you know what? I like leaning forward. Wait till the second line. You know, or it's great what you're doing. I see that. That's too small. Bring it up a little bit at the end. Or it, at its most brilliant moments, like there's a scene in the movie that I always like got choked up reading. It's, it's a spoiler, but, you know, um, if you've gotten this far, you've, you probably already uh, had your fill of my uh, entertainment. And he, he, I give the young kid a, a, I'm always talking about the importance of a car. You got to have a car in America. If you have a car, you're nobody. Like the guy's obsessed with fucking having a car. And so that's one of my big things. And, and at the end of the movie, as he goes off to make his way in his life, um, I give him a car. I give him my car. I say, don't say I never gave you anything. And I, I come in, I play the scene, I'm ready for it. I cried twice reading it. It choked up. I thinking of my own son growing up and what's going to happen. Like kids leaving home. I'm about to fucking burst into tears. I hold it in. I do the scene with the guy. And it's like the most real emotion I've felt as a performer ever. George walks over and I'm thinking I'm about to get like, you know, the congratulations. Uh, he's about to go, thank you for doing my film, <laughs> you know? And he walks up and he, I, I said, that's good, right? It, it felt good. And he said, yeah, it's, uh, it's fun to give someone a car. <laughs> <laughs> good point. Okay, let's go again. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no. And then it's like, he's so right. You're like, don't even say anything else. I know what you mean. Yeah, I get it. I'm embarrassed. I didn't think of it. Played against it, gave this thing, and it's just so much better, you know. The movie, the, the movie, the Tender Bar. You said uh, you got the script, and uh, it was one of the few times in your life. It was there were two times in your life that a director sent you a great script with a great part. So the one is this time for Tender Bar. Gone Girl. David what, Fincher what, what, sent me Gone Girl. David Fincher, a movie called Gone Girl that I did with David Fincher. Which oh, good, was, yeah, yeah. Uh, and who's a guy who I idolize? I think is one of the great master directors and who I was so thrilled to work with and to learn from. And th and I just was like, what do you mean? It's like, God's on the phone. He wants you to come up and, uh, you know, he wants you to be king. What? Okay. Well, you know, when you talk about, you know, like this period of your life where you couldn't, you know, you were, you were down and out, you know, it's true. People forget with actors. It's such a rare moment. You get handed a good script. It, that that you have to act if you want to be an actor you have to act so it, it, it's sometimes out of your control you don't know if a movie's going to be good or not uh, no, you know you not, not only that I let, people often are like well your choices it's like you have to understand your choices are a function of your options i'm not at home passing on the scorsese movies you know what right. i mean nah, marty I'm a, i got a movie i'm doing in puerto rico with timberlake i'll run a runner you, you're gonna have to wait you know what i mean it's right. like right uh, you know you, you take what you can, you know, the best you can of what you can. And really, for me, it was frustrating enough that I continued to just make my own material. It was part of, fuck it. Okay, no one wants me to do it. I direct. I'll write it. Knowing something about your life now, uh, it's not lost on me, the parallels in this movie. This new movie is about you as a mentor to a little boy who doesn't have his father in his life. I love that the, the disc jockey is uh, the, the bad oh guy. It's great. I loved it. Everybody I, fucking I, takes shit personally. It's like, I, I never no, would have thought it. of that. And you watch I the whole thing like this. Like the, the disc jockey the bad guy. No, I, I loved it because <laughs> I know I've worked in so many radio markets coming up. I knew tons of guys like that. 
Guys who really? are addicted to cough syrup on the air. I used to work with guys. They'd be slugging cough syrup while they're doing shows. I mean, these are characters. DJs are like people who are homeless. Like, they just kind of roam the country looking for their next radio gig. So here's the story in this new movie, and I think people will really love this. Story of a little boy. His, he's unfortunate in that his father is a radio guy. He's a disc jockey who's a complete fucking asshole. I mean, the guy has nothing to do with his son. He's in and out of his life, barely. And then comes Ben Affleck, who, who says, uh, I'm your uncle. I'm going to show you the way. And we all kind of wish... We had an uncle like this or a mentor or someone in our life. But in your own life, your own demons, if you will, your father um, was not this. This is not unlike what happened to you in real life. Your mother, a brilliant woman. Didn't she go to Harvard, your mother? She did. Yeah. He was admitted to active. She's the first class of women that graduated from Harvard when they merged. But yes, she did. She's the most smartest people I ever know. Brilliant. Brilliant. Brilliant woman. Marries a guy. And he taste. <laughs> right. <laughs> she picks a guy who, in a way, is is riddled with problems. Alcoholism. I mean, this is your real life. Your father and your father was pretty much absent. Uh, what? He left you at the age of what? Eleven. Uh, he left at eleven. He got divorced at eleven. I don't think of a divorced person as leaving, but he. But that was really when he. And in those days, it wasn't like like me. I fifty fifty custody. It wasn't. Like, it was like okay, you see your dad's Wednesday, your dad Wednesday night, and we go right. up to the bar. I meet him, and and then his alcoholism, as it does always, almost always, just degenerated to the point where he was just, you know, he just deteriorated between, and it seemed like forever to me. It was actually from when I was 11 to when I was 19. To me, that defined him. He'd been sober 30 years. You know, him was obviously like fucking alcoholism, was, you know, but to me, those were the years, which is right. why I'm fucking sober. You know what I mean? It's like I'm not going to do those years. I'm going to be right. here these years. You know, fuck that. The, if there's not the one thing I'm not going to miss, it's this time right now. And that made it finally made it easy for me to, to get sober. But yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. But but but, but the, the, you know, it, it, this movie is almost a parallel. This little boy goes to talk to his uncle at a bar. You used to meet your father at a bar, which is just fucking crazy. And he probably was hammered. The, the, the father hunger you experienced as a boy Um I, I can't even imagine the bitterness and what you missed out on in life. It, it, in a way, it is the most devastating thing for a young boy to not to know his father's out there somewhere and not be around. Uh, when you get the script, are you like, what the fuck? This is so my life. Uh, it, it's a little bit eerie. Uh, yeah. You know, there were a lot of things in the story. I don't think exactly, but... And it's interesting because my father was both Uncle Charlie and this, not quite as a fucking, although that guy who plays the father spectacular in the movie. But I think the best thing in the movie is when he, he meets him in the diner at the end. And he's like, I, you know, I'll let myself have a drink or two because I found out I'm not an alcoholic. It's a really great scene. Maybe <laughs> yeah. I've known too many guys like that. But he, my dad was present in my life and, and, and very much like this character. He didn't go to, I don't know if he graduated high school. He wasn't going to go to college. He hung out with a lot of smart people. My mother went to Harvard. She had these smart friends. And he had this big chip on his shoulder about you don't have to fucking go to a fancy school to read, to understand language, literature, use language, right? This shouldn't be just fucking prep school kids. And you, you know, you can. And so he, and you know what? He is a good writer. 
He's a really good writer. He's smart. He has read this stuff and he's read more of it because he didn't get like assigned the, you know, literature at Exeter. He fucking read it on his own. It's not. Yeah, but Ben, were you and, ever able to say to him, were you ever able to go to him and say that? Do you hate me? Do you, do you, are you, are you disgusted with me? Why, why don't I'm this cute little boy, you know, what is it about me? What, you know, cause kids blame themselves. Why are you not in my life? Where are you? Or was that just too difficult a thing for you to do? Uh, You know, yes, that's hard for children to do. You don't really understand. It's very difficult to understand. As a child, you're kind of programmed to, to, your parents are right. They have to be right. They have to connect them to survive, right? So if, if, if they don't love you because they're not there or they're mean to you because they're drunk and cranky and listen, you know, my father, when I look at his life, you know, two years before he got married, his mother killed herself. Then his next year, his brother killed himself. His father beat him up his whole life. You know, he had an incredibly traumatic life. How you even recover from that to the degree that he has is remarkable. And I'd like to say that because I don't want to go on a fucking whole thing, you know, beating on my father because, you know what, most of my mistakes are my mistakes. Uh, and I know how it is. And I've been in a lot of rooms with a lot of people who I really love who have done things that I go, oh, that's fucked up. Yeah, but, but what do you mean it's your mistake? You were a little boy. Your father had a son. That wasn't my mistake. That was Later not your mistake. mistake. No. no. No, it wasn't my mistake, and it's very damaging, is the truth. Alcoholism is poisonous uh, to children because it makes them seem crazy, and being neglectful of kids gives them a sense that they don't have any self-worth, and they're not loved, and they're no good. And because you're not wrong. I mean, they're not wrong. you got to be wrong. If he doesn't fucking like me, then I must be an asshole. You know what I mean? And, and he right. would, he would, I mean, you know, he could be mean and tough and, you know, he's an auto mechanic and, you know, and he was a strong, kind of angry guy. Uh, and that was hard. And I didn't feel like, you know, uh, particularly well liked. And that, that I didn't even realize because really I, the irony, the thing I is so sad about alcoholism, I see this with kids of alcoholics now is that instead of going, you know, what the fuck are you doing? My father's an asshole. This is a, you go like you want to defend him, you help him. Yeah. No, he's okay. I mean, no, he's a good guy. No, I oh, fuck. This is you know. You want to make him a hero. I wanted my father to be a hero so much to the point that like my father's janitor at Harvard, that's Will Will Hunting's job in the movie. You know, I thought, hey, this is he's a real. He's the fucking janitor here, but he's smarter than everybody. And I still now listen. Also, at now as an older, I understand that alcohol had a lot to do with that. I also understand that trauma had a lot to do with it. I also stand that it was hurtful to me and caused me problems. And that's just were, you also, were you also embarrassed, or not embarrassed, but um, afraid to accept your fame and success in the beginning because you didn't want your father to be jealous of you? Um, no, I was maybe a little, but uh, I believed, I think, too many of the things that were <laughs> um, you know, I, 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 confronting like a certain like a period I talked about where you get a lot of negativity. Um, you know, sometimes 
that was an echo of a voice that I heard from my father. So it felt true. Right. When, 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 when you had that period of time in Hollywood where you couldn't get arrested, where people were shitting on you, where people were making jokes about you, it, did that drive home and, you, and it reminded you of your father criticizing you and saying the shit about you and you're worthless and you're not going to amount to anything and, and not believe in you? Those people be, become the stand-ins for the father, don't they? That's the fucking hard part. Yeah. If you had if you had gotten more support from him and felt better about yourself, maybe those people wouldn't have gotten to you. Uh, they would have got to me, but they wouldn't have felt like they were right. I wouldn't have believed it. Uh, and as such, I thought, yeah, I, I am worthless. I'm shit. You know, they know they got me. I'm, you know, and I, that's why I really believe in this. First of all, that, look, you know, I, I don't want to woe is me. That was hard. And, and yeah, that's the reason why I thought, you know, it's, it's, if you don't think you're shit, it, people telling you you're shit, you're going to kind of like now in my life, I read negative reviews. Somebody goes, Oh, that last duel was incoherent. I'm like, no, it isn't. You're an idiot. You know, I just don't believe it, so I don't care. I take, I look at criticism like, all right, I'll take it. Is there something I have to learn from this? Uh, that's a good point. No, 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 no. Okay, well, all right. Now, now I let it go because I've been through therapy and I've done all this shit for years and I've been through my own whole fucking journey. Uh, but it took a while. It took longer than it needed to because I had internalized that sense and maybe I brought it about. I don't know. Maybe I because I always believed that about myself uh, on some level. Um, that was really hard, you know, and, and I, I think that the thing about this movie is because I've seen both the sides of the father, I understand how fucking important fathers are, uh, you know, in the sense, and it doesn't have to be, you know, I'm talking about men and women, okay? You can be two, two moms, two dads, non whatever your family system is, whatever it looks like. What matters is that the, you show the children with your time and attention that you believe in them and that they have worth and that they can do hard things and then you love them. And the way that you do that, which I think is really interesting in this movie is, you know, the uncle Charlie's the exaggerated version where he's like, you're no good at sports. Don't take up sports. You suck. You know, but what that speaks to is that like, you got to be honest with kids too. You can't do the thing of like, it's all right. You're great. Everything's great. You got to go, okay, all right. I know you didn't like that. Oh, yeah, you're not that good at it. I get you. I know that sucked out because kids know they're fucking miserable. Kids know they, they're not good at basketball. You tell them they are, they're just going to be like, what are you, crazy? I just scoring points. You when know? you decided to have... But then when you fucking, you have credibility and when you tell them, but I love you and you can do this and you, ha you have worth and you mean something, believe me, you can do hard things, then the kid goes, okay. I can do it. Yeah. Well, not to internalize that voice. Don't you want to scream at your own father and say, hey, I did the work to figure this shit out. You know, I didn't have a role model, but I went and figured it out for my kids. You should have figured it out for you. Like, you know what? Go to a fucking therapist and get some help learning how to be a father. I don't want to. The decision. I don't want to. I don't want to. Because you know what? He has, like I said, he's been sober 30 years. We make mistakes. He didn't want to do that. My parent, my mother didn't kill herself. My brother didn't kill himself. I didn't get fucking sent to the hospital as a kid. I mean, the trauma and shit that he went through. And, and you know what? A lot of his family didn't survive it, and he did. And he's been sober for 30 years, and I respect it. Now, that doesn't mean that it changes the reality of what happened to me. And it doesn't mean that I have to forgive that. You know, and I, I'm like I told my daughter, you know, well, I, I'm not going to say that. But I think that, you know, it, 
I can say, okay, this is what you did, and this is how it hurt me. And I, I haven't been, I am not, I can't, I don't scream at it, but I've told him. I've said it, you, you know that. Yeah, I've told, and he knows. He goes, yeah, I know. It fucked you up. Of course it did. Your father was a drunk, and, you know, it was, a fu- it was embarrassing, and I'm sorry, and it was a fucking, I hated it. And I, you know, he said that to me. I mean, look, when I was in sixth grade, the fucking seventh grade civics trip, the public elementary school was to the courthouse to learn. You know, they, they take the kids there. It's supposed to be learning civics, but it's really like, don't be an asshole. You're going to get arrested by the judge and go to jail. So they go there. They come back from the trip, and all the seventh graders are acting weird. And, you know, you look up to seventh graders like gods because, you know, they're in seventh grade and you're in sixth. And they also had hit puberty and shit, so they're two feet tall. And... And they're like, they never talked to me. They go, hey, you, you're Affleck. Are you Ben Affleck? And I thought, hey, let me. And I said, yeah, yeah. Is your dad named Tim? I said, yeah. And they all laugh and run away. They got to the fucking courthouse. And the case that was in front of the judge was my dad getting arraigned for DUI and coke possession. And fucking, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you... You know, so that that kind of stuff stays with you. You know, that stuff makes you feel. But the fact that you could go to your father and say, man, you you fucked me up. You know, there was a lot of shit here that went down that you caused. That's that's a brave move. Uh, I don't think a lot of people can do that. I I don't I I couldn't do it until I was a grown man. Is that part? Is that part of getting sober? Is that all like going? It's part of maturing. Getting sober actually helped me be more forgiving and recognize and go. You know what? He had it fucking rough too. Because you know what? What happens when you get sober is you sit around and you see a lot of people you develop empathy for who've done the same fucking thing. And I look at him and go, you know, he's a good guy. She's a good person. You know, yeah, she fucked up. She knows it. She knows she shouldn't have been shooting fucking heroin. Like, she's not thinking she did the right thing. She's full of guilt and shame. So what am I going to pound on her for? It's kinder to show forgiveness and love, and that's what helps people. And that that forgiveness is like, I always thought well, forgiveness is for other people. It's not. It's for you. So you can fucking let go. You know what else I'm realizing now? I didn't put this together. But even taking the role of Batman, these fucking fans are insane with this shit. I remember when um, uh, Michael Keaton became Batman. They shit on that guy. Remember, it was first announced he got the part. You would have thought he was the devil, like he had fucked someone's mother or something. You know, the way they were screwing with this guy. Then even uh, um, um, when uh, what's his name played the Joker, uh, Heath Ledger, they were writing shit about him. I mean, the guy won the Academy Award posthumously for, for the for the Joker. You get Batman. And I'm thinking, like, if, if, the criticism, pro- I was thinking, oh, what does Ben Affleck care if anybody thinks he's going to be a good Batman? But you must have really taken that to heart when they were like, fuck that, Ben Affleck can't be Batman. You know, no, no matter who gets that role, they go, he's an asshole and he can't handle it. And, and the, you must have really been hurt by those comments. I, I was hurt. I was less hurt than I would have been 10 years earlier. But I was hurt because I felt like, wait a minute, come on, what do I got to do? You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to do something, you know, like, Jesus Christ. Like, I thought it was an interesting idea. Um, but you know what? I also realized at that point, like, every it's going to be... Now, this turns into a petition. Now they got this thing. Everybody's in a petition for that. You're like, you really yeah. 100,000 you signed a fucking petition? Like, you know, <laughs> you know anything better to do with your day to sign petitions if it was going to be bad? But ironically, the, you know, 
I mean, the reason I did is I wanted to do a movie for my kids, particularly my son, that they would see and be proud of. And, and now I realize, like, your kids, by definition, are never proud of your movies because they're just <laughs> like, oh, my God. You know, they love making funny. Like, my kids only want to see, like, Armageddon. Like, tell us again about how you're an astronaut. <laughs> actually more of an oil driller. You know, and they, they get joy. And that actually, what I've realized is the great thing about that is I, I never could do that to my father. I could right. never say that. Anything like that to my father. Not no, only neither. scared him, but I thought, well, what if he falls apart? You know, or what if some terrible The fact that my kids feel safe to me to say basically like fuck you in your movies is beautiful. It's it's yes. really it's exactly what you my daughter goes, you know, Dad, I don't consider film a legitimate art form. <laughs> I said, Well, that's your opinion. Maybe it'll because change me. What you're saying is they don't see you as a fragile human being who's going to fall apart if they say yeah. something to you. You had a parent that you, in a sense, had to be the parent. You had to walk on eggshells and make sure that father of yours didn't start drinking and end up doing a DUI. Man, yeah. it is, yeah. it's crazy. It's crazy it's, what yeah. you got to deal it's, with. But you, but you see that that is healthy adolescent behavior. They need to individuate. They need to tell you fuck yourself to varying degrees. Now, I'm still, I'm close to them. I'm here. They know. I actually, they, I'm so, because I'm divorced and I got half the time and I try to, I'm still, I'm a little like, I'm probably over the top in their eyes because I'm trying to jam a full week of dad into three and a half days and I'm like out there jumping rope. Who wants to play a game? Shoot some ladders? I'm 16 years old. You know what I mean? And I'll try yeah. to get down with them. So who's on the, who's on the radio? Who's this singer? She, she really slaps. You know, and I'm like, would you get the fuck out of my room? <laughs> and I don't even know anybody is, I mean, nothing makes you feel uncool like being a father. You really realize, I don't know fucking thing about what's going on here and i can't fake it because they can see right through you and they'll just be like like for for i started studying when i started getting sober i i, I start i read this book i started meditating i'm really interested in buddhism it was the first time i read about anything religious wise even though it's not theistic that really made sense to me and i i i, I met this guy Noah levine who was a really brilliant teacher i started meditating it started because i read about the science of meditating that helps the brain and and I was trying to figure out what to do with my life, divorced, all that stuff. And I've continued to find, I, I'm not a Buddhist. I haven't, you know, done the whole the ceremony, but I really like it. I love it. I like to meditate. And I've found that what it has to say really resonates with me. And so occasionally, like, you know, I'll tell the kids, well, you know, Buddhism, well, you know, AA, you know. And I don't, I don't bang the fucking book. I'm not one of those guys. I know they don't want to hear it. But my, my teenage daughter just turned to me one day and said, Dad, you know what the title of my memoir is going to be? I was like, no, what? My father, the Buddhist. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh wow. Was, do you, do you, you know, uh, you know, it sounds like uh, I, I always think about this because I, I see you so much in the tabloids walking around with your kids. I was divorced. I had three daughters, three young daughters. It was a very difficult time in my life. I mean, uh, divorce is the a worst. horrible thing. It's the worst. the worst. And and unlike you, I was always trying to pack in fun, be fun dad and all that. It just gets so warped. Uh, when you go out, though, anything you do is photographed with these kids. I, I, I don't know how you don't lose your cool during that. What it, 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 I have it, lost my cool, unfortunately, a few times. Um, but I don't because of my kids and I try, but what I will do is I'll put them inside, I'll take them in and then come back out and give the guys a lecture and shit. These are kids, they're 13 year olds, and they're like, yeah, 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 okay. 
And then we come out. The, and the lecture does no good anyway, right? Even though you lecture, no good. You're, You're like, like, oh, good. Look, we can film this. You know, it's like more money. <laughs> yeah. uh, and and even and 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 uh, and, and even the, the relationship now. I I see you. You're with Jennifer. That mm-hmm. even brings more attention to you. You've been through that scene where you're constantly in the tabloids. Was there hesitation on your part uh, because now you're a dad and you, you, you're just like, fuck, I got to, you know, if I'm with her, I get the two of us together. For some reason, the two of you together creates like a, a fucking a dynamic like I've never seen before in the history of man. Uh, was there hesitation on your part to say, just, you know, I can't go through this again? You know, uh, it crossed my mind for sure that, well, look, my response to my children is the highest responsibility I have. So nothing, I didn't do anything that's, that's painful or destructive to them if I can help it. That being said, you know, um, I know that my life affects them. I dropped my son off at school two days ago, and he's the only one who will kind of talk about he's nine years old and there's a bunch of the old boys out there doing some toy drive or something, and they heard him go, like, oh, Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck. And the kid looks at me and goes, hashtag welcome to my life. And gets out and goes into the, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm sorry, buddy. It's a pain in the ass. And he's gone, you know. But I, so <clears throat> I've already inflicted that on them. You know, me and their mom are celebrities. And that's hard. Let's not bullshit each other, right? That's a fucking right. cross to bear. That's an albatross already. Um, so I've, I've tried to live my life in a way that – and then – you know, they, during the divorce, they printed fucking horrible lies. Uh, horrible, mean. Like what? What were the just, lies? I don't even want to give voice to it because then it goes, oh, they said this, they said that. Anything what? you read about that was bullshit. The truth was we, we took our time. We made the decision. We didn't want to show the kind of we, – we grew apart. We had a marriage that didn't work. This happens. There's somebody I love and respect, but – to whom I wa- I shouldn't be married any longer. And um, we said, you know what? We don't want to. Ultimately, we, we tried. We tried. We tried because we had kids. And then we said, we don't, both of us felt like we don't want this to be the model that our kids see of marriage. Biggest really compromised. I don't want them to grow up and go, oh, my parents fucking. And you know what? I would have ended up fucking. We probably had each other's throats. I'd probably still be drinking. You know, like right. it was just part of why I started drinking alcoholically because I was trapped. You know, I was like, I can't leave because of my kids, but I'm not happy. What do I do? And what I did was like, you know, drink a bottle of scotch and fall asleep on the couch, which turned out not to be the solution. Were but, you ever suicidal? during Ben, were you ever suicidal during that point? Did you have thoughts of like, I should just kill myself and just be done with nope, this? Never once. Never, never once. Yeah. I, I am very lucky. I, I have had depression. And I had, as an adolescent, I can remember having some like, I wouldn't say serious, but sort of vaguely, you know, depression related, suicidal thoughts. I, I, I've been on antidepressants for 25 years. I really believe in them psychotropic drugs, the right ones with the right treatment. They, they know more. I'm not one of these fucking, I actually think one of the most irresponsible things in AA are the, the ignorant people who, who conflate psychotropic drugs with like abusable drugs. Like that's not only stupid, it's irresponsible. I know a guy who sponsored told him quit his antidepressants. Guy hanged himself, and I, I wanted to fucking go to this guy's house. I, you know, I ran into him, and I said, you know, I got angry. And uh, because I felt like you're to blame for this and your stupidity and your uh, assumption of some, you know, role of expert. You're not a fucking expert. You're just a drunk that got sober. Congratulations. What the fuck else do you know? What are you, a doctor? You're a fucking moron. You know what I mean? I'm glad you're sober. You're a sober moron. 
You know what I mean? You shouldn't be telling anybody with the fucking medication. You want to tell people with polio what to do too? Anyway, obviously it's an issue for me. So I, right. I felt like, you know, going back to the, the kids and the divorce, I thought, look, we don't want to do this. We did it amicably. We did our best. Did we have moments of tension? Did we have disagreements over the custody? Was stuff difficult for us? Did we get angry? Yes. But fundamentally, it was always underpinned with a respect. I knew she was a good mom. I always uh, hoped that she knew that I was a good dad. I knew I was. Um, I had to get sober. I knew that, too, and I acknowledged that. I said, you know, you're right. I got to quit drinking. I'm not going to do this. And it took me, you know, I got a year, then a year and a half, then a year. How you, so, how hard has that been to get sober? I mean, to stay sober, how uh-huh. difficult is it on a scale of 1 to 10? 10 being like it's uh, ridiculously hard. I'll tell you the truth. It depends, right? At the beginning, it's very, very hard. That's 10, okay? You start off because you're in the habit of doing this, whatever it is. And, you know, compulsive behavior, it's like if you, if you limit alcohol or alcohol and drugs, it's a sort of certain segment of society. If you look at the people that overeat, eat their fucking feelings and end up just as unhealthy. It's a lot more. If you look at people who shop and gamble or have sex or relationships or use the fucking phone, we're, we're very programmed to seek out rewards and get compulsive about it, gamble, whatever. Um, nonetheless, it's fucking hard because you've taught yourself. This is the only way to ease my pain. I'm in pain. This is the only way to make it better. And I used to go to meetings and hear all these like old timers say, I'm a grateful alcoholic, and, uh, you know, the obsession left me a long time ago. And I would get so angry, you know. I'd be like, fuck you, you're not grateful. What are you grateful for? You fucked your life up? You're grateful? Congratulations. Boy, I want some of that, too. And the obsession left you? What the fuck are you doing here? You don't want a drink? You're not an alcoholic? Get the fuck out of here. I'm dealing with problems. I want to have a drink. How about that? You know, you're, right. you're, you're just... And I resented that for a long time. And I went through a series of... You know, I got sober, sober for a year, year and a half. I wanted to be sober. I committed to it. And the problem with that fight is, like, you can win a thousand times. You know, you only have to give in once. And you can, you're never going to win all the time. Right. So something fundamental has to change. And I hate to say it, but the cure for addiction, the only cure I've seen, and not, like, these fucking overpriced rehabs or a lot of these fraudulent fixes that are sold to people, they're, they're good people who will support you. Alcoholics Anonymous, I think, by and large, is a good organization. It's not the only one. Um, the cure for addiction is suffering. You suffer enough that something inside you goes undone. And I'm like lucky because I hit that point before I lost really the things that were the most important. Not my career or money, but it was my relationship with my kids. And when I felt as if it impacted them, I recognized it. It, it was the worst day of my life. I made amends. And I, I, for a while, I thought maybe this is temporary. Maybe this feeling is going to go away. But since that day, I swear to Christ, I have not ever wanted to drink once. Ever. Wow. So it's the easiest thing in the world. Because every time I think about it, I'm just like, holy shit, that's the worst day in the world. I don't want that. I can't do that. And that's the piece that people find. So now I'm that asshole. It's like, you know, I'm grateful. I, learned a lot. I actually got to be a better person through this process, and I've lost the obsession. And you and great for you, you didn't want to turn into your father, who couldn't stop exactly. drinking for you. I mean, that, that's I remember that's talking to Matt deal. and saying that point. Like, you know, my dad only drank for these years, but those are the years we remember. And I, I, and I was like, I'm just not going to do it. And... And then once I knew that, once you find that thing, whatever it is, and hopefully you find it before you, some people don't, 
I know people who are dead. I know people who, you know, really bad things can happen to you. And, but if you do, um, you're, you're actually in a tremendous relief. Like I always do people lying, like it gets better. It kind of, yeah, I don't, I'm not cured. I don't even want to pick up a drink because that would be the worst thing I could do. You know, even if I had one drink, I'd just be like, holy shit, I can't do that again. You know, I just, am, I, it, it has to get into the amygdala. If it's the thing, if you're thinking about it and your brain's making the decision, your brain will make the wrong decision. Because your brain will always find a way to talk you into doing the thing you really want and justify. That's why I like that scene where the guy's trying to explain why. You know why I'm not an alcoholic? He's like, dream, yeah. dream. Yeah, well, tell me, right, why are you an alcoholic? I mean, and, but, you make- once you hit that, you just don't. It's it, Then it's it's in there. So there's, and I you, mean, you, look, I'm not a preacher, but there's a fucking, there is a happy ending if you can get there. Yeah, no, it's great because I tell you, you're making me think you're right. Our society, man, everyone's overweight, drinking, gambling, sex addiction is fucking out of control. But we don't put the same, yeah, we don't put the same stigma on it that we do with alcohol and drugs. It's interesting. It's just as bad. Yeah. And people go broke. They ruin their lives. One of the things, and this is why I think whether intentionally or not, the guys who came up with this idea, I think originally, the irony is, I thought that Alcoholics Anonymous, I thought was all well, the anonymity, is because you don't want to get, you know, stigmatized. Like you say, people don't know. And I did more reading, and it turned out that actually they added that because guys would come to the meetings and then go out and get drunk again, and they thought they were making them look bad. So they're like, don't tell anybody you're with us, okay? You're making us look like assholes, which I think is genius. Um, yeah. But there is a virtue to, it's weird, though, too. There are other actors other famous people who have had a lot worse experience with addiction than me that I happen to know about. And yet they kind of, and some people know about them, they know about them vaguely, but it doesn't become a thing that's associated with them. Um, and it's sort of stuck to me in that way. I, maybe because I did the movie about it, which is my own fault. And maybe because I'm like forthright about it. So I own it. But I also go like, hold on, come on. Like it gets in these interviews and everyone like bites their bottom lip. And it's like, how's the, uh, you know, the demons? I'm like, yeah, they're all right. How's your life? You know, I keep thinking, like, you're getting talked to by people whose fucking life is in shambles, you know what I mean? They go home and they're, like, talking to the rat in the basement and a different personality. <laughs> I'm all right, you know? And by the way, all the other actors you talked to today uh, were addicted to something. And you know, it's actually a very common thing. And I mean, you said the DJ, the arts, whatever. You see it all the time. All the time. It's just out there. And, you know, I do want to thank you for talking about it, especially sobriety, because guys like you who, you know, are on top of the world and you are doing so well and people do look up to you and think, you know, life's perfect. They, you know, they need to hear this from someone like you. And the fact that you don't whitewash it, you don't shove it under a carpet, you're not ashamed of it. You're like, hey, I had some shit I had to go through, too. You had a fucking father who I mean, how do you learn in life? You know, you could go two ways. You got a father who's an alcoholic, raging alcoholic. You either become an alcoholic or you just completely never touch alcohol. But either way, it's almost legitimate. It, there's Absolutely. no other way to respond. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and, and part of it's biological and part of it's, it really hit me when I had like a, a life crisis, when I really was in pain. And the end of the day is I don't think there's anything to be ashamed of. I don't even think it's that, that interesting. This story's been told so many times. Yeah, it's a thing I had to deal with. I don't worry. It's actually like, it's ironic because I think to myself, if I had to leave my kids, like if I had to go away, it was an emergency, right? And I had to find someone to leave my kids with who I really trusted. Somebody I really thought had integrity or I had to leave. You know, I found a million bucks. Hold this for me. You know, take it, you know, and I'll be back. You know, pick 10 people. 
seven of them will be recovered alcoholics or drug addicts because wow. there's something, it's not the sobriety, sobriety or, or the, the, um, uh, abstaining. Okay. That that's just a precursor. That's almost meaningless. You can abstain from drugs and alcohol and be a fucking disaster. The genius of, of what they figured out. And I know a lot of people who are sober. It's I think like sober horse thieves. What do you call horse thieves that get sober? Sober horse thief. It's like, but in fact, my dad told me that story. He was like, hey, watch out. Don't think everybody here you can trust and believe in. And because uh, there's a lot of, it's still a lot of bunch of fucking grifters. And he was like, it's the dented can aisle. Don't make any fucking dummy illusion. <laughs> and uh, I think that's fun. Alcoholics think that's fun. And, and he, um, he <laughs> I'm said, not an you alcoholic. know, oh, well, there you go. And a few other people with very gallows humor sensibilities. Um, and then I said, you know, I was like, well, um, you know, I'm got, oh, where was I going with that? I forgot the thing. Anyway, it, it just You know what that, I'm thinking about. Oh, I know what it is. Oh, it's that I fucking, okay. Yeah, it, I know what it was. It's because it's important. It's that it wasn't that. It's that the, the thing, whether it was a, a thing they came up with consciously or not, that doesn't get you sober. You'll never get sober avoiding something that you think is going to make you feel good. Ever. Because eventually you want what makes you feel good. The thing that worked for me, and the thing that I've seen work for a lot of people, is like we don't we're not like punishment doesn't work attraction works reward works it's like this character thing i don't i don't go around telling the kid like hey he don't be an asshole you'll fuck out you'll get you'll go to your room you know he the kid wants to be like i I see people i want to be like and then i start living that way and i'm like you know what i didn't fucking i know i didn't drink i fucking told you the truth i live with real integrity i apologized when i fucked up really fast I don't have, it. nobody is going to call me on the phone. That's going to make them, my heart's thinking, oh shit, I fucked up. Nothing. Whatever it is, I didn't do it. You know what I mean? And that feeling, I was like, I never want to lose this. This is heaven for me. I love it. I love feel. And part of it is because I, you know, I didn't feel good about myself for so long. I found a way that, and I think a lot of alcoholics and I are like this. You find something you feel good about. A lot of people do it in service. I mean, look, I'm, Probably speaking out of term, but like Robert Downey Jr. is somebody I admire enormously. This guy, he's been sober 15 years, he's a year in the can. Guys must have 15 sponsors. He's Iron Man, spends all his days, you know, texting people in and out of jail, drug out, trying to help put him on. I mean, he does it constantly, still to this day. It's like people come through that making really profound changes. And that's why when people go, oh, my this, my that, and the one lucky thing about Everybody know my fucking life is that I actually do get a chance to help some people because I get calls like, oh, man, I don't know what the fuck to do. What should I do? And and I, I'm able to do what I can, which you know, I'm not a miracle worker, but I, I try, I show up, I do things. And, you know, I feel like, look, it's, you know, that, it, that sobriety, the whole thing is like, it's not don't drink. It's fucking be honest, <laughs> say you're sorry and help people. And if you do that, you can't drink anyway. You know what I mean? So it's like you don't even think about that. No, this is a simple idea, but it's, if you subscribe to it, I'm telling you, life gets a whole hell of a lot better. Yeah, no, it's, uh, what you're saying is great. I, I mean, I got a million things. That, I mean, I, I've kept you here long enough, but uh, you've been gracious with your time. But, man, there's oh. a million topics I wanted to talk to you about. I mean, even even the idea of your father, this, it's so complex with alcohol and even, like, you know, having to take care of a parent the little kid that's in the movie with you is so fucking adorable. That kid, I you want to just, you want to hug that kid. I oh mean, uh, 
it was so easy. I mean, my son was nine. He was nine. I was, you know, I was like, I fell right into, I fell in love with the kid. Daniel Ranieri, he's a spectacular kid. He lives in New York. And we, I just got, this is the thing when being a celebrity, Matt, most of the time I'm like, fame is bullshit. I hate it. It's, you get a reservation at a restaurant. That's about it. I just want to do this job. I never feel like I got But then there's times where like, you know, he's doing the junk with me last night. I said, what do you want for Christmas? You know, and he, he's like, oh, well, you know, basketball jerseys. I like basketball jerseys. I said, you like basketball? He's like, yeah, you know, I like uh you know, I like the Knicks, and I like, the, you know, I'm giving him shit about the Knicks, and I said, yeah, yeah, well, you like to go to basketball? He's like, I've never been. I said, you've never been to a basketball game? Right then, I was like, okay, this is going to come in handy, because, you know, I do know people. So I'm like, okay, right. who's playing tonight? I got some fucking floor seats. Daniel's going to go to a basketball game with his mom and dad, and it's like, you know, he was out there, and, you know, watching the it's sweet the You know, and it's I mean, like, he's adorable. I was going to give that, oh, give something, help somebody, give something nice for somebody, there's no more joyful thing than that, you know. Where do you stand on that with these little kids who get into? I mean, you got into acting at a young age. Uh, I'm very. I, good. I, I didn't. Even, I, I didn't even get into that TV show you're on. I watched it on the internet, but when you were 11 years old, crazy, yeah. crazy stuff, man. I was 10, 11, 13, yeah. Well, I stand, were you the most popular kid in high school, or not high school, but like whatever, whatever grade you're in, and no, you're 11, because and you're that on, show you, was used as like an educational tool in sixth grade classrooms, so they made kids suffer through it. So the people who knew it were like, I had to watch that fucking show in sixth grade. There's no yeah, like, but come on. If I knew any kid at 11 years old who was on TV in any way back then, I mean, I would have thought, Jesus, this guy's shit doesn't stand. I, 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 I know. If I was on like Channel Four. You know what I mean? If it was Disney, I would have been a fucking massive star. But it's PBS. It's like the Sesame Street station. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, like this is yeah, people knew it. You know, people I guess also it didn't come out until it took forever to put it together and it didn't come out until several years later. And people knew about it and maybe it did impress my friends and I wasn't aware of it. But my parents wisely were like Okay, you can do that, but you're going to be, no, we're not, you know, I'm not sure the option was there for me to go become a big successful child actor, but there was no like moving to Burbank and staying at the Oakwood Suites and doing pilot season and make, you know, my mom's my manager and nothing. It was like, no, we're not doing that because they knew people in the theater. My father wanted to be a director and a writer and he, he, he couldn't do it. He had disappointment. Everybody had disappointment and they didn't want me to fucking be an actor. And I stumbled into it and then. And you know what the truth is? Like, that show, they worked me too hard. I was over-adultified. It's not healthy, really, for kids. You carried that show. You were the star. What, what was the name of that show? I'm, I'm drawing a blank. It's, uh, the Meanie was the boat. Voyage right, of the Meanie. I was watching there. I go, man, look at this guy. 11 years old. Pretty, pretty um, uh, sophisticated kid. You know what I mean? You're able to go on camera. You had the majority of the line. You carried that thing. You had, what a crazy life you've had. And then your mother was a like hard acting. person. I mean, it's yeah, you did. You really loved acting from a, from a young age. Well, listen, the new, the, let, let me just say a couple of things. We didn't even get into, I was going to give you my thesis on why Batman could never beat up Superman, but I, I think we're running out of time for that. Uh, you know, there, there is kryptonite. I'll come back. Next, come back. <laughs> you, you'll, a you'll, pleasure, Howard. I'd love to come back. I mean, there was a time where doing Howard Stern was like, what are you, fucking crazy? You think I'm going to go I on was that crazy. Show? I was crazy. You think you're crazy. I'll tell you my story one time. I'll come on your show and I'll tell you my whole story. I would but, love uh, it. I start a I, show because if you boost the ratings for me. I'm going um, to talk to you next If we get a next time uh, about Boston. I promise you we'll get a next time. Wonderful. Uh, we're going to talk about, um, well, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff, but we should mention again before you leave here, 
that there is a new movie. Uh, and it's directed by George Clooney. Big shot. George Clooney. Boy, that guy's yeah. something else. Did he ever tell you the story when he shit in the litter box? Did he tell you that one? Jesus, <laughs> what a... He tells he everybody go- that one. <laughs> it's great. You know what, though? George is like, that's the fucking joy of working with... He's got the best stories. And the ones he can't tell on talk shows are even better. I mean, the people oh. he's met, things he's seen are spectacular. But I aren't mean, you worried okay, but- a guy like that is going to take you and do some kind of practical joke that's going to be horrendous and really fuck you up? I'm scared of people like that. I, I- a little bit, but, you know... The, the saving grace was it was COVID. So, like, as soon as they said cut, we had to, like, get in the sarcophagus, you know what I mean? And we Yeah, I mean, but this guy's crazy. But anyway, look, um, uh, what a pleasure to talk to you. Really, uh, so much more to talk about. But Ben stars in The Tender Bar. Wonderful film. Opens in select theaters this Friday. Really heartwarming story. Uh, it is uh, about and a young so boy real you know um i've had some history with alcoholics and you know what that is like and it it was just amazing to me how you were hitting things that people don't necessarily know or or put in movies like that it was amazing to me what what it, it was like this is the this is the way it is yeah. and it, Hey, do I have this right? You are you are nominated for Best Supporting Actor Golden Globe. I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah look at you. Congratulations. Thank you very this much. This is congratulations and you deserve it. And uh and really the other thing you. I wanted to tell you is yeah. that I love the performances in Gone Girl so much. Thank you. If you come to my house, you wind up watching that movie with me. <laughs> Well, their performances together and watch and go. I knew my husband was a fucking horrible. Sister. Well, I didn't even get into the accountant with you. I didn't get into Jack Ryan with too, you. Yeah. Uh, and and my favorite speech you ever did in the movies was in the boiler room. Uh, I I would imagine New York guys that- love that movie. Ben Younger oh. kind of reminds me of you. Directed that every time I go to New York, I was just twenty years old, and guys from New York always bring it back to me and, and talk about. It. When you walk in the room and you tell these guys, listen. You're going to all be millionaires. You know, I'm a millionaire. Here's the keys to my fucking Ferrari. I mean, it's just, it, does that take a long time to prepare? In other words, to get that to be fluid, like like to get it so that it flows like that's really who you are. What, how many days do you rehearse that scene? No, it, it wasn't much. I, 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 it's When writing is good for me, like when it's so great like that and fun, I kind of go to the last duel. Like you play one of these characters who's so unabashedly who he is and doesn't give a fuck. There's something, and it'll, and it'll say things that most people would never say. And he's just so like open with like, yeah, like this is the fucking receipt to my ATM. You know, there's so much money in my fucking Ferrari. You know, you say money doesn't buy happiness. Look at the fucking smile on my face. It's like. <laughs> That's it's, such a it's great like, thing. Yeah, you forget that. To be too, I mean, and, and to be honest, Ben Younger, we, it, that always came from uh, the Alec Baldwin speech in Glengarry and Ross. That right. was the model, the archetype for that. And we always thought, we want to do something like Glengarry. And, and Ben was a great guy. And it was the first time I got paid like a bunch of money for a short time. Three days, I got a million dollars. So I kind of felt like that guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was like, yeah, hey, a million dollars. First time I got a million dollars. So we have a lot to talk about, but I see the sign says Ben really has to go. And that means. Does it really? Really. Yeah, it really means you have to <laughs> Somebody go. Somebody protecting right. me. 
Ben, thanks for uh, joining us. You, uh, it was great to talk to it's you. It's a so pleasure. Much. Thank and you. And thanks for your honesty and your openness. And uh, I think it's important, though, a lot of the stuff you thanks. said. Thanks. It's yeah. one of the benefits of uh, having nothing to hide. You know what I mean? There's nothing about me that's bad that people don't know. In fact, most of what they think they know is bad isn't even true. So uh, it's a nice feeling. There is a certain freedom to it. And, uh, you, I, you know, you do a very... I, don't, I mean, everybody knows this. It's like telling Michael Jordan he's a good basketball player. But uh, you, you're very insightful. You're very good at this at interviewing, and Thank you. Uh, you, you got me off guard a few times. But I, uh, I really enjoyed doing it. I wish they were all like this. Because let me oh. tell you something, fucking not. So thank you. you. All right. Take Have care a good day. Take bye, care. Bye, bye, Rob. Bye, bye. Ben Affleck, big movie star, big movie. You know, I always look at him, and his face is so just. Uh oh! <laughs> oh, I know. You know, it's so weird. We we have Zoom, and then um, you look. I'm staring at Ben Affleck for two hours, and then all of a sudden, they, they when he signs off, my face comes back up on the screen, and I go, "Oof!" I just went like I literally went, "Oh, oh, stop it!" No, like, it's just like you know yeah. that there's a symmetry. You know, there's a reason people find a face. Yeah. Oh, stop it! I'm no, you know why I'm laughing. You. Stop making it I'm, about you. No, I have to because I'm I'm laughing because this morning I'm getting dressed and you know I, you know I want to look halfway decent so I went Jesus I'm wearing a t-shirt and this jacket and my neck looks really shitty and my, my face Ugh. looks horrible so I put on this scarf thinking the scarf will make me look more <laughs> I handsome. You were wearing a scarf today. Yeah, I put I thought well it'll look make me look a little more bulky you know what I mean like maybe like it'll look like I'm a little thicker up here. And uh, I realize how ludicrous. I'm looking at this guy, and I go, "There's a reason certain people are movie stars. They, they, right. they Robin sliding off her chair for God's sake. No, I mean, no, uh, no, no, no. It was just. Yeah, like, I see. It was. It's a perfect face. There you, you know, go. Like if you were chiseling the perfect man, that would be the face. Well, there you go. Well, <laughs> you have to work with me. I'm sorry. But, oh, uh, there you go. Your face has character. <laughs> Yeah, I, I want less character and I need some symmetry. But anyway, uh, thank you to Ben Affleck. That was uh, very yeah. illuminating, very illuminating. Tomorrow, amazingly candid, really yep. amazingly candid. Good to talk to him and uh, and uh, and good to talk to Beetlejuice as well today, to have uh, two superstars on two the show. Two superstars, yeah. For those of you who missed it, tune in for uh, the replays, Beetlejuice and Ben Affleck on the same show. Beetlejuice, after five years of being away, was on. And he was just as revealing, talking about the women he has sex with, uh, <laughs> you know, he had talking about Bitcoin, all this stuff. Uh, it was yeah, crazy. Yeah, you said his mother was 70, and then you asked him how old he was. He said he was 80. <laughs> yeah, he might have been lying. Uh, if that's not enough for you, Neil Young tomorrow, certainly, for me, top five songwriters in the world. I mean, Neil Young, most prolific. Unbelievable. You want to get ready for Neil Young, watch some of those concerts he did just around the time when uh, he was putting out Harvest. and uh, I don't know. I've seen him do a whole bunch of live stuff. He, he's fucking genius. I mean, Paul McCartney goes, yeah, I listen to Neil Young when I want to hear good music. So that says it all. Uh, and we'll see you tomorrow. There you go. Bye.